AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palbociclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome to Drink Champs, a production of the Black Effect and iHeartRadio. And it's Drink Champs, motherfucking podcast. Make some noise! He's a legendary Queens rapper. Hey, hey, Sangri, this is your boy N-O-R-E. He's a Miami hip-hop pioneer. What up, it's DJ EFN. Together, they drink it up with some of the biggest players. You know what I mean? In the most professional, unprofessional podcast, and your number one source for drunk facts. It's Drink Champs, motherfucking podcast. Where every day is New Year's Eve. It's time for Drink Champs. Drink up, motherfucker. Hope this one should be. This is your boy N A O N A A. What up? It's DJ E F N. This is Entertainment Crazy Raw Radio. Drink chance, motherfucker. Yappy hour. Make, Make some noise. 
EFN started this show, we started and we said we want to give people, you know, their flowers that is season, that is legends. And when we talk about legends, we talk about real people who create, who paint, paved the way for both of us to be here. These dudes have toured all over the world. They toured like wrestlers. Mm. I feel like they was the WWE. These guys has transitioned, has stayed who they are, but crossed over it, but stayed who they are. The first people to light up in anywhere on stage, especially Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Holy moly, guacamole. I had to rewatch that. I watched the documentary. These guys are legends of legends. They paved the way. If you are Latino, if you are a smoke man, if you are a person who loves music, if you're a person who loves raving, all this, that, all that, that shit is just all combined together for the most selling Latino group of all times. I seen it in the documentary, I had to Google it myself. <laughs> in case you don't know who the fuck we talking about, we talking about our homies, our family. Motherfucking Savings! Now, one thing watching the documentary is one of the first things I, I noticed is it was Cypress Ave. Yeah. It's not Cypress Hill. Right. So why did y'all name it Cypress Hills if, if it was all Cypress Ave? Okay, so like before we really got on, we were called DVX, right? Wow. Devastating vocal excellence. Corny as it might be, that's what it was. <laughs> right. But when we got on, we had to change our name to something. And... Uh, you know, Muggs was constantly bringing East Coast music over to to Send Dog and myself, and one of the, one of those uh, one of those albums was Wild Style. It was the soundtrack mm. for the movie, mm. and uh, in in one of those joints, um, Ram LZ references Cypress Hill. Mm. He lived Send Dog lived on Cypress Ave, so we thought Cypress Hill. And, but there is a hill. Mm. No, a we don't have no. a hill. No. But I'm saying that, no. There's a street. There's another street down. I lived on Dearborn. Yeah. Ave. Yeah. Okay. Really? That's did you, right. Did, did, you, did you ever see Lollipop Lane, the, the preschool? Yeah. <laughs> I went to that school. Oh, no, yeah, no yeah. shit. That's crazy. So, yeah, you know, that just seemed like the natural way to go. So that's why a lot of people thought we were from the East Coast in the beginning, right. because right. of that little flip right there. Right. You know, otherwise right. we would have been called Cypress Avenue or some other shit. It fits. It fits. I, I, I was, when I looked, I said, damn, it's Cypress Ave. I said, how do they get Cypress Hill? So it, it, it never dawned on me. But, yeah. Muggs, let's go straight to you. These guys come in the dressing room. They tell you not to stop smoking because you were smoking. No, I was rolling up. At Saturday Night Live. For, I was I'm sorry. For those who didn't see the documentary. It, it, it was rehearsal. Okay. And I was rolling up a rehearsal. Okay. Just rolling up in the this is not the day before, this is the day it of. This is the day of, okay, you know, okay. earlier, and I was like, don't smoke, okay, I ain't gonna smoke. But were you smoking? Not yet. Okay, so they just smelled it on you, and they, that was like... Well, they knew we were, were infamous for that shit. They knew something was gonna happen, because we, we'd be in Sony, Columbia, smoking, <laughs> nobody could smoke in Columbia Records but right. us. Right. Donnie Ano would be like, that's Cypress Hill, leave him alone. Wherever we went, we was, we was blazing, getting kicked mm -hmm. out of hotels, everything. Right. So I'm just rolling up, and you know... It was like, don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke. It was like, in the right. dressing room. They're in not the even talking about stage. Yeah, they ain't even okay. stage yet. Right. And um, they said, don't light up on stage. Right. All right, cool. 
after a while, I was like, man, fuck them. You know what I mean? Because we, we're young and aggressive. We just really didn't give a fuck. We're trying to figure this whole music shit out and be fucking courteous, you know what I mean? And be nice and try to fit in and act right. But still, we're young and still aggressive. And we're like, man, man, fuck these motherfuckers. I'm going to light up. And what's Saturday Night Live in New York at this time? Yes. 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 It's always Yeah, it's always I'm just saying. Because you know what's crazy now? New York passed the bill where you can actually, like, I swear to God, the last six months that I've been going back home, I've been smoking right in front of the police. It's the weirdest fucking film in the world. That's why they should have us back now. That's my point. That's my point. That's my you know what the original plan was to that, uh-huh. you know, but because they kept antagonizing him with right. not smoking, we were gonna, like, we had been doing shows at that time where we were destroying our set at the like end some of, rock and of roll our shit. show, like some yeah, rock and roll smashing shit. Smashing the turntables, okay. all that Smashing the turntables, uh-huh. burning bobos, congas on fire, yeah. like, this is how Cypress Hill ends the show, uh-huh. right? And we were ending tours like that, and then we started doing it every show. We bought these shitty turntables, mugs would unplug them, uh, swap them out at the end, and we'd fucking smash the set. So the plan was to do this on Saturday Night Live, smoke at the end. But they kept fucking with him, and he said, fuck it. He went So, so did you tell the group, the or rip. you just did this on your own? No, I just did it. I he knew, went off I, the I knew <laughs> We had to do it at the beginning because um, right. I know they might cut the TV off. Right. So we right. didn't want to do it the first song. Oh, this is live. This it was live. Yeah. The second oh, song. Yeah. Oh, you know, I know okay. Rage Against the Machine was on there, and they was talking right. they was going to do something, and they cut them off before their second song. So I was like, we got to mm. do it at the second song so they don't cut us off live. Right. Mm. So when I lit up, they so said everybody that, knew then already that you was gonna do that. that pretty plan, much, yeah. The plan was, the plan was we, were, we all had joints ready, so that when we wrecked the set, we were gonna stand over the aftermath of it right. and make that statement. But they kept fucking with them. Right. You know what I mean? And I, I could relate to that because you know we we come from that punk rock state of mind where right. like if you tell us not to, we're going to. Right. And fuck now, fuck the plan. I'm gonna really show you that we're going to. And he did it off the rip. And, right. and you know what? For as much shit as we got for it and we got banned is one of the most reran fucking episodes. Mm. And they don't cut his part out. And the one That's thing about it, you didn't pass. You, just kept, you yeah. just kept the blunt. Just kept smoking. <laughs> you just kept smoking. Yeah. Nobody. I was looking they like this. calling in, the phone just ringing, going off <laughs> yeah. the hook. We was like, fuck but it. But I think that adds to our fucking myth, you know, right. in, in our legend, I think, you know, that we would do some shit like that. You know, and, and that he would take that risk right there. And, uh, you know, it, it it added to our story, man, in a, right. in, a, in a cool way as opposed to a fucking L we took. No, we fucking got a W off that. Right. Yeah, because at that time, and it says it in the documentary, were you guys actually the first people to light up on stage? I don't know if it's a hip-hop act. As, as, a, as, a, as, yeah, as, as a hip-hop act, most likely. Right. Yeah, you know, because... Obviously, people were making references as we were, and, uh-huh. and we were speaking to it, you know, from the rip. But mm-hmm. I don't remember what was the first show, but someone threw a fucking joint on stage because that would happen to us. We'd get joints rained down. One day I picked one up uh-huh. and I lit it up, and people went fucking crazy for it because uh-huh. they hadn't seen someone light up on stage. So I started doing the shit everywhere uh-huh. I, I, with my own weed, though, because like. Yeah, that time right. hearing records, everybody was talking about don't smoke, like don't smoke. Right. I don't Dr. smoke Dre weed. Because right. yeah. it gives yeah. a brother brain damage, well, and brain damage on the mic said? doesn't matter. What did Dr. Dre say? He said, yeah, it was, it was off expression. I don't smoke weed. It gives a brother brain damage. What? I saw that in the documentary. I was like, what? But I mean, he didn't come over with chronic after that. 
Yeah. Holy shit. But yeah. You know, because so many. So many by y'all. Yeah, um, I mean, so many people had the wrong information for so many years, right. and we fucking actually learned it and were like providing it. You know, and uh, it, it flipped people. It, it made people have a different outlook. Right. And I think that's why it went from that to now the chronic. Like, right. oh, shit, right. maybe these dudes are onto something. So right. I think we opened people's minds on that shit just because we were so blatantly up front with it. Because it was who we were. It was nothing planned. Right. We, you know, like, we got to be this because there's nothing there in, in that lane. This right. is just who we were. We smoked a lot of weed. Right. We loved to do music, and we didn't give a fuck. Right. Let's make some noise for that, goddamn. <laughs> now, you used to be down with House of Pain. Oh, me? No, no, Beastie Boys. That's where I first met Cypress. This was 92. Okay. They opened it up for the Check Your Head tour. Right. And uh, I was playing with them, and then uh, they came on the last couple of weeks on the tour. Right. And then uh, I first met Sen. Right. And then uh, before you know it, I started hanging out on their bus more right. than I was with the Beastie Boys. Right. So, you know, uh, they had the better weed. <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah. you know, it, it just all came together like that. And then right. before you know it, you know, uh, they asked me to do the Soul Assassin tour '93. That was mm. with Funk Dubious, House of Pain, mm. Hooligans. You know, mm. and it uh, it all started from there. Wow, that's the beat that's hat you got. Yes, on? Yes, yes, sir. That's 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 and it was crazy when we went on that Beastie Boy tour. We was making ten, twenty thousand a night. The Beastie Boys was like, "You want to open up? We'll give you five hundred a night." We looked at each other. We was like, fuck it, let's go steal all their fans. We'll sell more records. Mm. We'll get our publishing checks. We'll get bigger. Let's go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it, because your bride is the audience. It, exactly. You know, and, and, and salute to them for taking the chance and bringing us on because, mm. I mean, you know, they, they had put us on a show with them in New York. Remember that at the Octagon mm -hmm. Club or something? Right. And uh, the building that, was the building. It was the building. That's yeah, what yeah, I was first talking about. Like, yeah. First time seminar time at the building. Yeah, right. we're, we're, we're still like up and coming, but they're, we're on the bubble at this point, and the Beasties or someone in their camp says, We should have Cypress Hill open for you guys, blah, blah, blah. So we, right. we go, and this is the first time now, because this is before Lollapalooza and all that shit. Right. We go and do this. And now people are moshing and stage diving and doing all that crazy shit to our music in the Beastie Bo at the Beastie Boys show. And I think that's kind of, they saw that and that opened it up for us to open up for them on the Check Your Head tour, which Because I think to that. you guys kind of like invented like, like rappers other than Beastie Boys, rappers, you know, dominating these festivals. Right. Because back then festivals was like, it, it, was, it was just, the rock it was just right. like rock groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. rare for yeah. hip-hop. Yeah. We was the first hip-hop group to um, headline Reading, big wow. festival in, in England. Wow. Yeah, wow. that's one of their big historical, you 100, know. 150,000. Wow. It's mixed genre, you know, wow. and for hip-hop to headline it, that was wow. big at the time. And just turntables, yeah. right? It wasn't You didn't have the band yet. Yeah, yeah, no. Right, just turntables. Right. Dope. That's crazy. Right, no. That's crazy. Now, Muggs, you was born in Queens? I ain't gonna Queens, lie. Queens, yeah. When I watched the documentary, I claimed you immediately. I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I did not know that. Jamaica Hospital. Um, wow. Between Jackson Heights and Flushing, where my wow. grandparents and my aunt lived there. And wow. then moved to L.A., you know, like seventh, eighth grade. Wow. So how, 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 how was that culture shock? Because Fucking weird. <laughs> weird as fuck. You okay. know what I mean? For me, being able to jump on a bus or a train and, and, and move and... and just being around culture in New York to going to LA and being like just stuck. Wow. Just wow. stuck. And it was slow. And it and, was. And you said from um, what, what part of Queens you just said? Jackson Heights. Oh, Jackson Heights. Oh, okay, damn, damn. That's really, that's really Colombian. That's yeah, the Colombian area. 
yeah, and so you go from there to, to play. I, I moved to Bell Gardens. Okay, and it was it was pretty much that's East Los like Angeles, Southeast Los South, Angeles. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's like um, just ninety nine percent Mexicans. Wow, <laughs> and I was like, yeah. this is a little bit different from because <laughs> <laughs> in like New York it. at the time there was no Mexicans yeah, at that time. There right? was no Mexican oh, shit. Only Puerto Ricans. Yeah, man. Any chance I can get back? So Christmas vacation, I get on the Greyhound and go home. Go back right. to New York. Right. Summer vacation, get on the Greyhound. Three days, ninety nine dollars. Right. Go back to New York for the summer. Wow. Every time, I just go back. But wow. then you know. Just bringing that culture back. Start bringing mm. the culture back. Bringing the pro heads back and the Lee jeans and the Latigras right. and the do-rags. And then mm. I start bringing, you know, when I met the homies here, like, right. start bringing the records back. Wow. Rock him when he was on Zankia Records and The Bridge, Him She Shan Records. Right. And we was like, what's this shit? Oh, KRS-One yeah. right. Records. I bring right. all this shits back. And the records wasn't in L.A. yet. Wow. Nobody had him yet. So wow. we, we There's was no here. internet. Yeah, we were we were so ahead of the game. So we we, right. had, we 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 had a little a little advantage, you know, wow, as far as the culture was. Like you know what I mean? And then right. being Sam would fly back to New York with me. His his dad worked for Delta Airlines, so they get free mm. flights. So oh. they fly back to New York. They'd stay with me in Queens, and we would go right. hang out, drive down to Philly with Clark Kent. Oh, hang out with Clark. Let's give Queens go to Crown Heights. You know what I mean? That's that's it. I mean, I, 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 maybe I knew him and I forgot. Metal Man Ace is your yeah, brother? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. my. Wasn't my, he a part of the group at one point? No. No? no. Not, not at all? Not of this band. Not of this band. Not of this band. DVX. Uh, yeah. Like, DVX like, like thing. Yeah. Ten of us. Yeah, okay. But he had gotten signed before we got on. So, you know, he had, When Mentiroso and all that came right, out. Right. So he popped off his own thing and, you know, Sand Mugs and I popped off Cypress Hill. Yeah. Hey, yo, Haz, hold up a second. I got something to say. Addiction is a treatable disease, but finding the right treatment can be overwhelming and confusing. Shatterproof, a national nonprofit, is here to help without judgment. At Shatterproof, their goal is to help you find addiction care that meets your needs and leads to better health and long-term recovery. When you visit Shatterproof.org, there's an entire section that helps you learn everything you need to know about alcohol and substance use disorder. There's also a find help section to help you find the support you may need. Get help today by visiting shatterproof.org. Again, get help today by visiting shatterproof.org. Yeah, that's my younger brother and wow. you know he, he he did his thing, you know, he and uh had success and kind of more or less showed us that it was attainable to us as well. Right. Type of shit. Right. And uh and along the way, we learned from, you know, what he didn't do right or what he did right or whatever. Right. And, you know, we, we came up behind that. But originally, when I first started my first band, I was in like a, my first hip hop group. I was like in high school still. And, I, and Melo was my rhyme partner. And uh, it, it was all behind because I saw Run DMC on Soul Train. Right. You know right. what I mean? And I was like, these are the dudes. We got to be like these guys, you right. know? So we started doing our own thing with... Uh, DJ Julio G. Right. right? Yeah. 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 And um and then it led that led to, you know, always somebody in the mix doing something together or apart or but it was always this crew right here. Right. It, it could have been a combination of me, him and him, or him, him, or whatever. But right. there was always something in the works. There was never anything any point where like we were not like actively trying to record or do something, you know what I mean? Right. And it all started from from that point. And that was like a when I first started, it was like 1983. You know what I mean? Mm. I was, I was mm. still in high school at that point. That was I was doing my thing. You know, I was just trying to 
I knew that there was something there. You get me? Right. You know right. what I'm saying? So that's right. what we that's what we always that's what we always strive for on the block. Right. Let me ask y'all all a question real quick because y'all first video was shot in New York, right? No, it wasn't. What, what, what uh, was what was? The Funky Phil one, which is the first one, right, was shot f- at downtown L.A. Okay. Looked like New York because okay. we did it in an alley that sort of looked like it could be East okay. Coast-ish, right? Uh-huh. Um, Killer Man, which is the second video, that was New York. Okay. That was like in Killer Man and Hand on the Pump. Okay, okay. Um, Killer Man, we, we went in different locations. We were up in Harlem. We yeah. were on uh, Times Square over there by Astor, Astor's place. Mm-hmm. And one other spot I can't remember. And then um, Hand on the Pump was Red Hook, Brooklyn. Right. So right. I, that's why I uh, still... When th- it was that, Red Hook, Brooklyn. Yes, yeah, when yeah. it was Red Hook, Brooklyn. And, and that's another reason right. that people thought we were from... For sure. Yeah, because that, that was my next question. Yeah, I had Q-Tip in there, but then Cube yeah. was in there. That was dope. Yeah, Cube yeah. showed up yeah. random. That's Q-tip, yeah. Q-Tip was random. And they told me Prodigy and Havoc just got out of school. And they was there. Oh, young shit. as fuck. You, wow. The UMCs wait, were there. And Ice Cube were both random or all? They were all random. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So we didn't know wait, any of these dudes, okay. right? Like, no personal relationships no at person, all. We had never met Cube. We only knew Were you him. on the same label or something? No. Nah. So how do we they, But he knew y'all from LA, though, right? So, he knew that okay, part at least. So okay. let's backtrack. Okay. EPMD yeah, was let's go playing our that, shit yeah. for everybody, okay. Ice Cube being one of them. So he hears about us and, you know, he becomes a fan according to the story, right? right? And he comes to New York for some promo shit or something he was doing in New York. He heard we were doing a video over, it asked, or by, you know, the Cube, where is that at? Uh-huh. That's Astor's place, right? The Cube that's Yeah, Astor's place, downtown. Yeah, downtown. Uh-huh. He hears we're there, and he comes down, right? Say, um, Q-Tip, he just happened to get off the train, and he was walking through, saw it, Came stayed there. UMCs heard about it. They came through, and uh, Tim Dog was the only one I think that was yeah. It was on planned by Sony. They knew we were doing the video, so the they Tim sent Dog him. from New York. Yeah, yeah okay. Tim Dog from New York. So okay. everybody else was just random. Wow. Because we didn't know, we didn't have a relationship with any of these guys yet. You know, we, okay. we we were fans of them. You know what I'm saying? But we didn't know them, and they came out and supported. And that that built like the relationship with Q-Tip and Ice Cube and you know and and even the UMCs for a minute. I mean those those were our boys. Whenever we come to the to the East Coast, they was and brand Nubians, but they weren't in the video. But right. I'm just saying, right. the, like, the our shit was out, out with right. our shit was out for six months before we started popping. Yeah, that's but crazy. everybody knew we was like the underground heroes. Right. But but it took six months before everything just came and together. And it was just word of mouth. It wasn't like word yeah. of mouth. New yeah. York. We was popping in New York. Stretching right. Barbita was playing us. See, you see, know what I mean? This is a beautiful. Let me let me cut you off for one second. This is a beautiful thing because me and EFA we always had this debate. Of back then, how New York didn't show love, but this is this is the opposite, the exception of the rule. Yeah. At that exception right. of the rule, right, right. now, because we're because, West Coast, right, right. And, they, and, and y'all wasn't known for that. Y'all got us under the radar. We did. And that video they didn't know completely they confused people some more. It's like Cuban there, but Cuban's in there. And it's like New York. In New York, there's a couple of Here's the thing, right? You know, as a hip hop group goes from the West Coast, we came unorthodox. People right. expected us to sound like gangster rap, and we sounded nothing like it was gangster, mm-hmm. but it was not that in that genre. It was mm-hmm. more looked at as hip hop, and because of that East Coast flavor that Muggs brought to the table mm-hmm. in terms of the production, and Send Dog and I, you know, doing a, a, a hybrid New York slash fucking LA slang on it, no yeah. one could really. 
tell, you know what I mean? So we got away with with a good one on motherfuckers. But again, you know, because he was showing us all this music that was coming out that we didn't get on the radio back home. Mm. We were ahead of the game. And so that that all played a part in all that but the shit. the East Coast was showing love. Mad yeah. love. Not just New York, because when you get in New York, you get the whole, yeah. you get that Philly, yeah. Delphi, Stretch Connecticut. were the yeah. first motherfuckers yeah. to get yeah. underground. And then once we shot the Killer Man video, we started getting on MTV Raps like two, three times a week. And you know, that shit was like, the shit only shit right, to watch, right. you know what I mean? Then the box, and then shit just started taking off. You know, you know what's you know what's crazy yeah. about the Stretch and Bobbito shit, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it speaks to this in their documentary. We went up there, and, uh, you know, this is, no one knew us yet. This was like a total promo mm-hmm. run. And they asked us to do a freestyle, and my freestyle was crap, you know? That's, right. I wasn't ready for right. it. Right. My mind wasn't there, and I was slightly intimidated because I'm in the mecca of hip-hop, right. you know, in New York. Right. And, you know, I'm a West Coast kid. Right. And like, I got confidence, but in that moment, I didn't do my best right. work, right? Uh-huh. And so motherfuckers was, like, not feeling us that day. But they said a week later when that Killer Man shit popped, all the motherfuckers that was hating on us start calling in for the fucking record. Right. And that shit sort of, you know, started the kill a man bubble right there. Do you think that, that some of those mysteries that people didn't really know where y'all were from, what, what the background was, kind of helped in a way? 100%. 100%. I, I like that. I, I miss the mystery of things because you, you, your mind, when you're creative, you start making up these own things in your head that are bigger right. than life. You know what I'm saying? No, but I, 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 I'm going to be honest. Even as a young dude looking at it, the way I dress, I can still feel that Los Angeles. Although, like, you know, it was like, it looked like a New York thing. I could just feel that Los Angeles. It's just like Sin's shirt. Like, you just you just know. Like, I could, I could wear that same shirt. And you wear it in the East Coast. You know what I'm but saying? But not the rest of the country. Maybe you in New York automatically. But, like, even me, yeah, I'm you're in right. Miami. You're right. And, I'm, and, and, you know, first I get Cypress Hill, and it's like, man, I think it's, they saying L.A. stuff. Right. And, you know, and then, then the Latino aspect, too. Like, I'm Cuban. Right. And at first, I just think y'all are just Mexican coming out of L.A. I was like, man, that's a dope group. All right. And then I hear Tres Equis. Hold up. I hear Cuban slang in this shit. Because I didn't even connect Melo yet to you guys. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, holy shit, they Cuban too. And from Southgate. Oh, my head just blew the fuck up right there. It, it was like what Muggs, Muggs always um, said this, man. You know, better to be mysterious because, you know, it makes people want to know you more mm. and, and do the homework on you. It, it, it's, there's that mystery buildup and shit. And back then, that was awesome, you know? It, it, it helped because we didn't show our faces on covers. And we even stopped going to clubs for a minute to be not so accessible to, to be that mystery and shit. Right. And uh, it, made, it made motherfuckers want you more rather than being out all the fucking time and being super accessible and the motherfuckers getting to know your game and how you roll and all that shit. And, you know, sort of, at that time, that sort of played you out. So, you know, for us, it was all about mystery. And we saw what the rock and metal heads would do on on their album covers, and right. they rarely showed their faces. It's always some obscure shit. And we that we love that shit, right? right. So that, that became our visuals for, you know, our album covers. Right. Which I think is a whole other element that in hip-hop I don't think was as strong. Like, the way the imagery, the logo, like, all that just made it so much more dope. Well, the record labels wanted to show the faces of the faces they're marketing. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Here, let me show you these fresh fucking faces. This We want you to buy these guys, right? And, you know, we just didn't do that. We were like, we see something else. And that was thanks to Muggs. Yeah, it's just like, like Muggs by, by the vibe, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. By, by the vibe. 
Right. That's what we was about. Yeah, by the vibe, not by the faces. Like a lot of people didn't know what the fuck, who the fuck. And you know, you dress you know? and you're on your cover, and then th that 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 gear's played out two right, years later. Right, right. You look at the cover, and the cover looks dated. You know right. what I mean? All right. Shit, we just we just keep it timeless. And that logo just became iconic. Like right. it's forever. So let me ask y'all because, like you know, we seen Run DMC and we seen the Beastie Boys, right? But it was like y'all music, like like even let's just like. Run DMC doesn't have a record called Ha I Can Just Kill a Man. Right. Yeah, that's, that's, that was different, like, especially. That's hella different. We can say it now like it's yeah. nothing, but it yeah, was like, different when it but came. Like, like, how did y'all have a balance having a record called like Ha I Can Just Kill a Man still be on festivals and on these stages? Like, how the fuck? And no one's offended. Like, you guys are like, about How I Can Just Kill a Yo, Man. And you know the whitest of the white people was like, word up. It's like, crazy. Like, like, it's crazy because the shit on the radio when we was making music was MC Hammer, Vanilla Ice, wow. Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, wow. and NWA comes and we come, and then when we come with Killer Man, all of a sudden that's on daytime radio, right. and Dre's on daytime radio, and Snoop's right. on daytime radio. Like for about those five years, shit just done flipped up like a motherfucker. Yeah, sometimes when we're playing the song, I think just that. Right. Like how the fuck <laughs> you know it's it's about like, killing the man. Yeah, well you know it's still it's, it's, it's still just mind it's justified how you kill a man <laughs> in these, these songs right, uh, right. Um, it, yeah it's a trip right. you know I didn't expect that to mm -hmm. be you know what what it became I don't think right. any of us did we knew we had something but we right. didn't know what what was gonna hit and you know thanks to the DJs salute to all the DJs that flipped that record and and, and hit that. That song because it was a double A side, oh, wow. Funky Phil one, yeah. Oh, yeah. and how I could just kill him, man. But at the time, because we're a you know group that talks about weed and it's hip hop, and we're talking about some violent shit, they chose they chose to push, as in Sony chose to push um, Funky Phil one because they figured that was more marketable and mm -hmm. it was cool, but it wasn't really resonating. That's why that first six months, no one knew who the fuck we were, mm. and then DJs flipped that record. And to add on to that, you had the juice soundtrack, right? That you know it That's makes long. it makes. Yeah, the what's cut. the time oh, frame with that? Yeah, Chuck D, yeah, Chuck, right? D uh, Chuck D, Chuck D, Chuck D, and the Bomb Squad were doing the score and the music for that. They heard how oh, I could just kill a man, and they were like, "That's got to be." The main song. Motherfucking the positive shit. ass Chuck D. How's up? How's up? It's still a man. I needed to know this story. I needed to know this story. That's Chuck D. That's okay. You know what I mean? So, like, so the combination of the DJs flipping that song and the momentum that was getting on the mix shows right. every day play. It wasn't getting rotation play, right. but it was getting mix show, heavy mix show right. play. And then the video starts hitting. I mean, fuck. What was crazy is that we were on tour with Naughty by Nature, and right. we hadn't made a video to Kill a Man yet or Hand on the Pump, but the song's starting to go, uh -huh. right? And this is just before, this is before Juice. This is okay. like when the mix shows uh, okay. start playing the shit. They pull us off the road to film those two videos. I think we were in Virginia or something like that, wow. and Sony makes the call, pull them off the road. They got to come two, two days to film such and such and such and such, Kill a Man and Hand on the Pump. So we knock it out, jump back on the road with Naughty and continue to fucking move. And then eventually this juice thing happens, propels the fucking song. This is like what, like 91, 92? 92. 90, yeah. yeah. 92, yeah, 92, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, yeah. So we released in August. So it was, yeah, it was probably early 92, right? Yeah. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Or no, that had to be 91. Like late 91, because it was OPP mm -hmm. that was the big song at that time. Mm. And we were we were opening for them at that time. Like Tretch 
was always right. family with us, right. and they wanted us to come no, on and open for them. Speaking about the Juice soundtrack, did, you, did each of y'all get to meet Pop? Oh, I yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. knew Pop. Yeah. We knew Pop from Digital Underground. From Digital yeah. Underground. Yeah. They was our homies. So right. they would come through L.A., they'd call us, we'd roll right. up to the shows, yeah. kick away because, because technically Digital Underground isn't from L.A., they're from, from California. California. They're, they're from the Bay. They're from the Bay. Yeah. 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 And we, we, we knew them through a guy named Jerry Davis who worked for ASCAP, who was wow. one of the guys that, he was like the first believer in us, I think. So wow. salute to fucking Jerry Davis. But he introduces us to Money B and, and the rest of the guys. So we become friends and like Mug said, we'd go to their shows and stuff yeah. like that. And so when we got on, now and then when we'd go up to the bay, you know, Pac would come hang out with us right. and smoke us out. Sometimes right. just to go have our back. I remember one time we were having a show in Berkeley somewhere. Wow. He goes, y'all going to Berkeley? Yeah. All right, boom. He pulls out a big-ass hand cannon and a fucking ounce of some green Bay Area weed. And was <laughs> like, we, I got your back. I'm like, Psh, all right, let's go. <laughs> Pac himself. Pac himself. Right. Yeah, not not his homies, himself. <laughs> no, no. Pac. He, didn't, he didn't have a bunch of homies with him. Yeah, he wasn't the Pac that he became. No, he was the underground. He was a backup yes. dancer at the point. That's right. He was by himself. And he would come hang out with us, and, and he was 1,000 about that shit. And, you know, we relate to that. We're like, hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, shit, I remember one show we did with, um, we were opening for. Uh, um, Third base. I think it was their last tour, their last big tour before they sort of went away. Um, it was us, Tim Dog, and Third Base, and we were at the DNA Lounge where we filmed, eventually filmed um, Insane in the Brain. Years later, we film it there because it's a historic place to us. Anyway, we're in this venue. Pac shows up. And uh, I remember this one dude getting dragged in a dressing room and beat up by these fools and thrown them right the fuck out. It was like real on some so, shit. So, so this, to, to to you guys, did anybody could, uh, jump in on this one? Was Pac the same guy from Digital Underground on on, on Death Row, or that was two different individuals? Well, there's a long road before. Well, Death he Row evolved. Too. He definitely yeah. evolved, and okay. he, you know, he he saw things maybe a little bit different, and obviously, he was rolling with a cr crazily different squad at mm. that point. Right. You know, mm. I hadn't talked to him in that time when he was rolling with that squad. You mm. know. Because, I mean, we were constantly going. Yeah. I mean, the next time I seen him, he was in New York with, with, with the live squad, oh, stretching wow. them. Yeah, stretching them. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's I crazy. mean, yeah. The, sometimes when we do the, the, do you remember uh, when they would do the Jack the Rappers yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. all those sorts of uh, conventions yeah. and stuff? Impact conventions. We'd all hang out together then. Uh, like, you know, yeah. it'd be Tretch, Pac, the Brand Nubians, Busta, um, Tribe, well, Q-Tips, sometimes Fife, you know, and we'd all be up just chilling, smoking blunts, back when I smoked blunts. Uh, right, right. And, uh, so you told me you could roll a blunt with one hand. <laughs> I oh, used to be yeah. able to. I, okay. I, mean, I haven't tried <laughs> it in a long time. <laughs> when you're so, young. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask y'all, switching the subject a little bit, um, how you describe just now, like you said, Buster, Tribe, like, the way y'all, the, the way it seems like it was, it was in, in this time, there was no East Coast West Coast. Not for us. Yeah. Yo, okay. Not for us. Yo, I right. used to come out to clubs in New York before we were signed, before right. Buster and them were signed. I'd be at the, I go to the, the Long Island Railroad to catch a train back. Right. They would be there. I had the Cypress Hill demos. They'd have the leaders of the new school demos. Right. Oh, shit. Be like early days like that. Right. So, so, so let me ask y'all from the days going from there 
to this East Coast West Coast shit. How, how, how did y'all feel at that time? And y'all, it didn't super feel like, accepted. It didn't feel like a beef. No, no, like, I don't think like it was East Coast beef, West Coast. Right? It was like yeah, th- right. them motherfuckers right yeah, there. We, but that wasn't nobody else. Yeah, we never felt the heat of that. You like, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because we, you know, we know that we we. We sprung off from the East Coast. If it wasn't right. for the East Coast accepting us first, right. um, we don't get on. It's like that right. old shit that right. they used to say, you know, if you can get on in the East Coast, you right. can get it on anywhere. If right. you can make it there, you can make it anywhere, right? right? right. And that was true for us right. because the West Coast accepted us after right. the East Coast did because we were not a traditional West Coast group. They just right. weren't going to get it right. unless y'all did. Right. And so that's what happened for us there. Right. Now, that's real. That's real because um, a lot of us grow up and that's all they know is this East Coast, West Coast shit. But me just hearing you, you describe that era, it was just like I, was, I just I went to a, a, a child Man, at that time. We'd be in New York. We'd be in a tunnel. You right. know how the tunnel oh, yeah. was. Yeah. Just, yeah. Everybody just be was is that we kept rooted in, in New York. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like up until the pandemic, we were doing a, a show that we call Haunted Hill there mm. every October for like 20, how many years, Bobo? Like 22, yeah. 22 20, years. So 22 wow. out of the 30 years. And That's we just crazy. stopped at the pandemic. So we were constantly going back and feeding that mm. that core base that, that was our East Coast family there. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, the, you know, we never felt all that shit about the East Coast and West Coast beef. We thought it was ridiculous. It's it was like the media, the media. Yeah, it was that love. magazine print that said East Coast versus West yeah. Coast, right. but it wasn't the people. It only existed for certain groups that were actually right. beefing. It had nothing right. to do with coast. The only, you know, the only had it was was the proximity. These guys happen to be here. These guys right. happen to be over here. But uh-huh. it's got nothing to do with the rest. Right. right. Yeah. That's, but that's but true. but the media perpetuated something different. Yeah. And there's reasons for that, but that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, right? yeah, no, no, that's, that's crazy. No, but it was so dope to hear y'all speak like that because, um, you know, people forget that times. People forget the times that it, it, it was like, you know, because I remember I was on Def Jam at one point. This is after Biggie died. And I would land and they'd just be like, you, 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 security, you got to go. Because they, it was just so on guard. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because of after uh, oh, what yeah. things happened. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You ever thought it was going to get this serious though Like once they started beefing Well you know when when you got cats that, that you know they may not Be the ones that are Like still living that shit but they got Homies around them it's, pro, it's bound to happen Right, right? If, if you got those Kind of cats in your circle Cause right. somebody's going to stand up for you right. Even when you don't need them to or don't right. Want them to and don't expect them to and then that's when shit happens you can't bring that gangster shit into the music we're trying right. to get out of right. this situation to get into a better place and inspire motherfuckers to do the right. same thing right? right get out and do something better and a, a lot of the times you see motherfuckers well since from about 96 or 97 and up you see a change where it's like more motherfuckers are talking about doing fucked up shit and they're allowing this on the radio and mm-hmm. all this stuff where before they wouldn't allow us to talk right. and, and allow singles like this, you know? So now it's more about mindless shit, right. you know, and uh, less substance. Right. You listen to today's music? Some of it. Yeah. There's some good there's some, shit out there. There's some cool shit. Yeah, there's some cool shit. Hell yeah. I, there's a lot of shit I fuck with because, you know, I, I spin too. I learned from DJ Muggs from way back in the day when he was taking those trips back back east I'd get on his turntables when I'd be watching you know the crib and so like I still 
fuck with records today. I, I still right. spin, so. so. So you gotta, you gotta be hip to what's going yeah, on. Yeah, so like. I love that hip. There's, there's some shit I appreciate. <laughs> I love that hip. Some of this shit, I'll be like, throw that shit out. Yeah, <laughs> but some of it is dope. You can't some think all of, of it is yes, well, yes, you know, yes, yes, think yes, is, yeah. like, Muggs is fucking right. with a lot of new artists that right. are dope as fuck. Right. Yeah, and you stay fresh like that right. because you know what's out there. You know, and I, and I think that's what keeps us all still sharp to this day is that we listen to, to shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Like Muggs told me, and I always say this, you know, if you want to be the best, you got to listen to what the best is out there. Mm, no right. matter, you know, how you think you are. You mm. know what I'm saying? And right. so that you have to keep doing that as you evolve as an artist and you right. you progress. So, you know, we stay up on game like that. But there is a lot of garbage. Right. But there always has been. There's a the, lot more artists in there's general. There's always been as much. Yeah. But oh, we yeah. need the garbage. It just makes us sound better. Right. Yeah, right. yeah you need the garbage <laughs> so you yeah. know what the good shit is. Mediocre well, can sound better now. I mean, though. even, even, even yeah, in, in, in our early days in the 90s, there was hip-hop that was that shit. Right. And then right. there was the shit we didn't listen to because it, right. it was slightly wasn't that shit. You know Kid what I'm saying? Flash. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of records. Right. I mean, but... That, that's always the cycle. Right. It, but it's all, you know, subjective. It's what you like, right? So there, there are some, some young artists that I fucks with and some that I definitely don't. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, let me let you know. Pick up to our people, Cherry, Colorado. Yeah. Yes. Well, let's give these roses Yeah, yeah. but yes. you know, our show is about... Salute to the people, Cherries. Yes, 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 yes. Salute to the Our show was about giving people their flowers while they're alive, giving people their flowers. So we wanted to give each and every one of y'all your own flowers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's right. Yes, sir. Where's the flower at? We got that flower. Bring the flower. Holy shit. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is tight. Now, you used to be able to roll a joint with one hand? Yeah, before we created the funky fill tips, yeah, with without a tip, yeah, I could I could roll it with one hand. Okay, a blunt I heard, or a joint? Both, because okay. I heard Willie Nelson could do it, so I would practice it, and I eventually got it. It's a bitch, man. Uh-huh. Your cramp, your hand will cramp the fuck up. Can we see it? Can we see it? Like we're not blocking nothing, right? Gonna roll two. Gonna roll two pound so, joint. So what is what is your relationship with High Times? Well, you know, High Times was like they they were like um, you know, they they heard about this hip hop group that was championing cannabis, right? And so they wanted us on the cover, and that sort of opened up the bridge between the cannabis community and hip hop right there. And then mm. after that, mm. you know, that that uh, that issue did so well and we we built a, a strong relationship with mm. um, with High Times that mm. they had other hip hop groups. We were mm. the first one there. Yeah, you had the first a lot of things. Yeah. Make some noise for that. Yeah. Yeah. You had the first a lot of things. And we did parties with High Times at the Wetlands. Remember that spot? Mm. Like smashing, like off mm. the hook. Like this, I mean, it's a little club, but it was jam-packed. Mm. And when we were doing shows uh, for High Times events, like old school High Times events, the small ones with Chef Ra and all those dudes, rest in peace. Um, man, they were fucking 
awesome shows, awesome parties at Wetlands packed like this mm. and motherfuckers just rocking to, to, to our hip hop set. Like it was just an experience. And that, the little things like that sort of built our relationship with High Times and they always lifted us up and they, mm. they found something in us and then they started seeing something in like Red right. and eventually Meth. Right. And eventually Snoop and, right. and, you know, the list goes on. The Wiz Khalifa, they start started opening up to hip-hop because right. who better to fucking champion cannabis? I mean, you know, we went a from renegade the... renegade culture. Step, a stepchild's uh, renegade genre, right? right That is non-apologetic. That's the best platform for cannabis, right? Because right. no one else is doing this for this for this community right now. And so, you know, they embraced us, we embraced them, and I think hip-hop did as well. And a lot of hip-hop kids that were, like, just reading the source start fucking with High Times Magazine now, and vice versa. Right. You know, the, the the alternative kids that listen to, to, you know, rock and different shit like that from the High Times, they start listening to hip-hop. And now you see a shift in a combination of hip-hop kids and alternative kids coming to shows and shit like that. You know, it, it, it was like a crazy bridge that it created, and it still exists today. It's, you mentioned Redman, and circling back to, to when you said that EPMD was putting people on to y'all, was that the, the reason why Red chose to sample y'all? Could be. The time for some action was, oh, was no. the... our, our album was finished and it was at Columbia Records and it was circulating for six months before it came out. Mm-hmm. We was like, why the fuck's our record taking six months to come out? Right. You know what I mean? They was trying to set it up. You know, magazines was three months out back then mm-hmm. on all that shit. So they were yeah. setting it all up, but we didn't get it. So at that time, motherfuckers was hearing it. It was like an underground mixtape, but the Columbia artists had it. Right. So it was like promo only and you'd walk into the office and you grab it off the desk, you know what I mean? Right. Like, what's this new? Let me get that. Like in the front desk. Like, well, you like, know, like when, you go, meet, when you go meet be. with your A&R or yeah, whoever, yeah. it's on their desk. And wow. they're like, check out this new shit. You wow. know what I mean? Wow. And then you end up grabbing this, the, the cassette from them. I think it was a red snippet tape, right? Yeah, it was a red tape. Yeah. Um, so let me ask. I'm searching through the internet, you know, searching everything about you after I watched the documentary. And I'm going to get into the documentary after this. But I see Onyx. <laughs> yeah. And I see Onyx... Uh, pop up and they go, well, if you want to do a versus, who would you want to do a versus against? And I said, well, the only people we could do it against is Cypress Hill. Right. And at first I was like, nah. <laughs> but then I thought, I was like, maybe. And now I'm like, nah. And then I'm still like, maybe. How do you guys feel about versus and would you do versus against Onyx? Well, two bar questions. We are doing it. Um, yeah. Yeah, we are doing it. Oh, I didn't know. Did, you, you said something today. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a real That's thing. That's legit. Oh, oh yeah, like, Onyx. Okay, it's, so it's legit. Okay. The, yeah, the way it went down, you know, because as rappers, we get asked this question since Versus started, right? Yes, of you course, get, you of get asked, right, of who course. would you go against or who do you think would be a good one, right? right. I get that, you mm. get that. Mm. Uh, mm. Anyone in the business right. pretty much gets that, right? And so whenever they asked me, I thought, you know, it's either Wu-Tang or, or Cypress, I mean, or uh, Ice Cube. It's what? the big, you know, it's a, that would be fucking awesome, right? right. Um, but, you know, Fredro said something on Vlad TV about it before, okay. you know, I ever said my first shit mm. about any of the verses. Because, I, I, you know, I never saw us going against anybody, but I thought those two would, you know, either 
So what you trying Wu-Tang. to say? You gonna smoke onyx? That's what you trying to. It feels <laughs> like that's what you say. It feels like that's what you say. So, so, so then, so no, no. He's so like, like Wu Tang. I'm worried, but well, 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 anybody so, else, that's what it feels like you're saying. Be real. No, no. Just I, listen, I gotta tell you that I am not worried about nobody. We we, we will match up on anybody. Anybody who will match up on them, no doubt. We, we have that kind of confidence. We chop heads, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, we don't go for the tie, right. you know what right. I'm saying? Or the L. But, um, you know... I like this it, type of talk. That it, it, I guess it caught, you know, the ear of Triller, you know, mm. that he, he said that that would be a good matchup. And I think the, 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 the mindset is this, right? So with Cyprus, you know that... We have a hip-hop base, but we also have an alternative base. It's the base. energy. Mm. So it's the energy. So when they it comes together, there's a lot of mosh pits, stage diving, and all mm. that shit, right, that happens, crowd surfing. Mm. And they have this same type of energy. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think... I, I thought about it. Remember I said, yes. maybe, guys, I thought about it. I've been on tour with Onyx. They, they got that. Oh, they, yeah. They, they got that shit. They definitely bring the energy, as right. as we do. And I think that's that's the um, mentality for the matchup. Right. You know what I mean? But uh, like I said, we don't come to be second. Mm. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's a win-win for the people because they're going to get a great show because right. I know they put on a great one. Right. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. And where, were this, where is this taking place at? At the Forum. In L.A.? In L.A. LA. Home court advantage. Wow. <laughs> Well, you oh, know, hey, I, I don't, I don't make the, I don't make the call. You I just go. go. It could have been in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. I'd show up the same way. No, but they live, they live in yeah, Cali for a long yeah, time. Yeah, they've been living there for a while. Yeah. And when is this? So the date is already set. May fourteenth. Okay, I'm all for drinking at that time. I'm going. I think I might. I think I might have to come and just and just see that. It's it's a crazy format to go have to go up against your homies and shit right, like that, right, you know, because right. those are our homies. We did plenty right. of shows with them, plenty right. of festivals. It's not like Three Six Mafia. And yeah, there's, 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 there's never been a, mics and shit. No, nah, there's yeah. never been a beef there. No disrespect. No, no, it's all love. I mean, you yeah. know, um, sh- shit, um, Sticky Fredo and I did. Uh, uh, a feature on ASAP Ferg's uh, joint, get the wow. fuck out my face or whatever. Wow. And so, yeah, I mean, we're mad cool. You know, right. this is for the sake of, like, let's give the fans a show. Before the record. Right. Wait, before the. Before the record. Before, before the, the record. record. To win? Oh, we already know. Stunned. <laughs> I need you to say it, though. <laughs> Cypress for the win. <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> There you go. <laughs> Holy shit! But the fans are gonna win more yeah. than more than anyone, cause I mean, I know they're gonna bring it, and we are definitely gonna bring it. Now, Sin, you and Flavor Flav had a best man battle, a hype man battle. Where was this at? And how drunk <laughs> was y'all? Is that footage like the L? Yeah. Like I was just I, like, "Holy I, shit, where's Swift Star?" That should be a big thing. Was this in Australia? In Australia, yeah. It was in Australia. That's right. It was in Australia and uh, somewhere in like Sydney or something. And uh, Flay was on a good one, and so was I. And we just, <laughs> we just we just took over this nightclub and got on the mic and did our thing. And, and then Flavor, the funny thing about it, he tried to emulate the same thing that we did the night before, mm-hmm. the next night on stage with Public Enemy. He oh, invited shit. me up there. Right. And I'm like, coño, bro, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I was fucked up last night. Like, I can't do that shit again right now. You know what I mean? I remember what I did. Yeah. But it was a good time, and uh, it was a legendary night, and that's when I, I got to know Flav. I already knew him, but that night I really, really got to know him because... Right. 
you know, when people are drunk and uh-huh. high and, you know, yeah. shit happens and shit like that, uh-huh. and you see people's real true heart, right. and that's Flav, you know he what I mean? He seems like a good dude. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he, he, his intention, I feel, is always right. Right. You know what I mean? He's he's a down-ass homeboy, but it was a fun-ass night. Right. And weren't you there for that? I was right there. Yeah, he was right there with me. You was, you was, you was, you was, you was, man, right there, man. <laughs> no, there was, yeah, there was no time. It was just like, you know, trading off raps and this and that, and then, I don't know, it turned into some, turned into some other shit, and then we came back to rapping, and it was fun. He was doing the flavor dance, he was doing that, then he was doing your dance. I mean, it yeah. was it was everything. Wow. The two iconic awesome. dances popping Legendary off at the night. same time. Wow. Legendary night. And I always looked up to Flav as, as part of, like, I, and I feel like a, a, a small part of me is comes from him. You know, mm. especially my early send dog right. when it was right. I was more of a hype man dude than right. than an actual rhymer. Right. You know right. what I mean? And and I used to get a lot of that style from him, you know, and then put my own, you know, Southgate California on it and, oh, yeah. and combine the styles type of shit. Yeah, I mean we we had a steady diet of public enemy. We uh, loved yeah. that. You know, that they, they were one of our big influences for sure. You guys feel that um you're a part of influencing that that LA Underground that kind of came afterwards with Soul Assassins and bringing hooligans and 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 even House of Pain, all the affiliates, you know, Funk Dubious, Psycho Realm, and then you know I feel like King T and, and Alcoholics and Liquid they 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 came after and like really solidified that my that LA Underground. Do you do you feel do you take on that that you inspired that? I I believe we did because uh, you know again beforehand you know. Groups weren't getting signed unless they sounded like, you know, NWA or Compton's Most Wanted or something right. like that. Mm. And we sort of changed the dynamic. Like, there's there's something else here. Right. And, you know, Muggs was a big part of that because the style of production he was giving ourselves in House of Pain and Funk Dubious and, and you know, the inspiration that had on other producers in L.A. Like, okay, we don't have to just do this. We can do hip-hop shit, style right. shit. And... I think that's where you see the influx of that style of production happening in Los Angeles, where now there's a balance of the gangster rap shit and like hip hop. Right. You know. Let's now let's talk about the gang culture for a second, right? We all know that that's um, a heavy part of Los Angeles, right? But yeah. at the time, all we heard was Crips and Bloods, right? Mm. That's all we heard. We didn't hear about nothing else. But now here you guys come. This is from East Los Angeles, correct? It's a whole nother side. And then how how, how was that like? You know, of going into because I think you got shocked. Like, well, yeah, I'm going into wearing the wrong colors or some shit well, like no, that. No, no, I banged with Bloods and oh wow, yeah, yeah. And, but you know, we grew up around you know most of uh, a lot of homies that that gang banged and you know Latino gangs and stuff like right. that. I just happened to. <laughs> go a different route. Wow. And so, you know, I, I got caught in the middle of that shit. You know, we were in we were in a, a neighborhood that was blood and divided by crip, you know what I mean? And right. anyone that got caught around that area, it could pop off at any minute, you know what I'm saying? And wow. I got caught with my homies in that in that little zone right there and we got caught off guard and that's when I got popped. But I was I was banging and uh you know, it's you know that when you're banging, this is a possibility. So that right. possibility happened. Right. But, you know, we did grow up, you know, on the east side. It's like considered, what, southeast or lower east, something like lower that. Lower east side, so, like Southgate, right next to Watts, Linwood, Bell's, Bell Gardens, where Muzz grew up at. And then there's at. East L.A. And past Down that, there, it's know. its own thing, you know what I mean? It's uh, Mexican gangs, it's, you know, Salvadorian uh, gangs, it's uh, every... 
Latino culture gang that there is, they got a gang for it. You know what I mean? Wow. And it's different than Bloods and Crips. You know what I mean? Yeah, different codes, yeah. everything. Uh, and you have to you have to know that when you go into those into those areas. You know what I mean? Because growing up as a black Latino, uh, you know what I mean? They didn't know what you were. Right. So the first thing they thought was like, go kick his ass. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And that's that's think, what we you you you're from like a, a crip hood or something. Yeah. Like yeah. They, you know, until they find out that I couldn't talk English and shit. <laughs> 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 that's always that's how they figure out that you're part of them. And then you know, but that's the that's what we all went through growing up in L. A. Right. Is you never you're know. Half Cuban too, right? No, I'm full Cuban. Oh, full Cuban. Yeah. Half Mexican, half Cuban. Yeah. Okay. Good. Continue. My bad. And yeah. Puerto Rico, right? Yep. Puerto Rican. Italian. Yeah. yeah. But and then you had to, you know, at some point. Along the way, you have to put your foot in the dirt and say, I'm going to get down with a click because I'm tired of being, just getting my ass whooped by everybody that thinks, you know, I don't roll with nobody. So, I, you know, in fifth grade, I got down with my first click. And as soon as I did that, like half the bullshit stopped. Wow. Because you got to roll with somebody, man. Yeah, you got to roll with somebody. In, LA, right? and in some yeah, places. Yeah. Not that everywhere, was, but in a lot of places where, you know, shit pops off, yeah, you got to click up. And right. if you don't, you might just get recruited even if you don't want to. Right. You mean that you're from that neighborhood? If you right. live there, oh, no, they're going to whoop your ass oh, every yeah. day on the way home. Right. They see you until you join their gang. If they feel wow. they mm-hmm. need you and they want you, they're going to put that. If you want you want to walk down this block and not get fucked with, you're going to get in this shit over here. Wow. And and and, and rep for the block. Right. You know what I mean? It doesn't happen with everybody, but like what if they see something in you, yeah, they're they going to come recruit. Right. And some choose it. Mm-hmm. Some choose it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't. They ain't got to be there, but they there because right. they 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 crave that lifestyle. Because like you, you know, it's crazy for me coming from the East Coast, and I'm sure mugs you, you know this. Like um, in Queens, we have a melting pot. So like the Puerto Ricans, the Black people, the Haitians, the Jamaicans, we all live on the same block. It wasn't like till I. Uh, all right, Dominicans, too. Right, Dominicans, come on. <laughs> Dominicano. But, 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 yeah, but it wasn't until I kind of went to Los Angeles where I realized, like, it's almost segregated like jail. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, the Mexicans is over here, the Cubans is over here, the blacks is over here. And I had never seen that until yeah. I, uh, I traveled. Um, how is that? It's, it's kind of crazy that it's right. it's separated like that. It, and Cali's so big, it's so fucking spread out that you right. could do that right. where... You know, in, in places not as big of a state, you're sort of mashed together, like the melting pot, as they say, right? Right, right. So, you know, you have that chance to, to click up and, and be unto yourself if that's what you choose. And a lot of motherfuckers do. Shit, I remember uh, when we were, like, this shit was a hobby to us and, and we weren't even seriously doing demos yet. Right. We'd go to different parties and one of them, I remember we'd go to the Cuban parties in uh, Southgate at this right. place called the Oguinero, right? Yeah, and my family was a part of that right. too. Oguinero. Oguinero. <laughs> 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 you and it was crazy because everybody was clicked up, clicked up there. We have a lifelong friend in one of our boys that rides with uh, the Cypress Hillbillies with Send Dog the Bike Club and stuff. He grew up with us, and him and his wife used to go to this spot. So we'd get invited through them sometimes to go to these fucking to go to the Oguinero. And the minute we'd show up, man, they'd be looking at us like, "What the fuck are y'all doing here?" Like, that's how clicked up well, it was. Y'all, y'all we weren't belong. a part of that click. We didn't oh, look the way right. they did. We weren't, the, we, we didn't look Cuban in the way they did. 
Because they were trying to yeah. maintain I, that tradition. That's what right. go, that's what those type of social clubs are for. I yeah. I, I looked like something else, like you know. The wild man, yeah, yeah, yeah. We came in looking like thugs, and you know everybody's all nice and shit, and so yeah, we you know, and so. It's it's very much like that. You can go to another neighborhood party, and it might be all Mexicans. The minute you know Send Dog shows up, till he starts talking, right? They might be giving him a crazy look. But then when they hear him talk, it's like, oh shit, what's up, Holmes? You know that accepting. You know what I'm saying? It's it's crazy like that. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy, and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is gonna make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrant's 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrant's and visit Ibrant's.com. Ibrant's may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrant's may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Got my PrevNA 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk? Get vaccinated. But but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. 
Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. We know the influences that, that came when Muggs bringing a lot of influence from NY, but any local LA influences like was yeah. Frost or any of the guys oh, yeah. that were doing it locally yeah. influencing you guys? I mean, they didn't influence me, but I was a fan of theirs, like the, the LA Dream Team mm-hmm. and shit like yeah. that. But it was a Rock Berry or Rock yeah, Sunset. Yeah, Jam. Yeah. yeah, you know, and there was other guys too, like Egyptian Lover. They did their, all the guys that were on the radio in that first wave of, of 80s hip hop, right. you know, left their mark for the next generation to cling on to and, and come up. And, I, and that's where that's where I really started paying attention to is during that era. And um, there was also other cats too involved. Like uh, King T was actually before us. Yeah. yeah. You know what dope. I mean? He was before us. Straight and he up. always had his polished down style with his, yeah. you know, with a certain sample, whatever. Yeah. And it sounded in the pocket all the time. And that was King T. Yeah. You know, when he, he brought a record, it was going to be, everything was going to be nice Sharp. and proper. That was right? the first LA rapper I heard that when I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah, right. Before that it was like everybody was trying to make planet rock records. Right. Mm. You know what I mean? And yeah. He was trying to spit. And then his album cover hop they called it. Yeah. His album cover of him belling down the alley with the sawed off shotgun. Remember that? Right. That shit was ill, right? That was the shit. For sure. He was definitely like an influence. And WA too, you know what I mean? They're like how could they not be? They were fucking slapping it. Cube. Yeah, Cube was you know, beast-like, you know, yeah. they all were, you know what I mean? Um, they all had something different, and that always motivated us, man. And throughout that, that, throughout that whole time, we were just around the scene in the circuit, kind of like, you know, with my brother hanging, being signed on Delicious Vinyl, and, you know, we saw Tone Lokes bring up and jump mm. up and, and do his thing, and then Young MC and all that shit. So we were right there in the environment. We were always, you know, huddled around it. So it was only, a, you know, in my opinion, it was only a matter of time before we got a chance to do our thing. Right. You know what I mean, because we were we were always right there. So it just it just flourished from there. Ice T was an influence too. Look, that's my next right. question. Absolutely. Look, 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 look. My next question was. Ice T said, "Y'all sound like crazy Mexicans on dope." <laughs> y'all no, he, he said something else. Angel dope. dust. Angel he said dust. something crazy. Angel I dust. thought it was dope. It was no, no, he didn't say dope. I like when it's dope. Oh. Yeah, they, they, the guys that sound like Mexican dudes on Angel yeah, Dust. Yeah, that's what he's like. Oh, oh, but it's still okay, alright. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't beat, beat the Angel Dust part. Holy oh, shit. So, yeah, describe that, though. Was y'all on my Angel Dust? Let's be no. <laughs> no, whatever. I tried it, though. <laughs> we encountered many motherfuckers on it. Because right. that was the shit back then. It was wet. Oh, it was yeah. only wet, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. You would see motherfuckers, like, freak the fuck out on it. Mm. Um, in and South Gate. insane in the membrane. I ain't gonna front. I would have thought y'all was all wet too. I'm not gonna lie. We were just crazy naturally. Right. You know what I mean? But, so why did Ice T say that? Um, I just think because of the way we sounded, we didn't sound like anything in LA, even like the the, the dynamic of our voices. My, mm. my shit was crazy high pitched and a different style. It wasn't necessarily an LA based right. style, and my sound was, was mm. different. Um, and with Sen doing the psycho beta voice, which is the who, all that, 
on top of it, it was just, I, I think that's where, where he's, he's referencing just because of the sound, the tones were different. Sort of like Chuck and Flav. Right. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It made sense when he described it that way. Like, I understood yeah. what, what he was hearing. Yeah. What made him, th- for hearing it for the first time. Yeah. What it would sound like to him. Mm-hmm. What, Angel Us? No, just. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're tripping. <laughs> <laughs> like, am I tripping? <laughs> yeah, right, right. yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Because, I mean, it was big back then. It was, it was huge back then. Um, so, Sin, you're in a biker gang? No man, <laughs> there's, no, there's no biker gang at all. There's that's just following you even to describe it like that. Wait, you watching? Weren't you in some of the show? Right? Yeah, I apologize. Yeah, it's a biker club. Yeah, you sound like uh, you work for the government. He saw something there. Because I see it, I was I was bugged out. I was like, holy shit. So how did you get a part of that culture? Back in the, I bought my first bike in like 95 or something like that. Okay. Right, and that that was like a cross rocket Honda. And that led me to Harley Davidson's, Mm. you know, scooters or whatever. And then now I'm sponsored by the Indian Motorcycle Company. Mm. Uh, Right. So, and I I just got into it. And uh, one day I I had got all my friends into it. Right. And we had like about nine or ten of us. They were all, you know, had bikes. And so I was like, man, why don't we make a little patch? And I've never been about, you know, joining anybody's army. I've always right. been one of the type of guy to start my own thing. Right. So I started my own thing. Hillbillies, right? Yeah, Cypher Hillbillies, yeah. Hillbillies, yeah. Right? Oh, shit, yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm scared to death for bikes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but y'all ride cross country? We have, man. We've done long distance rides and shit like that. And it's, you know, it's. Depending on what time of year you go on, okay, is you know what kind of whooping you're gonna take on that bike. So what, what what's the longest distance you went? Me yeah. personally, the, to Arizona from California, from where I lived in Cali, Ooh. all the way to Arizona. It's Eighteen hours. Uh, who's counting? You know. What I mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I'm okay. just along to. I'm on the ride till we get there. Right. You know, and then we we'll, we'll when we get there, then you know, then we meet up with other bike clubs, and then. Go to the rally that they invited us to and oh, shit like that. Wow. Now this is with navigation, or you did this without navigation? No, nah, my road captain had the navigation. Road right? captain. The That's road captain. Big yeah. words. I don't know what this means. <laughs> 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 yeah, positioning, man. You know. Right. And then and then we roll out. Right. So that's what it is. The, you know the road I mean? captain is the the guy who's who's orchestrating their movements as they're rolling. Kind right. of like a parade yeah. going through. No GPS. No GPS. Well, he might have GPS. He might have GPS now. But he's coordinating everybody's moves. I feel more comfortable if he has his GPS thing going. He's like the road it's manager. A swarm. Yeah. It's a swarm, yeah. basically. Wow. You're basically following him, right? On the road or no? That's yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he okay. has the coordinates, you know what I mean? So we roll out and and uh, and whatever happens, happens, you know. But it's, it's his responsibility to make sure that we get to the spot we're supposed to get to. Mm. So that's it. Holy moly. And, and if he a- fucks up, they leave him with the scooter and he's got to get back by himself. Yeah, and the, the greatest... <laughs> <laughs> you almost bought that. You almost bought that. I was like, really? <laughs> nah. The greatest... It sounds like a decent punishment. <laughs> right? If the... you fuck it up, you leave him with a scooter and however you get back, you get back. Uh, if you want to say something, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say the funnest thing about it is actually when you complete the journey. You know what I mean? Because right. it's a physical thing. You're on, the, right. you're on the machine. It's a physical thing. Right. 
And when you do it and come back, and there's there's a you kind of felt like you felt, went through a kind of threshold kind of thing and you completed something. You know what I mean? Mm. It's kind of weird feeling like that. Yeah. On Wednesdays, do the woman flash you? Whip out Wednesdays? <laughs> no. <laughs> we don't do whip out Wednesdays. You know? He was ready to join it. That was real. That was a real thing. Like you know. I'm lost here. I'm, I'm not sure what he means by that shit. No, but I can take you to that spot if you like. I know where it's at. Yo, Nori, that would cause a lot of accidents, Papa. That's right, that's right, you want a bike. Yeah, you ride a bike? You no, no, fuck no. No, you ride it all. No, he got into it. I, yeah. I remember when they both first bought their bikes, like, because Muggs bought one and, right. and Sendog bought, bought one and a few guys from our crew. All right. And, you know, they got them crotch rockets. I was like, man, y'all are crazy. I, I you know, I, I used to ride dirt bikes as a very young kid and, I, you know, it just wasn't my thing. I got into low riders, so you know, if it ain't a low low, I don't go go. You know mm. what I'm saying? Holy moly, guacamole. So how is it being the only Puerto Rican? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all it's all love, you know. Puerto Ricans and Cubans, they they kind of all blend together. Yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, uh, my you know where I, where I was born, I was born in Hollis. Hollis, Queens. It was always, you know, my mom's best friend was uh, Cuban and, right. and everything, and you know, my dad. Every, your, your, you know, dad your dad, is a super legend. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. so it was it was always love, you know. So, right. you know, I, I felt right at home. You is, know? That, is that how you um, found love with music, seeing your dad? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I started with him. You know, I was five years old, my first gig, you know. Wait, what? Time off. Wait a minute. What the fuck did you just say? I was five years old. Five years old? Yeah, it was, in the, it was in the documentary. Holy shit. Yeah. That shit was crazy. Yeah, so, uh, you know, my dad that put me up there. What the fuck? That went over my head. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't rehearse, yeah. right? You no, no, I didn't right rehearse on. at all. You oh, know, wow. my dad just put me up, th up there. You know, I was playing on the pots and pans, you know, before I could even speak. So, you know, my dad recognized, you know, the I had a rhythm. Wow. So put me up there, and then I was doing gigs with him till uh, he passed away. I was 15, and then uh, I took over his band, doing the Latin jazz thing. You know, playing Latin jazz festivals and Playboy jazz festivals, Monterey jazz festival, keeping keeping that music alive. You know, but that I always loved hip hop. You know, what I mean, and you know, you know, the early hip hop always had that you know percussion in it. You yeah. know, if you hear yeah. like you know Grandmaster Flash and you know all that stuff. So it was, it was there. So I knew that this was something that I wanted to do. And then, you know, shit just came, came for me, you know what I mean? Right. Nah, that's, that's beautiful. What made you want to add um, the percussionist? Vibe, yeah, to the, to, 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 to I saw shows. him one day playing with the Beastie Boys, right. right? And I was like, man, he'd be, he sound really cool playing with us. <laughs> and you just knew that. You just knew that. So I invited him to a show we was doing at a, a at a El Camino College because uh -huh. my little sister went there, uh -huh. and uh, the Latino Studies people hit me up. I'm like, okay, cool, we'll do that show for you guys. And then, but I also invited him. Right. And you told me you played on one song. That I played night. on one song. I remember him being there the whole show through, <laughs> <laughs> right? But that's where I first saw him with the Beasties, and uh, and I was like, I gotta. 
I, I love to hear how he would sound with us, with our sound, with Muggs' production and B-Real's vocals and, and, and what I was doing with my secondary vocal. I just had a feeling that it would work. Right. You know, and it, it, it did. It, it sound, to this day, it sounds great. Right. Was it real estate? Uh, no, it was Latin lingo. Yeah, Latin lingo. Latin lingo. Latin lingo. Yeah, I mean, it had, there already yeah, has like some yeah, percussion it does, in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why I gravitated to it because I'm like, damn, you know, there's percussion in this. I can do this. Right. I already knew because Beastie Boys, they were, you know, tinkering around a little bit with the, you know, Latin sounds, but they weren't Latino. You know what right. I mean? Right. But with Cypress, it was a whole different thing. He was rhyming in Spanish. So I, I felt at home. You know, when they came to you to say, leave the beasties and come to us, it was a no-brainer or you had to think about it? Uh, no, it was a uh, no-brainer. Tell that story. Yeah, the documentary yeah. seemed like a tell no-brainer. Story. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. And I, don't, you know, I don't know <laughs> if it was like approached like that. Like, <laughs> like when he said, hey. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But, uh, Listen, we, we absolutely poached him, but I'm saying... <laughs> At least you openly admitted it. No, what, what happened was, you know, I mean, I, for about two and a half, three years, I was flip-flopping. I was doing world tours with BCs, and then I go on with Cypress. It was going back and forth up until uh, Woodstock, Woodstock 94. You was getting a lot of pussy that just makes some noise to you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, originally, originally Cypress was going to play on the Sunday, and that was my day off. I was doing Lollapalooza '94 with Beastie Boys, and somehow it got changed to Saturday. So uh, I was like back and forth, man. Should I go? And what am I going to do? And everything like that. My mom, last minute, she says, "Motherfucker, you better go to Woodstock. That's that's." That's a big thing. That's the biggest thing right there. So I left a note for Mike D. I put it under his door, like about 3 o'clock in the morning, and said, I'm going to Woodstock. I'll be back for the show. Mm. And uh, Mike I flew, D is from the Beastie Boys. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I did that. I didn't tell nobody. So then I, I flew to, to, to Woodstock. We did the show. I couldn't get out because it started raining and shit. So I was stuck. Was a mosh pitting in the rain? Oh man, they were yeah, doing yeah, all kinds sure. of shit. everything in the land. Yeah. And uh, I, had to fly, I had to fly here to Miami after that. And uh, tour manager was all pissed off. So it's Bo, Bo, fault. Bo, Bo, we need to talk to you. You shouldn't have left us. It was very bad. All this kind of Is shit. Is that Leo Cohen? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That guy, he was, he was the tour manager way back when for Ozzy Osbourne. This Jesus. guy. He's a legend. All right. So the guys that go ahead and talk to me, you know, everything like that. I figured, well, shit, if I get fired from this gig, I got another one. Right. You know? So uh they they let me they let me slide. You know, they said Woodstock is, you know, that was a big thing. But you know, let us know. I said, shit, I did. I left a note under the door. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, but uh yeah, it, that was that was a wild thing, and then that was, you know, really the beginning. Of me really being part of the crew. Right. Well, so make some noise for that, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 Where was the moment? Because, I mean, to us, I mean, this is hardcore hip hop. But the craziest shit about making someone make someone of making the hardest core hardcore hip hop, it crosses over. Yeah. Like I, I can never see DMX ever being commercial, but. He's like, yeah, he's right. Like the it went, so, right. Where was the moment that y'all started to realize that that is happening to y'all? That, 
Uh-huh. You know, it's, I don't know, but it's that energy. You right. got that energy, that rock and roll energy. Yep. Yep. You know what I mean? That right. shit translates across them festivals. Right. And you get groups like Public Enemy, Cypress Hill, right. Run DMC, you know what I mean? Groups and that never cross over the Just because the energy, the, the music is the energy hard, crosses but, them over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's like, oh, yeah. that's that shit. That's something like, that's that energy they like. But what was the moment that y'all was like, wow, this is really it? I think the festivals, like yeah. seeing all those people. I, I think I think it was it was the Woodstock Festival. Woodstock, right. you know, it was 500,000 there. 500,000 right, people. Talk, let's no. talk about Woodstock. It was 500,000 people. 500, that's insane. Yeah. It, was, it was about 5 But hold on. You get the call and it now has hip hop been on Woodstock prior to this? No. Okay. No. No, you no, guys no, are the no. first of this. Okay. Yeah. Well, Salt and Pep was on it too. Okay. They, they was oh, on that same, the same, same different stage though. Okay. They were on different, different stage. Okay. Yeah. But it, it was it was around that time that you know like that hit because so I mean, Ozzy Osbourne bit a bat. Well, it, no, it wasn't there. <laughs> he was doing it on tour. What was crazy is it, it like it, it hit me in that moment at Woodstock because when we got invited to that and then seeing like the ocean of fucking people bouncing to our shit and when how I how I could just kill a man comes on, they go ape yeah. shit and it's and it's crazy. You know what I mean and. That that's sort of when it hit, I, like, cause I mean, you know, previous to that, we had played sizable festivals and stuff like that, but nothing that right. that big. And to see five hundred thousand, yeah, that's and, crazy. Dude, that shit was so big. We had a you couldn't drive into the show. We had to get a hotel in this other state right here, get in a helicopter and fly into the show. And then land in the fly show. In. Yeah, because because it was like a ten-hour traffic jam. That, well, no, the roadways turned into a fucking parking lot. Like for real, people just got out of their car, fucking walked it, and left their shit where they left it. It was like in the sixties. Like the original Woodstock, yeah. right? Yeah, you know. So the original Woodstock was 1969, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And some some went in on boat. You know, you had to go where the fucking the boat was, and you right. know, boated in or you helicoptered in. That wow. was only two ways in for artists at man, that, that point. Man, that was wild, man. Just then, to see all them people that's over there, like, it was it was nuts, man. Yeah, we came in on a helicopter. And then y'all land, and then they say, y'all gotta go straight to the stage, or how does it happen? Uh, we were there for, what, 40 minutes before we went on, maybe an hour? A little bit longer. Hour and a half? Yeah. Yeah. It was when we got off stage that was everything. They kicked us right the fuck out. They're like, we got to make room for the next band flying in. So and y'all killed the stage. Shit. It's not like... Yeah, we killed it. I lost my shoes and socks on that show. I didn't bet on nothing but us to win, and I lost my uh, shoes and socks. How do you lose your shoes and socks? Okay, so me and Sen, or Sen and I, for proper grammar's sake, okay. um, we, you know, from the Beastie Boys shows, we were, you know, jumping in the crowd, and that became a thing, us stage diving and, and doing that that shit. We did it for a very long time. Mm. But uh, it was new to us then, and, you know, Woodstock seemed like the place to do it. So I go in, I get ravaged. My fucking shirt's getting pulled this way, that way. You jump in the crowd. Yeah, I jumped in. We both jumped in the crowd. Uh-huh. I, I had to grab my, my collar so that I didn't get choked out by my T-shirt getting pulled this way and do the song, because, like, we never stopped doing the song. We right. always... Finish, you know what I'm mm. saying? And uh, as I'm, as we're doing the song, first shoe comes off, second shoe comes off, sock comes off. See, I can see the shoe. Sock the sock, they literally got like, like, 
they, they, they pulled you right the fuck out. Right. And that's you a know, real fan. And where is that shoe in sock right now? And yeah, I was going to say that. that was in my pocket. Or the bag of weed was in your pocket lost. The bag of weed that was in my pocket. this person's school. And I came back on stage, and you know, I was barefooted. I was like a hippie up there, you know what right. I'm saying? Trying to do some hip hop <laughs> shit. Mm. Um, but it happened on the last song because we finished with We Ain't Going Out Like That. That was our finisher for a long time. Um, and at that point, it was new, but like, you know, so that was the last song. I get up on stage. I don't mm-hmm. got, I'm asking for my shit back. Ain't no one throwing my shit back. Mm-hmm. But years later, on, 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 on another tour, I shit, I came across one shoe. Right, a motherfucker kept, hey, this from is a your previous shoe from show or from that same show? No, no, for like years later, like ten years God. later, we're on a tour somewhere with uh, I don't know if it's uh, it's probably further than ten years, but it was either with Three Eleven or Sublime with Rome or Slightly Stupid, one of those three tours yeah. we did with those guys. A f- one fan comes up and says, "Hey, yo." This is the shoe from Woodstock. Would you sign it? This is wow. I'm gonna say that, and I'm like, cool. It was my left shoe, <laughs> so I fucking signed it. Right? Get on. About another year later, I'm on. A, we're on another tour. I might have been with Profits <laughs> at this the point. Right shoe. Got the right shoe. He goes, hey, yo, man. <laughs> <laughs> No, it wasn't the same person. Okay. Two different people. I never got the socks, though. So <laughs> We're looking for the socks. If you're looking for the socks. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Now you, no, okay, you should be saying something. No, 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 no. Now you guys were also the first rappers with a Hollywood Hawk, a Walk of Fame sign. Because Colin is getting his yeah, um, uh, Monday. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, how, how far has hip-hop came? And then I'm looking at the documentary. I'm like, the first... Hip hop group they ever gave one to is you guys. Yeah, it was group, like yeah. Robert De Niro, Ma- Marilyn Monroe, Cypress Hill. That's, <laughs> oh, that's shit. a dope yeah, lineup right there. All right, yeah. I'll tell you what. You, you went too fast. Hold on. What, did you, what did you just say? It's on Hollywood Boulevard. Robert De Niro, Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe, and Cypress Hill. Let's make some noise for that. But they gonna right. go to those right there. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. does it feel, it, man? It's crazy because you know we'll we'll, we'll get um, tagged in in pictures of fans going to the star right. and like you know smoking up or leaving right. some weed right there and taking pictures and right. all that shit. Because M- some stars they be pissing on them. So. <laughs> True that. Yeah, that ain't wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I see them violate Donald Trump shit. Holy shit! <laughs> oh, yeah. You see yeah. what they was doing to Donald Trump shit at one point every day. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. <laughs> they will violate this shit. But they don't violate y'all. They, they put they, weed on y'all shit. They celebrate it. You they know, celebrate we're like stoners, dude. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, we get tagged on in a lot. And, and it's cool because it's something I know ain't none of us ever talked about or expected. That was right. just because I don't think as artists we come in expecting to achieve these, these accolades. things. Yeah, yeah. We're just doing what we're passionate about and trying to win at it. Mm-hmm. And everything else is an extra. So when. They came to us with that shit. I was like, oh, wow. Man. Really? <laughs> it's crazy to be, you know, I mean, for years, just walking those streets, just, you know, casually. And, and, then, and then all of a sudden, to have one, that's, that's something else, man. I mean, to see that journey from Killer Man right. to probably be like, this is just a dope street record. You know, we just want to do it for, for hip-hop, for the culture, to doing these festivals and then, and then the Hollywood star. That's got to be... Mind blowing for y'all. It, it was. Like, and, and, and most did y'all smoke weed at y'all speech? I, did we? Yeah, oh. we were all stoned. <laughs> 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 
That was because, right. so, you know, some star celebrations, not many people show up and, you know, it depends on who it is and, and you celebrate your star and it's all good. And then right. it's fucking over. Right? right. But we had a lot of our fans there that I did not expect show up right. and celebrate that with us. And that meant everything that kind of meant more than the star. And right. now for nothing, you know, we we buried some weed under that star. Mm. Fine, I would have never thought yeah. of that. That's fine. You put a time capsule on that. It's forever blessed. Yes, yes, Don't yes. go fucking try to. You don't do that. Because it's not good anymore. <laughs> no, it's just in spirit yeah. there. Well, you know what? I want to tell y'all again congratulations on that. It's a legacy that your kids and grandkids yes. will continue yeah, to man. see and visit yep. and read. Whenever they want to, you know what I mean. Right. And it's a, that's the monument. It's there. That's yeah. what, right. what great granddaddy did. You know, right. it's gonna be same. You know, long time from now. Right. And Hell yeah. Hell it has yeah. to be respected. You know. Now, um, let me. Uh, who's Mike? Mike Miller. Mike Miller was the photographer that um, took the shots for the first album. So he didn't film the whole album cover. Yeah, the whole okay. like all those shots in that time. You know, when you see us on the album cover, where there's uh, we're by the fire. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're, we're all looking at different ways so you don't necessarily see our faces and stuff. That was shot hmm. at uh, his father's steel mill that was, uh, you, you know it, it's, um, what street is that? Um, Nate, right before Nadu, it's Santa yeah. Fe Road, Santa Fe yeah. Street or Road. It was that one was steel that mill that looked abandoned right there. Not close to that pig farm thing that, that you know that one that's over there around that area? Yeah. No, no, way before that. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like yeah. right when you're coming out of Southgate on the backside. Right. You would know it if you saw it. Yeah. yeah. But it, like, we didn't know it was his father's shit. I mean, we'd been growing up and seeing that shit forever. And then, you know, he, he says, I want to take you to this spot. And Muggs was very pivotal in that because he was giving him the direction, hey, we want it to look and, like... And Muggs, you've had that vision from get. Like, sorry to cut you up, but the, the art direction thing was there already. Right, right, yeah, so... We, we had this idea of what we wanted to do. It was a trash can, you know what I mean? A burning trash can, like you staying warm. Uh-huh. It was like, it was it was like August, <laughs> July, August. It was, it was always warm fun. outside, you know what I mean? <laughs> so we're trying to get the winter feel in LA. So we had jackets on, we had the fire burn. It was like 89 degrees. We was taking the pictures in the steel mill right there in like Southgate. And that, and right, that right, was right. Mike Miller's father's steel mill, so it made mm. it easy. And the funny thing is uh, the guy who was the assistant to Mike Miller was Estevan Orio, director of, of our new, mm-hmm. of our documentary. Which he did a great job, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what made y'all want to do the documentary? Because y'all was, y'all had people filming it from the beginning? And shut up, Massive people. I didn't know that they were yeah, involved. And it's on yeah. Showtime. Yeah, and Showtime. Showtime. No, all, the, all the camera shit from the beginning is just us right. buying cameras. You know, when movie cameras started coming out, one of the homies would buy a camera, mm-hmm. the other homie would buy a camera. It was just shooting shit behind the scenes. Right. Documenting everything. It wasn't like live on Instagram, so we had our cameras. You know, we had our own shit. When you when you watch a documentary, do you, like, does, what, what kind of emotions do you watch? Because I'm looking at it like, man, these guys had a fucking hell of a life. But I didn't live that life. No, it's, it's, but hold up. This is the thing that when I'm watching it, I was watching with my girl last night, actually. Uh-huh. 
and we're watching it and there's so much shit that happens and then it, it cuts to MTV News and I'm like, yo, MTV News hasn't been around for so long. Well, that much shit happened? <laughs> like y'all live like two lifetimes Right. And still mad shit happened after that Is what I'm saying Like right. so much has happened for you guys And, and one thing that didn't establish in the, in, in the documentary Is why you left the group Because that was the MTV thing Sid leaves the group But I I, I don't know if, if you ever like said Why did you leave the group at that time uh, I think I was just a scatterbrain You know what I mean Like my, my I couldn't really focus on it on one thing And I felt like uh, I was more of a like more of a something that was against the group than something that could help the group. Lack of a better term, you was like the ODB. I guess, yeah, kind of. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just, it was a, uh, I couldn't get my shit together. I couldn't concentrate mm. it. For the first time in my life, I couldn't figure the shit out where I, what I wanted to do. Mm. You know, and, that, and the road life is rigorous. Like that shit is crazy. Yeah, especially yeah. when you're, it's your first time out there. And I'm not gonna make any excuses or whatever, but. No. Yeah, I went through culture shock and all that shit that, you know, and I would see these guys just raging on fucking tour. Right. And I'm like, man, I, I just don't feel that shit. Right. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't, no, yeah. uh, wow. I wasn't having fun. It was the, I don't want to say a burden, you know what I mean? But it was like a heavy shit on me um, to, uh, to just stay the whole time out there with them. You know what I mean? Wow. And I had to battle the, the, I guess, demons that were trying to tell me, like, fuck these dudes and split, and, you know? And that, the right, right thing, which was telling me, stay right here with your crew. Right. You know what I mean? And, that, and, that, and I, I didn't always come through with that shit. Right. You know what I mean? So I fuck, I've always uh, felt shitty about that, right. you know, until I figured that shit out and became a constant part of the, of the touring crew. Right. Yeah, and you started your own crew as well, right? Your own punk rock band, I yeah. believe it was? Yeah, back in those days, yes. I started a band that uh, that actually helped me stay in music. Okay. You know what I mean? Because my idea, m fucked up as it was, I was like, just, I'm just going to quit. Right. You know what I mean? But these guys, um, like, we, we just need someone to practice with. Can you right. just rap? And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, whatever. And that turned into me staying... Productive, doing music and this and that. The whole time, be real would not. You know, he'd come over to my house like once or twice a year and be like, "Hey, nigga, you ready yet?" Or, right. and I'd be like, "No, I'm not ready yet." You know what I mean? Right. So, when I became, when I decided, okay, I'm gonna go back to the to the crew because thanks to these three cats right here, right. they kept the band, you know, like alive. Three cats. And, and they, they kept the band going while I took my hiatus. Right. You know what I mean? Until I figured it out and and uh, and and I developed this, you know, who gives a fuck attitude. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and that's, you know, the same shit that I'm on till today, you know? Because that's what I was, I was, I was expecting almost. Um, or, um, you know, Ice Cube left NWA, so, I, and, and then it was disc records after that and, you know, back and forth. So I was expecting that, you know, when, when you left the group and then like like you said like um, MTV reporting on it how come you, you guys never took that route no but, but but then you see the footage of what you said on stage yeah. had you ever did you ever see that till the documentary what he was saying on stage he no was, no he was basically saying that like he was bigging him up he was yeah. saying look he's not here anymore but he's right. still a part of the group like it was more right. supportive words yeah yeah because he's important. our brother you right. know what I mean right. that's the way we look at each other you know we're, we're yeah. not just bandmates. Right. We're, we're more than that And that, I think that's why It's been able to be What it is 
because we understand each other. You know, if one of us is having a bad time, we just back up and let it breathe. And, you know, the rest of us continue to toe the line and, and make it happen. And, you know, he, he got me into this shit, this right. guy and this guy right, right. here. And, and, you know, to give him his flowers mellow, you know, they got me off the street when I was banging. They were already kind of in the game. They could have pushed on without me and figured it out. But, you know, they brought me in and... You know, there's there's only a couple different paths when you're right. banging, especially in that time when it was crazy heated. And these guys took a chance on me, right? right. So, you know, when Send Dog left, it, we weren't mad at him. We we right. just tried to understand. We were disappointed, but like we carried the line till till he came back. And we, you know, Mugs would from time to time check in on him. I would, Bobo yeah. would, right. and in his time. He came back and we accepted it, embraced it, and knew, fuck, you know, we were back. Yeah, we let him have his time. We let him have his time. You know? I just got to say that there was no, like, fucked up treatment from these cats right. while I went through my own shit. Because you know I mean? like, it happens like that. Like, you, you, you yeah, go like the minute day, you show weakness they, in the armor or something yeah. like that, they kick your ass out. Oh, uh, it yeah. wasn't that with these guys, you right, know what right, I mean? No, they we, were just... And money can get in the in the way of it too. It, it's like, all love. Okay, well, he, he he saved my life, so I could never disrespect this guy. You know, right. same as Mugs, same right. as Mello. I, you know, I might have had my problems with Mello in the past, but you know, I always got love for him because that basically saved my life. So we got to be understanding to one another. You know what I mean? Especially when we've built it up, like. At but, that point. But was it difficult, you know, going on tours without him? And, um, you know, especially singing his part. I believe you was, like, singing his part. Yeah, we did around. a few tours where I was doing all his parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. they, they yeah, we split them between yeah, Bobo and yeah, yeah. And then the ones that they couldn't do, I would do Send Dogs verses. Right. And we just, you know, sort of split it up. It was, you know, we still brought a show. It's right. just that, you know, we had the missing fucking component in right. Send Dog's energy, you know what I mean? And right. his voice, his tone, when you don't have that, it ain't necessarily Cypress Hill, but we gave it to crowds nonetheless, and they accepted it. Right. And when he came back, it was just like even that much more. Better, so, right. Yeah, and, and uh, so in his time, man, and I knew he'd come back. Right. It, was, it was just he needed time to breathe and reset because we were on a crazy pace like right. we didn't see home but for maybe two three weeks at a time and then we were back on the fucking road we didn't see our families friends and right. and nothing you yeah, know it was like, like seven nothing. eight months a year yeah like, we were on the road but yeah. for like the first five years no yeah. facetime yeah no yeah. Yeah. technology yeah. no yeah. fucking like, social nothing but there was no yeah. social shit so you had to get out there and get face to face with your fans which get out there and do yes, shows right. and do in stores you know what I mean yeah. visit, oh, radio, funny, uh, visit radio, radio stations and morning shows when and I night shows I used to try to bring my people from the hood and I used to bring them out like yo you come with me I can kid you not. If it was like 15 of them, seven of them would go home. Hey. Within the first couple of years. <laughs> fucking mind. You read my fucking mind because I was about to just say that, right? right. Is that you can, you can, there's some motherfuckers that are built for this. Right. And some that have to sort of learn and mm -hmm. gradually get into this. And some are not built for it at all. Because we did the same thing. Right. We, we brought a couple of my homies that I banged right. with, right. Right. and one of them snapped in for sure. He could live the road life, but the thing mm. is, is he got reckless. You mm. know what I mean? The hood started flashing up in different places mm. when he would drink too much. In different hoods. And right. different oh, yeah. cities. And, and, <laughs> different you know, and that's a liability because right. things could pop off, right? right? And then there's the other homie that we brought on who was a G, you know, mm. one of my Gs, and... 
he spent the tour. He spent a, a, a full tour with us, but he didn't want to do another one. Another because, one. He never want to come he, back. Because because all he ever knew was the hood, the, and, and he missed so much money in the hood. Yeah, and he mm-hmm. or, or he just missed being around. Yeah, he missed that he missed, shit, yeah. and he couldn't disconnect from it. Being on the road was cool. But I'd rather be in a comfort zone right. here because I know this shit. And right. and some get stuck in that mentality, you know what I mean? Not, and Sen wasn't that. Mm-hmm. It was just that it's we were fucking going so heavy, it just gassed him. Right. You know what I mean? For me, I was like, this is all I got. Right. <laughs> I'm fucking, we're rolling. Right. And, uh, you know, so it never got, I never got tired of it. I, you know, sometimes now I might, but... Um, at that point, I was like, fuck, we're on. We got to keep going. And Muggs was the same way and, and Bobo. And, and I believe that Sen was in this way, but it just eventually it get When you're seeing only two weeks at home and then having to do right. another eight-week tour, man, that shit right. bears down on of you course. eventually. Yeah, yeah hell it's, yeah. Especially when Like you, you said, there was no FaceTime back then. No. There was no, like, you probably felt like you were disconnected from the world. Yeah. Going, going, going overseas where it's really that. a culture shock because yeah. it's a whole Before different thing. Before the worldwide thing. cell phones, too. You know right, exactly. I mean? <laughs> and, and, you know, different languages, different well, food, beat, different things, then. you know what I mean? Yeah, but imagine beepers 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 you know, one of the the longest stretches that we didn't touch the road, but there was there was stretch. I was playing paintball. You know, competitive. Yeah, you got a paintball, paintball team and all yeah, that, right? Yeah, and I used to play as well. And I was totally fucking addicted to that shit. And you so, don't do it anymore. You no, don't have the no, team. No, no, no. That I mean, I could put it back together, but I just you know, I got what happened was You'll this. You be addicted right? to paintball. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's just, yo, I, was, I almost went pro too. Like, I almost yeah. went pro. Yeah. We, Wait, we, we were on that. Pro paintball? Yes. What? Yeah. Million dollar cups? What okay, are you talking so about? Let me, let me explain to you, Norman, oh right? God. Let me explain to you. There's two styles of paint, two different styles of paintball culture. There's the ones where regular folks go in, they play what's called scenario games, right. and they go into a field and they try to shoot each other out. <laughs> that's one. That's not the one that we speed were doing. Ball, we were doing yeah. the one called speedball. Where yeah. let's just say this is the field. It's cut in half. It's you a go, team, and it's like yeah. play like a sport. Like you got your you got obstacles over here, obstacles over there. It's a mirror. Seven guys, seven guys. You're trying to get nah, their it's, it's flag. It's addictive, man. Like you get into and it. And you're shooting guns, you know, paintball guns at each other, trying to like communicate and strategize like chess with guns. You know yeah. how to get these dudes out. You wanted to play paintball. I we talked about it a couple times. That, that's speedball. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what that's <laughs> I needed that because that yeah. was my my time off right there. Mm, like yeah. you know, Send Dog took his time. When I took my time, we all had to take a pause because right, right. you know it's a little bit different, right? right? So I took that three years, and I didn't realize I was taking that three years. I was just having fun doing that shit because competitive paintball takes you touring to different and, places. Yeah, no, that's, you, you're so you get paid for this. If you win. If you win. But there's big... But you're paying big bags. This is like golf. It's very expensive to play, but if you win... Yeah, there's big bags if you win. Yes. Um, and sponsorships, uh, we, yeah, yeah, like you get real sponsorships. We did, we did decent. We were, we were a pretty good team, but like what happened was this. On my last tournament, um, <laughs> on my last tournament in San Diego that I played, that we played as a team, um, 
you know, this this dude comes up. And we did horribly bad in that that tournament. Like, we weren't communicating. We were just playing like shit. And we got, we got cheated. All this shit was happening. It was just a bad day. And this fan comes up, right? He goes, yo, be real, man. It's good to see you out here with the people like this, man. You know, like fucking down-to-earth shit and playing paintball ambassadorship. Yeah, man. <laughs> Can I ask you something? I'm like, yeah. And thanks. He goes... When are you gonna make a new album and get back on tour? And I was like, that clicked for you. Oh, right. But this is this is a little bit. Like he's making you up. He's saying you're a great paintball. He basically told me, like, hey, man, I'm a great Hey, he snapped me in because like after that, I, you know, I put out three mixtapes, um, the Gunslinger series. I wish you could try this. Um, <laughs> Then, then we eventually work on Rise Up and we get back on tour. We start touring heavy again, but it was those three years and it was that yeah. dude in that tournament who gave me the reality check. Like, I should be working, right. you know, like enough of, of well, having fun. Shout out fun. to that dude. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to you, bro, because like right. you snapped me back in. I know motherfuckers right. was like, what the fuck is wrong with him? Right. We got, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And thank you for understanding that, guys. Yeah, you know, we so. never even, you know, oh, so got he, it He's all like, how are you He's playing paintball. Y'all going crazy. No, this happened at different times. Oh, different times. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm thinking this is the same time. I'm like, y'all going crazy. Because, Muggs, you never we, really we, we, all, we, all, we all got shit to do. Like, right. we all got fucking about 20 things to do. So and whenever... You sound alchemist, right? No, he was in the little he was, homie. He was in the hooligan. He was in the little yeah, homie yeah, that came up under uh, us. Look, on this, um, on the, not to interrupt, but on the footage of uh, Woodstock, I believe that's his footage, right? Alchemist was there. No, was, it's, it's my footage. Oh, it's your footage. Boy, he shot it on my camera. On your camera, yeah. Really? Alchemist with Alchemist with been down that long? That long. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? Shout out to Alchemist. He's a little dude. Alchemist. Yeah. 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 He'll make some noise for Alchemist. Yeah. 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 I'm going to take a beat piece. You take, anybody got to go to the yeah. bathroom break? Yeah. Oh, let's take it. Fuck it. We're going to take a bathroom break. Playing the game, so quick time with slime. It's gonna give you two names, two groups. You gotta pick one or the other. If you pick both or neither, which is the politically correct answer, we drinking. Everybody's drinking though. We drinking with you. We all drinking. We all taking a shot. Okay. Oh shit! So you oh, pick one. Nobody drinks. Okay. You pick both or neither of them. We all drinking. And then Sonny, yeah. you drinking yeah. for Nori, right? Yeah. Where's Sonny at? Sorry, Nori's on a cleanse right now. Let's go. Yo, I, 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 I need some yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna ask y'all two a question, and he's gonna ask y'all two a question, and oh, then it'll be the up. same type you of thing. You sent it to me, Haz? Right. Yes, you did. All right, so cool. You ready? I think so. Quick time with Slide. Big up to my people from Cherry, Colorado. Uh huh. My folks. It's family. Kid Frost or Mellow Man Ace? Mellow Man Ace. Mellow Man Ace. All right. So that's... All right. Y'all two. House of Pain or Funk Dubious? House of Pain. House of Pain. 
Wow. They're together. They're not even looking at each other. Jesus. What the fuck did you Ice Cube or Scarface? Ice Cube. Mm. Ice Cube. All right. I'm glad I didn't have to answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> Dre or Puff? Dre. I want to see if y'all can answer like how they answer. This my team. My team is good. Yeah. <laughs> 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 See, we DJs over here. We good. We good over here. Exhibit or Razzcast? Exhibit. What's up, Popball? Y'all ready? <laughs> Tribe Called Quest or Souls of Mischief? Tribe, Tribe Called Quest. <laughs> Jesus, man. Y'all. All right. Now, this is going to fuck y'all up. I'm sure. <laughs> All right. I'm sure. <laughs> we can tell y'all tour a lot together, man. <laughs> Buster Rhymes or Eminem? Buster, Buster Rhymes. <laughs> Gordon. Yeah. All right. Okay. Snoop or game? Snoop. Jesus. We need better <laughs> questions, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's not working. We're not drinking. We haven't drank yet. Yeah, hold on a little bit. Take a shot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. All right. I don't have tequila, dude. Okay. You got the, oh, the right there, right there. There's the tequila. All right, we ready? Hold on, let's let them let them fill up. You took the, you take a shot. You gotta take a shot. Oh, you yeah. gotta take a shot. Yeah, yeah, take a shot. We just yeah. gotta take a yeah. shot. Take a shot. No, take it again though. We didn't see you. Oh, yeah. I know that tequila was burning. My whole and mouth is crumbled. How'd you like the mojito? How'd you like the mojito? Right? It's good. It's good. I got it. Drop the one right here. Okay, this one. I'm pretty sure we're gonna go with this one, but I got I gotta ask anyway. Tupac or Nipsey Hussle? Tupac. Okay. Big pun or Biggie? Biggie. Biggie. Jeez, man. We're not catching them at all. <laughs> DJ Quick or Battle Cat? DJ Quick. DJ Quick. All right. Outcast or UGK? UGK. Wait. I was going to say Outcast. All right, you can say it. We can drink it. We can take a drink. We all got a drink. We all got a drink. Okay. Nice. That is it's on me, right? Uh-huh. Ooh, 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 it's a good one. <laughs> N.W.A. or Wu-Tang Clan? N.W.A. On you. Damn, it's not a good one. What's wrong? These guys definitely work together. This is a weird one. Who put this one together? All right, Fat Joe or E-40? Damn. I mean, this is the one that's probably going to make us drink. Fat Joe. Fat Joe, yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. You didn't want to drink, huh? Podcast or radio? Podcast. Radio. Oh man. Oh, this is a good one. This is a good see, one. Let me see, let me see, let me see what's going on here. Oh. 
All right. Re- oh, okay, yeah. American me or blood in or blood out? American me. American me. Woo. Don't look at me, little puppet. Don't look at me, little puppet. Don't look at me, little puppet. I was scared of that movie. <laughs> Both of them. The other one. Yeah. Legit, it's a legit story. No, yeah. America, me or him? Blood and blood. That's, that's when the white guy. He, they're he they're both over. based in the same yeah, time. Yeah, right. Right. He, that's ill. That's ill. Okay. The Chronic or All Eyes on Me? The Chronic. Chronic. Kush or Sour? Kush. Kush. Jesus. You, you got to start answering at the same time, not believing me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, you, you, got, you got the rigor. Beat nuts or souls of mischief? No, Beat nuts. That wasn't it, bro. You drunk without drinking? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't want to use alchemist. That just didn't, didn't go together. Nah, uh, no, 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 no. Beat nuts is a group more than production. I'm not thinking of beat nuts. I think of both. Nah, beat nuts or alchemist? That was the real one. Oh, that was the real. One. That was the real one. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> The question was asked already. Uh, <laughs> like Cypress Hill really fucking it up right now. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Eat pussy or eat pussy. What? No, bro, relax. Um, MOP, Mob Deep. MOP. Mob Deep. We drinking. We drinking. Now they get the boy. Salute to both. Salute to both. Yeah. What's up, I got? I'll wait for Sen. Yeah. They're getting smaller and yeah, smaller you go, now. Yeah, you're going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you need a shot glass. You know that. I'm, I'm a, a, a beerhead. You need a shot glass in your life, just because that's yeah. a little wild. Beer and tequila goes right together. <laughs> yeah, yes, it does. Okay. All right. Y'all ready? Boys in the hood or Minister Society? Boys, Boys in, in the, the hood. Yeah. Rock him or Karis one? Ooh, yeah, KRS-One. Yeah, KRS-One. Okay, you ready? Cool G Rap or Big L? Cool G Rap. Cool G Rap. I like this one, man. This is stupid. New York or Miami? New York. New York. See, I don't like that one. That's <laughs> <laughs> two New Yorkers. <laughs> EPMD or Gangstar? EPMD. EPMD. Jesus. Bucket hats, baby. Mm. But I love them both. Yes. All right. Brand Nubian or Tribe Called Quest? Tribe. Y'all double on Tribe. I, I, I said Tribe. Okay, we drinking. Let's go. I think I make some noise for that. That's, that's right. <laughs> my Wheezy, baby. Mm. This one, I don't know what y'all going to pick. And I need to know why you do pick this. Your MTV raps or video music box? Your MTV raps. Um... Video music box. Okay, I need an explanation for both of y'all. Your MTV raps because um, I, they held it down through those early those years of hip hop when we really needed that show, mm-hmm. and I felt that um, that whole that whole thing that they did and they spotlighted hip hop and then some of the greatest hip hoppers of all time mm-hmm. were on that show. I, I, I Video think. music box because they showed MTV the way. And you and you next after that. Uh, mm. 
I'm going to change it up, though. Okay. Um, Big Boy or the Baker Boys? Ooh, Big Boy. Big Boy. Primo or Pete Rock? Primo. Primo. Damn. Moni Love or Yo-Yo? Moni Love. Yo, yeah, they, they, right. this, and this is the last yeah. one. Might as well answer this all, all four, yeah, <laughs> together. Loyalty or respect? And let's, let's go one by one. Loyalty or respect? Loyalty, respect, loyalty, loyalty. Break it down. If if, if wow. each, yeah, you can take a shot for it. Fuck it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't all. It wasn't even the same. we gotta take the shot either. We'll all explain it. Explain it. Yes. You want some more, Mama Weezy? Ooh. Loyalty. Well, you know, loyalty. Mm-hmm. Because one person can't do it all by themselves. You need a team and you mm-hmm. gotta be loyal to each other and with loyalty comes the respect. Mm-hmm. Without it, there is no respect. Mm-hmm. That's real. And I agree with the brother's thoughts on what he said, but for me, you know, Respect is everything. Right. I don't care if you don't even like me, but when you when I come around, right. you show that respect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I did, there's different levels of respect, uh, but loyalty. Uh, you know, if you're, you're true, you stay loyal. You know, no matter what. Oh man, so if a motherfucker's um. Loyal to you, he might not even agree with you, but he ain't gonna want to kill you because he's loyal to you. You know what I mean? But mm. I could have respect for you, and I don't like what you're thinking and all that shit. And I'm gonna kill you, motherfucker, because I ain't loyal to you. That was profound. That was Now, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you guys love more, making the record or performing the record? It's both. It's 50-50. Really? You can't have one without the other, mm-hmm. especially in hip-hop. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? You got to love both. I mean, some are only good at one. Yeah. You know? I mean, the, the energy's different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you make a record and you're in this fucking studio and you're smoking with the homies and then the beat's there and then you, you the song's done, you're like, God damn. And you listen to that shit and the fucking speaker's on high and the, mm-hmm. the, that shit's banging. You're like, yeah. And then when you do a show, you got, you know, 100,000 motherfuckers right there and you rocking that shit, you like, ooh. It's just, it's it's two different worlds. It's two right. different energies, you know what I mean? Right. It's two different ways of just living as an artist, too. Right. It's like, it's some like... Some are better at one and not, not better at the other, but some can coexist and just keep killing it and killing it. It's right. like connecting a piece to a puzzle, right? Right. If you come to see that song live, you as much as ener- the, the energy that you put into making that song... Performing it is everything because you win people over in that performance. Like right. if you like your song and you're having fun to it, right. it becomes infectious if it's a good song. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like you got to want to do both. You can't be good at one and not the other. And some of us start good in the studio and we're shit live, but mm-hmm. then if you work on it, you can become better at it. Like for me, I could say, you know, our first years I was... Like my energy was yeah, great, you know. But, but, but longevity is—I'm sorry, dog. Sorry. Longevity as an artist and to like keep your ecosystem like right. circulating and keep everything moving, right. 
do your records, do your shows, do your records, do your shows, do your yeah. do, just keep going. And the more stop. shows you do, you get better at it. Right, right. right. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, again, I was shit in the beginning. My energy was there, but my control and all that. So the that exercise, like you learning. Right. It came with time and doing it. You right. know what I mean? So you got to have love for both. You got to love hitting that stage and performing that song as much as you did created, create, creating it and recording but, but it. But once you already get it on the performance level, it's got to be... So fulfilling though, because something that's subjective in the studio that you think is dope within the studio right. level, and you take it out to the world, right. and that world gives you that energy back. Yeah, that's got to be something it, special, it's right? Two other energies in the studio. You creating something from nothing. Right. There's nothing there. You walk in the day and you come out with that motherfucking right. song, right? Like, oh, we just made that shit show. But then the tour is fun, but but it's the same shit every night. Right. The same no. shit. The traveling's the hardest part. The shows are the fun part, right? Right. And you're doing that every night. But that's a different energy you get from the crowd. But it ain't the same shit as making the records. Right, right. How about you? Being being uh being part of a uh I'm being a musician, you know, I love the stage. I love to perform in front of people. You know, that's but, a jazz motherfucker since he was five at the Playboy Jazz Festival. You know, <laughs> yo, cool. what the but, fuck? But, but you know, I did at five. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What was that? Wednesday? It's about Wednesday. It's about Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Five years old. I mean, I mean, I, I knew I knew about the stage before um, recording, but wow. the energy in recording and creating something is incredible. You know right. that energy, but I can't wait to get up on the stage and just like blow it up kill it and just get that same reception or any kind of reception from you know that big energy from the crowd that's that's real fulfilling for me yeah for me it's a it's a 50 50 thing i mean i love being around the brothers in the studio smoking joints hitting uh, the, the bong and all that shit and recording jams and all that shit and then um we get a chance to tour around the world and have people trip out on what the fuck we just did you know six months earlier so it, it all goes together you, you if you, you if you don't record you can't tour so record to tour you know what I mean and and that's what it's all about when you come down to talking about being a musician and a actively you know uh, you know hip-hop band that, that we do our thing you know there's not one without the other you know you got to have them both you got and you got to figure out that that balance in the process of your band blowing the fuck up and becoming world big time famous right. you know what I mean and remember that it's all about that recording and then you gotta go do this fun shit right. yeah. and the fun shit isn't always so fun as it is work like Mug just mentioned you know what I mean make some noise for that you also <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. see you later and then <laughs> Later, Vanna White. So, <laughs> speaking of going on tour, how different was it going on tour with Limp Biscuit? It, the it was different in the sense of okay, well, let's start with you know from back in the days, and we were doing just strictly hip hop shows, and then we come across this Lollapalooza thing, right. right? And then everything switched from there. Right. So from 1992, late 1992. We saw people walking on top of each other, flipping backwards <laughs> off the stage and things like that. Crowd surfing and shit. Yeah, we saw that. So when 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 Bista came around, um, and the the size of their production and the things, the outrageous things they were doing, because Biscuit was always outrageous. You know what I mean? So when we seen that shit, I'm like, okay, we just gotta go up there and just be ourselves, no matter what they do, which I give respect to. You know, we just had to go out there and represent. 
you know, B, Sam, Bobo, and Muggs mm. and be and do what we do because right. that's what people came to watch us for. Mm. Not not for not what they're gonna do is what we're gonna do. Mm. And we always figured out a way to, you know, scratching that, you know, marking that motherfucking stage that we were on and leaving it, leaving that mark on there forever. Mm. Yeah. We we're always competitive too about right. it. You know, like we were either gonna steal and your this biscuit tour or this is your, your well, that was biscuit's tour. It was their tour. Oh, okay. uh, it was called Napster Tour. Napster Tour. Yeah, yeah that's right. Napster was the first year. Yeah, free, like, free, free concert. Free concert, concert. first Which time. Is crazy. Ever, the first time ever when it was like, we're gonna give your music, Nori, the shit you worked hard for, right. away for free. And just shut up and sit back and go have a seat. Oh. Were you conflicted <laughs> about that? But they were paying y'all for the tour. Obviously. No, I knew there was a future. You, you knew that you that was the future. Fight, you can't fight technology. Right, right. I mean, right. Technology is the real shit. Yeah, the, the, there was the horse, and then there was the car, and the horse motherfuckers was like, "Well, look at that stupid fucking metal thing driving down the street." Which Metallica was fighting in. They were. Technology yeah. never loses. So you know the record companies. Record companies were behind on that shit. You know they right. didn't fall in the way they could have and you know put a big dent in the game but we saw something different so we went on that tour with Biscuit right. and uh, yeah you know it was it was fun I mean like yeah their production is crazy but they, right. they scaled it down for that one because it was significantly smaller venues than they were playing at the time uh, all the shows was free for the fans yeah. so nobody uh, paid you just got in line and whoever got in hey, was in the show <laughs> and then the, the door was locked not for That's nothing crazy. Right. not for nothing we gave we gave it a hell of a run though you know what I mean those fans were there for it like when right. we went on and we played our set it was significant impact you know what I mean like they were going crazy it was explosive that was what, what was the cool thing about touring with Limp Biscuit is that you know their fans and our fans you know mixed together well yeah. and it made it for a great tour you know what I mean um, they brought it we brought it and it was a win-win but you know, at the time, because we were on this Napster tour, you know, it wasn't very popular to be doing that shit. But, right. you know, we're always like, well, fuck. Because Napster seemed like at that time, especially like the the, the industry devil. Like, this is the right. people that's, yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah. they kind of saw where the industry was going to go. Right. right. Even if they didn't really so fully know. They, they were ahead of their time. They were ahead of their time. You got to skate where the puck's about to go, not right. where the puck's at. Yeah, you know and, what I mean? And for us, it was like, okay, Limp Bizkit's asking us to, to play support role here. You know, I imagine some great money, and we're like looking at it like, yeah, it was all right. right. Um, it was, it was more the fact that we were going to get it out in front of these fans and like possibly win. You some guys of them obviously, over. sorry to cut you, but but it seems like you guys always understood the investment well, in you, getting in front of the people. You know what happens? Like you might not get the show money that night, but your merch is going to pop. Right, thirty percent. Your publishing checks that are already crazy are gonna pop another twenty, thirty percent because of that shit. You might have lost like a little bit of something for them shows for the intermediate, but for the long run, your shit's about to. You gain you passive income for, yes. forever. Mailbox money just just right. there because you you sacrifice a little bit there. You know what I mean? So you, you got to understand. You got to look at your whole thing. What you're doing is an ecosystem. Invest your time and energy where it's where it's the best for you to create the energy to right. get the you know what I mean. And and the other thing was you know the competitive nature of it, right? Being a hip hop group, going with this this band that's very aggressive and holding ours within it. You know right. what I mean? Like we carry it, right. and because uh, that's important to us. Like we can we you can put us in any fucking scenario. Mm. And we're gonna rip shit. We right. there's been shows that we did where it's like all metal, right. 
right. and we're the only hip hop on there. And this is right. before we started kind of doing the fusion type shit and just still playing hip hop. Right. And we're opening for or playing support for Metallica in a fucking metal metal festival in mm. fucking Germany. Wow. There's Biohazard. There's Fear Factory. There's the Deftones. There's Corn. There's all these different groups there, and we're in there, right? And as representative of hip hop's, we're hip hop. <laughs> we're fucking killing it in the middle of all these fucking metal groups who, you know, a lot yeah. of these cats came to see and, and converting them into Cypress Hill fans. And that, that's been one of the gifts that we've had, that competitive spirit in us that we're going to go out there and we're going to make it hard for whoever's coming on yeah. after yeah. us. Like for me, there was all these motherfuckers that they started, like they couldn't rap. So they started getting making rock bands and they was rapping on rock shit, but they couldn't rap. So we was like, oh... Check this out. I'm going to show you how to do this shit real quick. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, and it's like uh, we never had to have a big production, you know, all these crazy things on stage and everything props like and that shit, and props. Right. We never had to do that, you know, and a lot of... But rock at one point, you did. You had like the, the, the skull. Buddha. The Buddha. Well, you know, we had the Buddha. Yeah, 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 we yeah. had the skull on the backdrop for a right. long time, and, and we, we tried to keep it like really like about our energy, right? Mm. And then there was the time we would take Buddha out with us and put him in front of the backdrop and holding that big ass leaf. And you know, that was probably like the the biggest stage figure that we ever had on stage next along with the king. We had a king that blew up and he was sitting on the throne with a big ass joint or spliff or whatever. And um, those you know, those were the biggest sort of visuals that we ever had on stage with us because for us it was all about our energy. If we can't if we can't move the crowd on our energy alone and, and not have all the fucking bells and whistles that you right. see a lot of groups spend a lot of production money on, then what the fuck are we doing? If I can't rock a small if we can't rock a small club or a huge fucking house without all that shit then what are we doing? And so we've always relied on our energy and all that other shit is just, you know, a, a visual to like be extra. So, you know, we really, we, we really focused on light shows for a minute because we knew a lot of our fans pop shrooms before our show and would watch the show. So we gave them something to right. see, you know what I mean? But most of it is, you know, his energy on the turntables his energy yeah, that, on the that mic. early shit. It was before electronic music. Like it was, we, we, we got the inspiration from psychedelic rock. You know, what I mean, from mm. the '60s. Right. That, that, that electronic music was weird for us growing up. It was motherfuckers was like had high heels and some vaporizers on their nose. Eyeliner like, and shit. Like, the, the electronic <laughs> culture. We never. That shit was weird. We was like, that shit's over there. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. 
You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR-positive HER2-negative NBC as the first hormonal-based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. You know what's crazy about um, the group is I could go to an all-hardcore hip-hop party. They'll play Cypress Hill. Right. Absolutely. I could go to a soft party. They'll play Cypress Hill. I could go to an all-white party where literally it's only white people there. They're playing Cypress Hill. I could go to any, like, you guys are a universal group. Was that something that was calculated or was that something that was done by mistake? Organic. Organic. Yeah, that's what I meant. Not by mistake. Excuse me. Organic. Mm-hmm. We just did whatever the vibe was, you know, like, you know, it's, it's, it's like painting pictures, you know, mugs would make the beats and be like, yo, I hear this on this shit. So I would try to write what that was. And then, you know, same, you know, as we're constructing this shit is just working towards that goal of, of painting that fucking picture. Right. You know what I'm tapestry. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you how important was it even important to to represent Latinos when you came out. Like, I always tell Nori, when he when CNN came on the scene, just him flipping those couple of Spanish words 
was a was a, like a like a Big. beacon for Latinos out there, yeah. hip hop heads, you know. It's very important. Yeah, because we. But the thing is, is that what I try to explain to people is like we never Latinos are a part of hip hop culture. Right. Since day one. Been, since day yeah. one. But you know the DJs, the graffiti artists, the b boys, everything. We mm. were never as much in the forefront, right? For whatever reasons, and so. For groups like you to come out, like, did you guys know what you were doing? Like, how much, like, what it could do for Latinos in hip hop? Not right away, you know what I mean? Like, we, uh, as far as me speaking, and I, I think that we we were just more concentrated on being a, a solid hip hop band, and and since my brother had already done the Latino thing and and Frost and these these were all guys that we rolled with, you know what I mean? And I. I kind of felt like uh, we needed to be, we needed to separate, right? But at the same time, um, it was coming, it was showing through, it was coming through in the vocals, right. you know, and you could tell. It wasn't kind of, overt, which is what, right. what made yeah. it dope. Exactly. Well, exactly. You know. and, and, and when I look back at it, I think it was a very important move to, you know, to be on there on that level because it opened up to not just America or whatever, it opened up to the whole well, right. what's crazy is that, you know, we got signed from an all-Spanish song that um, Sandog had done, right? Not called, Latin lingo. No, it's called Caliente, Cosa okay. Caliente, or Caliente. something like this, right? It was whack. And, uh, you know, that's <laughs> what got us signed. It's not that whack, buddy. Obviously, we didn't end up using it. But, like, you know, they, they saw the potential in a, in a Latino hip-hop group, which there wasn't at the time. And we happened to be Latinos. Then, yeah. You know what I mean? And so they thought, we're going to lean on that. And we were like, nah, don't put us in that box. Right. We're going to sprinkle that's what our I shit. To say, yeah. mm-hmm. We're going to sprinkle our shit. Like Muggs would say, you know, we're going to just sprinkle little pieces of it. Right. Because realistically, there's no market for that, and we're gonna be stuck. Man, the real shit was, you know what I mean? Like, you came out and like you marketed yourself as Latino. Yeah. And then like, let's make dope music. You don't even need to know what we look like. We're gonna do our shit like this. Hence the mystery. Here's the fucking music. Organic shit. Being a pictures. Here's the music. You know what I mean? Boom. And and we sprinkled it with Latin shit because it it is a part of who we are. You know what I mean? But you don't you don't lean on it like this is my 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 thing. It's not a gimmick. It's not a gimmick because at that time, because at that time, if you were Latino, you were expected to sound like either Frost or Mello, and we weren't that. Yeah, and we weren't gonna. Yeah, and we weren't gonna allow anyone to box us in like that because we were we were trying to make hip hop music, not Latino hip hop. And in doing that and saying, you know, don't market us this way, market us as a hip hop group, we opened the doors for other Latinos because we showed what Latinos can do just without a fucking label, just being a hip hop group, you know, and that's a label in itself, but it was representing hip hop. Because you weren't overtly trying to be Latino. That's the thing. Like, we were just being hip hop, being Latino, which is a big difference. Right. And, And we never really. We never really played to it heavy. It was just sprinkles. It was like the weed songs. It wasn't like shit like we planned it. You know, it was like whatever Muggs gave me, if it spoke to me this way, this is the way I'm going, right? right. So that's that's the way the Latino shit was. Oh, this shit sounds like we yeah. should. Back then, you know, we like, come from a different part nice, of LA. Right. He's nice for a Latino. That's, they used to say things like that. Like, I'm nice for a Latino. Yeah, like I'm saying, like, period. They used to be like, oh, like, he's nice, but he's nice for a Latino. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, like, yeah. they used to say shit like that. Yeah. And, um, 
I think I think you right, guys right. transcended that, and I think what what deaded it all was pun. Pun, yes. killed it. No, yeah, pun. Yeah, you yeah, guys he, transcended he, that, he, and then when pun came, he was in there on the concert. Yeah, sure. Hey, because my man right there, and Joe as well. Yes, yeah, that yeah, Joe. Yeah. And, but but you know, in salute to Joe, man. Flowers to my man. That's Before been, I walked in, Joe called me. I forget what he called me about. This was crazy because I was so studying y'all. And I was like trying to get him out. He was like, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm about to um, interview Cypress Hills. He said, well, those are the only guys I look up to. Joe is my man. He's, he's all, we've always been locked in, man. You right. know, he asked me to get on a, on a record with him punning Cool G Rap. And yeah, that was wow. like, wow. Yeah, wow. Uh, B-side of, wishful thinking. Yeah, 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 the B-side of that joint. Of right. the, the Still Not a Player joint. Yeah. yeah. yeah and this is where part is coming up. Yes, but, you know, so salute to my man. Man, Joe, and it's much respect, but pun was a different animal. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In terms of being an MC and a writer and a stylist, mm-hmm. like a lot of motherfuckers are not doing shit unless they heard his style. Right. And you know, I fucks with pun in that way, like because he was a stylist, like his flippage, his burbage, and just he was. Rest in peace, man. He was one. He was one of the best. He don't get enough flowers. One of the best, yeah. for sure. Yeah. 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 Hold on, hold on. I'm going to say something. Do you remember what you were saying? Hmm. You were going to say something. You were saying something. I don't remember. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I assume you stole that pun, right? You got, you got anything to oh, say absolutely. about that? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, um, on, on the Latino thing, I think it kind of also hit when we went to like places like South America, and they love hip-hop, but Cypress Hill gave them something that they can relate to. Yeah, they can understand. Hearing, they, they, right. were, they can understand and they can they can uh, relate. And doing like when we did this, the the Spanish album, that was like uh, for them. It was like, oh my god, they're really like listening to us. Mm-hmm. You know that this is for us. Mm-hmm. And when we do like uh, "Want to Get High" in Spanish, right. they're singing the hook. Right. I mean, B doesn't even have to. <clears throat> B doesn't even have to sing the hook. Are you about to cry? No, but but they funny. don't. You know, they they sing the hook because yeah. it's it's like something like wow. You know, they 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 got it. You know, because a lot of them they're not speaking in English, but they love hip hop. Yeah, it was crazy seeing that. Like you know, before we even did our Spanish um, album or EP, whatever you want to call it, to go in in these uh, Spanish speaking countries. And them, you know, singing the songs all in English. They don't know what the fuck, or maybe they got some sort of translation on it, but it's a lot of slang. So how do you properly translate that, right? But to see them singing the songs and, you know, for us, that album, that Spanish album, Grandes Grandes Exitos, right? That was was our play in saying, you know what? We know we got a a Latino fan base. We're going to fucking smash one for them, right? Yeah, and uh, we didn't really know how it would be well received. That, yeah, well, right. it would be received because, like, the way that send I, send dog and I flip in Spanish in Los Angeles, it's a different sort of like dialect. It's a hybrid, right? You know what I mean. So, like, everywhere, ha- like anywhere, it has but, different slang. But it slang. didn't matter because everybody's just gonna right. It's, it's, it's representative, of them. right? So we didn't know that. Right. We were just doing the shit. And when it hit in South America and it hit in Spain and it, it, it you know, in Central America, man, we were like, oh, shit. And then you like, it's a whole nother career that just opened up. It wasn't there yesterday. Like, right. there it is. It, if that, yeah. 
the fucking birth like reggaeton and all that like you and us and I, you know I was about to say that you. I was about to say that cause you know I used to I always take advantage I thought I did reggaeton and I would like we would go to like uh, hip hop spots and then I would notice Spanish people were in the building I'd be like I'm taking full advantage yeah. <laughs> I'm taking full advantage of the crowd nobody else you know can do this shit right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember I had um, I remember one year um, I had the Puerto Rican Parade and um I had, it was me, Jada Kiss, and, and somebody else. And I brought out, so it was a Puerto Rican parade, so I brought out Nina Sky, Daddy Yankee, Fat Joe. Oh, you I just brought out every fucking Latino that I knew. And in. I just threw the bike at everybody, like, your turn. <laughs> 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 and I was like, fuck you. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I take full advantage. I, I remember, mm-hmm. you know, I, I did some shit with, with Tony Touch, salute to my man, yeah. Tony yeah. Thoughtout. You got the oh, mixtape. So I've done many collaborations with Toka, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's one of my good friends. Salute right. to you, motherfucker. He's a great you know dude, man. And, uh, you know, so I did this joint with him and Nina Sky. Mm. And... You know, he wanted to film a video for it. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. He's all fly to, you know, to, to New York, Papi. You know what I'm saying? I got you. So I go out there and we do it. And it's for Puerto Rican Day Parade. Oh, you and have to experience that? Yeah, it was. Uh, that shit is wild, man. We don't have that shit in L.A. So, like, it was just another experience. It's you like don't when have the Cuban Day Parade out there? No, man. It's not the same. It's not the same. The Cuban Festival. Remember that? They don't do Ring Marcos in L.A.? It's not the same thing. And you know, Muggs would give me experiences and shit like this, but like Tony asked me to come out to do the video for, right. for that shit. And you know, it was fucking amazing. And right. then Fat Joe comes through on his float. He got yeah. the flyest fucking float <laughs> yeah. in the fucking Puerto Rican Day yeah. Parade. It was yeah. like nothing, man. You know, like that's that's the cool thing about New York, man, is it has like, Every culture is thick and celebrated. You, you know what's funny about the Puerto Rican Parade? My father used to make me ride the train, and I used to sit on this a cooler, and he's made me don't get off the cooler. And then I would sit on the cooler, and then we would make it to, to the actual Puerto Rican Parade. But you gotta get there early to get a spot, so you gotta get there like around seven, seven, seven thirty eight. So I would open up the cooler and my father would have me selling beers. I swear to God. <laughs> seven years old. Such a Puerto Rican you know thing. I never saw nothing wrong with this until I had children of my own. And I was like, my father was a father. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I was selling beers in Manhattan to Puerto Rican Parade. Hustle hard. Yo, for real. Seven years old. Yo, Such a thing. How much did you for them beers? How much for, for, for Back then it was five bucks. Five bucks. Five and, bucks. And, 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 five bucks back then. Five bucks was a lot. Because back then you used to get a beer for a buck. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So. That's like if you go to a fucking basketball game, you're oh, yeah. getting that beer for like 12 bucks. Oh, yeah. You know oh, yeah. It saying? might be 25 right at oh, this yeah. point. Yeah. Shit is crazy out here. So, what made y'all want to do this documentary? I think the history of it all is important. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because we were the the kid, we were, we were the kids that everybody had caught it out. You know what I mean? No, not, yeah. not from our point of view. We, no, I'm talking about from the original inception. Okay. You know okay. what I mean? Kids in general, like, like being right. kids. He was off, you know, doing some hardcore gangbanging stuff. Right. I was working warehouses. I hadn't met Bobo yet. Muggs was always the, the driven one, trying to, you know, you know, 
go get him. You know, we need him for these for these vocals. Mugs had a group before Cypress. Right. He was already well, doing things. Well, we knew things. Mugs before yeah. that group. Yeah. And yeah. and you know, so that but that group was the the entry into the game. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, cuz we were already boys before then. Mm-hmm. You know Julio G, salute to him. Yeah, he introduced yeah, us to Mugs. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know, we were like-minded individuals all of us. The the type of shit we listened to aside from hip hop before hip hop and hip hop you know that this is like something we all had in common and and uh you know that's how we met mugs was was through Julio and shit like that so let's talk about Julio for a second like um like how did you how did you hook up with Julio uh I was big up Julio G by yeah, the way big up Julio yeah, G legend. Yeah. Um, I had a homeboy in in Bell Gardens that had a cousin that knew Julio and I was DJing some hip hop shit but radio in, in, and he was on the radio no, he, was no, on he wasn't on the radio, radio. No, he wasn't on the radio it was about some freestyle shit and it, it was all Latino you know all the neighborhoods was Latino where we was so freestyle, freestyle music freestyle music freestyle music and hip hop was like you could play Planet Rock you could play Planet Rock at the party and that was the hip hop you played so I was I knew I was on some hip hop shit and he was like yo my my, my cousin's homies on some hip hop shit so I went to this club with it was a Capri, Capri right Capri yeah this club called a Capri right there but right 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 by where they lived and shit so I went over there met Julio and then kicked it with Julio for about a year DJing and then one day he was like yo I'm gonna bring these dudes over we need to make a cassette cool and I was like pull up and then B came your brother came. How did y'all go with Julio then? Well, Julio was, you know, he went to Southgate High with. Mm, uh, did he? Yeah, with with Send Dog's brother. Yeah. Huh. And and so we knew Julio through, and he was, you know, in the b boy circles over there. Man, he was nice on the floor, but so was Bugs. Bugs is a beast on the motherfucking floor. My <laughs> oh, uh, different know. story, <laughs> but you know, we knew Julio through through uh, through Mello, you mm. know, and they were both into the the hip hop. Shit, you know, b-boying and all that stuff before mm. we got into rapping. Mm. You know what I mean? And uh, so that's how we knew Julio. And Julio eventually transitioned out of the b-boy shit into the turntables. Mm. You know what I mean? And and um, you know that's when these two guys met when they both transition transitioned out of the b-boy shit into you know getting on the turntables and doing shit. And so we knew Julio for a while. You know what I mean? Um, we saw him go from you know. Doing doing breakdance shit into going to turntables and eventually going to K Day, which was the hip hop station yeah, yeah, in LA at the time. On AM, it's like you know how there's yeah. certain clubs and certain parties in that neighborhood, right? And we right. all go into those clubs and parties, and you see motherfuckers like going through their stages right. and shit. Right. And, and you know, so Julio, we saw him go through all that, and uh, you know, when we were just sort of doing this shit at a, as a hobby, he, you know, them them two met. And where's Felly Fell at this time? Is he, is he, we, didn't is who, we didn't know who, who, who nah, he was. No, he was too young at that time. No, he was okay. too young. He wasn't yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, this was like in, what, 87? 86. 86. Yeah. I was 16 years old right. at the so time. We, we was kicking it in 86, and our first record came out in 91. Wow. I mean, so we was kicking it. Yeah. Melo Man and Julio right actually went to high school together. Wow. Right? So... So we we were always aware of his of of him in, in the area, right? Mm. So when we first started, you know, doing the rap thing, the only other guy in Southgate High School that DJed was Julio G. Yeah, and wow. Julio was Melo's DJ when he got on with Mentirosa and all that. Like for his most Melo's run, it was Julio G. Oh yeah, yeah. 
and yeah, and as he, his DJ. Yeah, as his wow. DJ, and wow. and Tony G was, you know, his his like the guy that that. Um, Julio was like yeah. a, apprentice too, you know what I mean? Like Tony was like the master at the fucking time. We all looked up to Tony G, and you know Julio G came from Tony. Right, you right. know what I'm saying? So, and we, it, you know, we went that far back with Julio, you know, and that's why he even spent time on tour with us, like DJing. Wow, you know what I'm saying? Um, so salute to Julio G yes. out yes. there. Yes. If it wasn't for Julio, we don't meet mugs, and there's no fucking Cypress Hill. Yeah, there's that, there's that connection that all of a sudden happened one year, and yeah, and, and, and brought. And was Julio from the neighborhood? Julio's from Linwood. Yeah, yeah. he's from Linwood. He's from, from Linwood. I was from Southgate. Yeah, Julio's from Linwood. And it's all close in proximity. We, was, yeah. kicking yeah. we was kicking it, and then one day, we had a homeboy named Eli. He was like, "Yo, I met these two dudes from New York, called Brett and Sean from Seven Eight Three." It was my these, these two kids from um, East New York, from Linden Projects in East mm. New York, and they were signed with Ice T. Mm. And then I got down with them. And, they were signed uh, Ice T. You said they were signed Ice T. Okay, cool. And then we was throwing a party in East mm. LA, and they came, and um, it was like, hey, you want to do a show with us? We throwing a party in East LA, and they came, and then um, eventually I got with them, put out a record with them on Colors, the Colors soundtrack. Colors soundtrack, yeah. yeah. And then um, we went out and um, put out an album and shit, and you know, and. Um, those are some of the homies too. Wow, he was down with Rap Syndicate at one point, right? Rhyme Syndicate, yeah. Rhyme Syndicate, I said yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Ice T, yeah. Rhyme Syndicate. Um, right. That group Seven Eight Three was down with Rhyme Syndicate. Right. So um, we, we 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 was down with Ice T. He was like a little, little, little older homie, you know what I mean? Putting us up on game, talking shit, letting us know what's up. He's like, you want to fucking be in his rap game? Y'all want to hang out and like flex in front of these bitches and shit? You know what I mean? Yeah, y'all motherfuckers don't even put in the motherfucking work. You know what I mean? <laughs> put in the motherfucking work, homie. You got to show up to this shit eight hours a fucking day like a fucking job if you think you're gonna get money this off this motherfucking shit. Yeah. In like '87, and I was I was a little kid like. Hey man, we gotta put in this fucking work, yo. If we're gonna get this shit, you oh, know what I mean? This ain't like okay. a little a little hobby or some right. shit. If we're gonna do this shit, we're gonna do it right. We need to put the fucking work in like it's a nine to five, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And then He was always closest to the sources, so we'd Ooh. absorb from him. I see. No, oh, mugs. Because okay, okay. he'd be with Right. Like ice and them, right. you know what I mean? Absorbing yeah, this. Yeah, but but the music time. industry was small right. back then, yo. There right. was nothing. There was like there was no access to a record label. You had to know a homie, either I knew a homie or I knew you that knew somebody at the label, but that was it. There wasn't there wasn't a shortcut to the label. And I gotta big up Brett B, you know what I'm saying? Cause yep. he actually taught me how to write a song. I went you know, I was writing raps before and I was pretty good at writing. But like I didn't know shit about writing songs and he he knew that. You know and, back then in, in rap there wasn't hooks yet. Motherfuckers right. was rapping. So it was like hooks. Right. Like bridges. Yeah. Making songs, making records. Like yeah. in other in other music genres they were doing that, you know, but in hip hop it wasn't so prevalent, right? So, you know, the one thing about Brett is he showed me how to break those pieces down, you know what I mean? Cause like I didn't know how to write a song up until you know, we, I think it was, um, I think maybe Hand on the Pump, like, was, like, yeah. the key in where I, I was like, oh, I get it now. Right. You know what I mean? In our demos, in our, in all our demos, like, we did a lot. There's shit that, you know, people would trip out on because we don't even sound like us at that point. But, you know, at a point where we snapped in. Right, Hand on the Pump was one of the songs where Brett, like, we, we co-wrote that song. He mm -hmm. took lead, but I co-wrote it. Yeah. 
and that sort of gave me the 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 oh this is how you write a fucking like structure it right yeah. and so I started structuring structuring all my writing after this right. and uh, man if it wasn't for that experience with fucking Brett I wouldn't have never never learned how to write a fucking song. So salute to you, Brett salute to B. Brett. Salute to Brett. You know what I'm saying? So um, you guys marketed yourself as like the, the rap Chi Chi Chong, right? Uh, I, I don't know if I pronounced it. Chi Chi Chong. Chi Chi Chong. Chi Chi Chong. But how dope was it for them to embrace y'all? Like because yeah, seeing them on the dock was uh, yeah, like like see, they, make it, they they had jokes on y'all and everything. Oh, yeah. It was like yeah. like you could tell y'all friends. Yeah, they yeah. discovered like, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I broke into their house. As a kid growing up, you know, teaching Chong movies or everything. Of course, yeah. Right. For us kids in Southgate, right. and wanted to be like them led right. to all this shit here. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of very uh, I received it very well and I was very grateful, you know. Right. You know, for me it wasn't more like not necessarily being like them cuz we're not right. like them. You know what I mean, but but they, but, you know, but the but weed the, the it was representing yeah. the way they did unapologetically right. rebellious style and they didn't really care what people thought you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying so we said fuck it we're gonna be that cause this is who it is who we are and right. you know they were definitely an inspiration cause yeah. we all grew up to their movies yeah, yeah. We, we was like on the corner drinking smoking doing whatever right there you know what I mean then we was like let's just go in the studio and do the same shit right and start making records and, and was like, oh, the money's better right here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and meeting right. Cheech and Chong, I mean, I think yeah, we I'm met... saying they embrace y'all. That's, that, yeah. that's, that's the part because, you know, people could have been like, well, uh, these kids are kind of like, kind of trying to be like us. Fuck them. But they didn't do that. They actually no. embraced y'all. Yeah, that, that's, that's what's dope about it. They were actually on two of our albums. They, they did right. um, intro pieces or like, you know, transition pieces or, you know, sketches wow. or whatever. And like, I remember the first time we did some shit with them, I... I couldn't keep it together. I was laughing the whole fucking time and I right. blew the session because Chong was hilariously funny. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I know that's redundant, but he right. was. Right. Um, right. But having them say yes, right? right? Well, we've been praising them the whole time and, you know, sort of referencing them in lines and that like, you know, Red and everybody else did after that. Um, you know, it was everything to have them come and do sketches for us right. and be funny for us and then develop a relationship with them because I did meet and greets with Chong and, you know, sat with both of them in, in different places and we've all done that with them and, and they really embraced us, you know what I mean? So, you know, to have, like, guys that influenced us be right. like that, it, you know, fuck, man. I mean, there's, there's no words that can really describe that. It's sort of like Chuck D. I mean, we grew up fucking right. with public enemy like it was one of our biggest influences and to be able to work with him and him so embrace a group with him and do it yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's surreal but with Cheech and Chong I mean they they were one of the biggest influences in terms of the cannabis representation so right. for them to embrace us right and say yeah these motherfuckers are the guys we fuck with them right. everybody else that was in that industry fucked with us at that you know at that point did Y'all ever have a smoke off with them? Who smokes more? A smoke off. We That's do. a versus that needs to happen. Maybe back in their <laughs> younger days they smoked a lot, but like I, I think you one know. of them don't smoke no more. One of them. Yeah, well, they 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 sort of sort of smoke. Nobody can outsmoke B real. Come but, on, man. Who's gonna outsmoke? Ain't nobody fucking with me. Man. I got my money on anybody. I okay. put the house okay. on Snoop anybody. Dog? I put the house oh, on B real. Right. You know. He smokes a lot. I, know, I might have to give <laughs> the beats in the hood. Like he's so yeah. fucked up, he all, don't even know. All the guys <laughs> that we know as the big smokers smoke a lot, right? right. 
either they smoke a lot of joints right. or they smoke a lot of blunts right. or might one might do a lot of dab hits or this or that, right? I do it all. Right. So like, you know, in the realm of, 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 of the homies where right. we all smoke heavy, I mean, we can all smoke flour together, like, right. you know, and hang, you know, right. as many joints as I could smoke. Burner and Snoop could smoke as many, smoke Dizza, Currency, all the guys, yeah, right? right? They're all pros. It would just be one big smoke session. Right. But the guys who could do everything, that's, that's, everything. that's, that's Wiz and myself. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We we do it all. Like so, if it's edibles, we fuck with that. If it's if it's the the dabs, we do that. If it's the flower smoking, we do all that. So really, you know, Wiz is like a fucking monster, like I am. I don't do all of that. Man. I do so all that. Micro dose the other day was Styles P on Dream Champs. Oh, oh, no, that was, oh, that was, that was that's not true. That's, that's different. That's true. We used to do shrooms we on stage. That. Yeah. On stage. But that wasn't shows. raw shrooms. I like raw shrooms. That was chocolate. Yeah. No, yeah. No, I love no, my process and all that. I like. <laughs> but this crew right here, we used to do shrooms on stage. We'd pop like maybe an eighth of shrooms and fucking go show on stage. What's your host name? What's your name? Yeah. You didn't hear the story in the documentary with Seth? In the hat? We were doing this place called Casa Camino Real, right? And, <laughs> and it's, a, it's a spot that was legendary in, in early hip-hop in Los Angeles. Sounds like a lot of tequila was in there. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> okay, cool. Right? <laughs> Gang bangers yeah, and yeah, everything, yeah. right? Okay. And I remember we got this purple unicorn acid. Remember that shit? <laughs> Pur- Pur- purple unicorn yeah. acid? Somebody got it at a Grateful like Dead. A song. Somebody got it at a Grateful Dead concert. Wow. Even and, worse. And we fucking popped it. Do you remember that? No, I don't. Do you, <laughs> why would you remember that? No, no, no. No, you fucking definitely popped the shit with me. We were like, or no, no, you weren't there. No. Maybe I was the only one that popped it. <laughs> you were the only unicorn that day. It was only unicorn. And I swear to God, dog, I popped this shit and and uh you know, like we're doing the show and everything got crazy, like in the middle of the show. Like I'm walking on stage and I'm feeling like I'm walking in quicksand. Right. right? That's one. Right. And then, you know, this is at the time where the new style of lighting is coming on with those fucking beams that switch right. colors. They're like a stream. The neon beam of, Yeah. Okay. And I'm like in the middle of the show and we, I start peeking and... I, I catch eye with that fucking beam and I'm just looking up at the light doing my verse like totally concentrating on the light show that's happening above me mm. and I don't know what these guys were doing in the middle of that but I was just totally fucking snapped into that fucking light show and that was the type of shit <laughs> that would happen when we were fucking doing psychedelics on stage because most that's, of the, that's what mushrooms is called psychedelics well, well we would do it, mushrooms well, it is a psychedelic. on that night I did acid but most, a lot of other times we were doing mushrooms. A mushroom yeah. considered psychedelic? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I took a mess tab one night and I was on a seesaw, but I was by myself. <laughs> and not and even was, on a seesaw. And it was going up and down. <laughs> you just take an ounce of mushrooms and put them in a coffee grinder and grind them up to dust and then put them in some honey. That part. Mix oh, it man. up and then just take a little Scott spoon. Scott Stokes gave me a Just um, take a little um, spoon. Is that mushroom tea? No, like all day. Mushroom tea? Yeah, you could take that honey. Wait, you could do mushroom coffee? Oh, bobo. No, you just put it in Bobo was the king of mushroom tea. Mm. All that shit's easy. <laughs> Scott Storch was doing the mushroom tea. Yeah, mushroom tea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that hits you quick and it hits you hard. It's light and it just like turns you... Well, if you take too much, it's not light. 
Yeah, Any we, y'all ever we, got too high that you we couldn't perform? We never did microdose back in those, uh, those days. You never no, you, you, you microdose. You didn't microdose. It was all macro. <laughs> you overdosed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The other one time I did too much. There was no microdose back in 1992. <laughs> we did. Everything was overdosed. I did some mushroom tea. Uh, we were doing smoking grooves. Uh, tour mm. and uh, uh, it, it was in Colorado mm. and some homies came you know and they, they brought some mushroom tea and everything they, t- they said only take a little bit I did like the whole damn cup he did a lot of he did a lot of bit he did yeah, a lot yeah. of bit it sounds like whatever anybody tell y'all to do y'all do the opposite yeah. <laughs> it's a punk rock yeah. right yeah and uh, within minutes I was I was done I was done. leaking all over man I only knew this fool's phone number I mean on the hotel phone you know room and, and uh, first thing I says I can't think it was it's <laughs> like some horror movie shit. I'm like Bobo, and he's like, "Help me!" <laughs> and he goes, "I can't think." <laughs> yeah, yeah. He well, was like, this was on a show day. You can't think. This, this was, was on a show day. On his birthday. Oh shit! Yeah, and uh, I don't remember that show, but I somehow made it to the stage, and I couldn't play. For the first time in my life, I could not play. I somehow got up on the stage. And I was playing some crazy rhythms. He up was there. in a multiverse, <laughs> playing some other rhythm that we did not understand uh, yet. Yeah, yeah, he had he had, uh, he had the homies sample that because it might yeah. be the future. Beat. He had the homies like cut me off the stage and put me in the bunk. Like, yo, get this fool off the stage, you know? So uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. no, 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 Mushroom, no mushroom tea for him. <laughs> what, what's your favorite place to perform at? That's tough because everywhere you know we get it. A pretty goddamn good reception. New York's always been crazy with our annual, you know, show down there. Mm. Nuts. But I would say in the last like big shows that we did, like festival style, France. France. Them motherfuckers went off for some Cypress Hill shit. Mm. Right? They get live. Incredible. Live. When it's done properly, um, you know, and it goes off correctly, you know, Los Angeles, California's I always mm. like to perform my own backyard yep. and, and, and flex my style. Right. <laughs> Southgate, nigga. Southgate, like no, in recent no, years, no, never. Because that guy be chaotic. They don't no, want us there. They don't want us down there. Wow. The city or the people? Oh, okay. oh, you mean no, the city? The city, the city doesn't want yeah. us down there. Right. Not, not, not the, because the, they hate us. You know, um, it's because it would, it would probably be chaotic, and I don't know if they're ready for that. Right. You know, done properly. But what, what better example than you guys for? The kids and the youth in Southgate. I'm just waiting for them to call him for the Christmas Day float where he goes down the street in a whip and, you know, <laughs> does the, you know what I'm saying? The paper wave? Yeah, <laughs> fuck it. Right. Did you guys ever feel at any point that you weren't doing, like, you weren't a part of hip-hop anymore? Because this is one thing that I think about that's ill about Cypress Hill is that regardless of how many, like, if you went into the rock realm or whatever... It felt like you guys always kept it hip hop, a hundred percent hip hop, no matter where you guys ventured off into whatever festivals, whatever realm, and it, and it shows with also the people you collaborated with. Like as you kept moving forward, the Cypress, I mean the 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 Wu Tangs, the, the the Fuji joint, which mind you, the Fuji joint in a whole other realm. That's a whole other conversation because of the Haitian Cuban thing, right. which in Miami it, it was a big deal for us, right? You know, but 
it feels like you've always kept it hip hop regardless of where you guys ventured off into. That's our roots. Mm. You know, um, I think others thought we were venturing away and trying to do something different, but we were just being, you know, creative and experimental. You know, the, the hybrid shit with the rock stuff that happened on Skull and Bones, I mean, you know, we had done a lot of a lot of rap songs, a lot of hip-hop songs. You know what I mean? I think we were, what, at 30 Deep or some shit, right? That's like the fifth album, I think. Yeah. Is that, that's what you're talking about? The, like, the yeah. fifth album, when we started yeah. adding the rock, it was like the right, fifth album. Right, right. Yeah, and, and it, it was because we were ahead of schedule and we had so many fucking hip-hop songs and Send Dog was sort of into the, that, that scene at that point. Mug said, hey, let, we're going to do some different <laughs> shit right here and add this sort of feel. And so, you know, like we always do, we threw caution to the fucking wind and just started 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 experimenting with the shit. And, uh, you know, because we knew we had a base of fans that fucked with that. Right. You know what I mean? They, they weren't necessarily hip-hop fans because all through our shit, we'd go on tour and motherfuckers would come up, hey, I don't necessarily listen to hip-hop, but I fuck with you guys. Right? And so, you know, we knew we had fans out there like that. So, you know, we said, well, let's take a chance. Send Dog likes this sort of direction. Fuck it. We're going to go. And uh, that sort of became the thing for a second. And we even, you know, to, to, to double stack on that, you know, we brought a band out on, on tour with us. You know, we created our band and, you know, put them back there and played some of the songs that we created for Skull and Bones that were like, you know, the hybrid shit. And uh, people accepted it. They, I mean, fuck, people were going nuts for that shit. I mean, like the Beastie Boys would flip between instruments and go you know, into their like, shit. And it's like 10 years of rocking shit, rocking shows. It's right. like, okay, right. we, we want some new shit to do live. We're going to keep doing what we do, but then the show's going to flip with the band. You know what I mean? So it kept, it kept live fun, right? Mm -hmm. Right. You guys all live in the same apartment at one point? Well, you know, Muggs lived in these apartments on on Kingsley mm -hmm. in Hollywood and most of the fucking uh, what's the, the fucking syndicate were up in, in this apartment building right. right and so that's where we would always be at Muggs' spot cause he did Buster Rhymes live in this complex too? no nah, oh like, okay I heard Dave Fucking Klein um, Whip, Whip a Whip uh, when you Whip say Whip syndicate you mean Rhyme syndicate? Syndicate? Oh, okay guys he's crew yeah like special right, right. K, okay like, okay Grandmaster Cass. Grandmaster, like everybody. Wow, Grandmaster Cass was in this building. Yeah, Grandmaster. It was cheap. It was like $800 for like a two-bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> wow. a, lot, a lot of the guys that... that, that I mean, there's some hood spots in Hollywood. A lot, a lot of the, the guys are hood. A lot of the guys, guys that were... Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of the guys that were in Rhyme Syndicate, they lived in this particular apartment Which building. Everlast was a part of Rhyme Syndicate right. as well, right? He didn't necessarily live there. He lived in the Valley at this point, but, you know, guys like Muggs and Aladdin lived together in this building. Um, yeah, from low profile, building, so we knew we knew Dub C before you know. Aladdin from NWA? No, Aladdin. He he was uh, from a group called Low Profile with okay, WC. Okay. So we'd be and in my apartment. He'd be with WC and Coolio. <laughs> And yeah. Aladdin, and then me. What a crazy ass off, apartment complex. Yeah. There'd it, be no furniture. There was like milk crates. The TV was on the milk crate. It was microwave crazy. popcorn. It, that was it. It was, <laughs> was crazy. Is all the motherfuckers that, that he would bring records back. To, to us to listen to, you know, like the old school crews, they some of them were living in this fucking apartment complex. Like Cass. Oh, the records he's bringing to y'all. Yes, like Cass, like right. Prince Whipple Whip and fucking, you know, guys like that. And um, they were all in this fucking apartment building and, you know, we were fucking just 
all like a little community right there. Yeah, we're man. taking game from like the likes of Kaz though, because that's ill. That to have someone like Kaz. Well, he was around, you know what I'm saying? But like, you know, it was just the folks we were around, like some of the guys that like we were was listening to their shit and right and, just to see that around yeah here. just right. to see that around and you know because a lot of those dudes from the east coast at that time the old school cats moved over here to get down with ice t because he was creating the rhyme syndicate and right. he was embracing a lot of those mm. old school cats and Shout put, out to ice t yeah man. and uh you know a lot of them embraced us they embraced mugs first mm-hmm. then eventually myself and send dog and and you know so salute to them motherfuckers man you know um that was like they were the first real click in Los Angeles. Rhyme Syndicate. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's like 88. You know what I mean? Like 88 out here. Wow. Yeah, Rhyme Syndicate. They were like the real first click. Look at Ice-T, that's the homie. Yeah, oh, Ice-T, yeah. yeah. That yeah that's, that's the godfather. Yeah. Um, um, we had Wack on here, and Wack said that Ice-T is originally from New Jersey. Did, did... He might have been born there, yeah, right. but like, you know, that's he's... True. That's true. No, yeah. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no, no, that, it no, is true. That, he I heard have, that before. Yeah. No, no, it, it, that's a fact. You know, he was born there much like Bobo was born in fucking Hollis. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. But, you know, where you're raised, right. that's yeah. a different Come deal. Come on, man, I'm raised in Miami. Yeah. Born in L.A. Yeah, that, 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 that's kind of where you're from, you know what right. I mean? Right. That's where you at. Right. Now, um, in 1992, the Billboard Awards, mm-hmm. I believe you guys won an award, and then you said legalize it. Yeah. 1992. What year is this right now? 2022. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's still not officially legalized. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we've made some fucking gains. You know yes, what I mean? We made some strides. <laughs> There's 37 states that have legal is it legal cannabis or medicinal cannabis. And that's a big step for. And when you say medicinal, we you talk about medical use. Yes. Okay. Continue. Which it's decriminalizing on a lot of levels. Yeah, so. and it's decriminalized right. in a lot of these places. Um, yeah, you know, we're still working towards federal, and it's, you know, maybe within the next five, ten years, but it's going in that direction. Right. And, you know, if you ask us, does that happen? Like, if you ask us in 91, hey, does this happen? You know, we might say, yeah, we're working towards that. We, you know, you don't know the fucking future, but we know what we're working towards. Right. You know what I'm saying? We know the possibilities. We were looking at places like what, you know, how Amsterdam was going down. Mm. And we're like, that. well, that's possible for us here. I'm sorry to cut you off for one second, but let me let you know how bad the weed laws used to be. I, I, one time I was sitting on my block. Police drives by on the other side of the street. I'm smoking. He makes the U-turn. As he's starting to make the U-turn, I throw the bud. There's no way he can find it. And he arrested me. Mm. For seeing me smoke. He never found the joint. Just saw you. Just saw me and smelt it. I had <laughs> nothing on me. I went through the system in New York. And then for me to be walking down there now, just smoking, I'm like, well, I want my charges back. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to drop my shit. They need to do that. Drop it. They, they need, need to, to do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But that's... I know they were supposed to do that here, right? In Florida. Do what? A drop like charges when they 
I mean, change they, the laws here. I right? don't know. I think it, uh, they the, probably didn't yet. I don't think they're going to do that yet. Oh, the, man. The, the, they need to go past medicinal for that yeah. to happen. Well, you know, hey. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> but that needs to happen to, nationally. The people can work toward that shit because really yeah. that's where it comes from. It doesn't come from fucking them. Right. Because they got votes to fucking worry about. And like if someone's too progressive, you might not get those fucking votes that you traditionally need, right? So. Mm-hmm. It's it's up to the people to go make this a thing, like like always. The well, real change happens from the people. That's a good thing about I think, and I don't even smoke, but I think that's a good thing about cannabis is that I think it, it crosses all those party lines. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it could change. The laws could change because of that. You know what I'm saying? Easily. Now is that the green thumb Olias thing? It's it's me. It's you by yeah. yourself, and yeah. you got your own strand too. Or are you thinking about doing something like that? I I've done things here and there. You know what I mean? But I. I have a a brand, whatever, but it's not a. I feel like you should come it, out with your own mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah. Mushrooms aren't legal. Mushrooms, are they? Yeah, mushrooms is legal in, in Colorado for sure. They are. Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. oh, you need to come out with your own shrooms. Since that last time, I haven't done any. Central. <laughs> you don't have to do it. Just come yeah. out with yeah. it. Story yeah. gone. You can sell it forever. Yeah. Story, yeah. Yeah. No. The we, he has the B has the Dr. Greentham stores. Right. And and I have a, a thing called Hill House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, as as far as uh, I, Hill I'm House, a, that's flower. What is that? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's not like the he had the Dr. Greentham thing is like a how many stores do you have? Six. Wow. Um, you know these oh, actual Dr. Greentham stores dispensaries. Yes, dispensaries oh, in California. Oh, that's um, dope, man. You know the thing is, we definitely want to do that with Cypress Hill. You know, right. it's always just very picky about what we do because you know we don't ever want to rush to do it wrong and stuff like that so you know there there's been opportunities for us to do shit but like for us it's always like if it's going to be the the right thing not the right right look the right thing and so you know one of the one of the goals is to eventually open up some stores under cypress hill as well as, you know, my green thumb stores right. that exist and stuff like that. Because realistically, Cypress Hill is the root of all of it. Right. If there's no Cypress Hill, there's no green thumb. Right, you know right, what right. I mean? So um, we, it's, it's something we definitely want to do in the future and shit. So, you know, that's on the agenda. What's your relationship with cookies? It. Oh, well, you know, Burn is, is my boy. You know, we've done albums together. We've done four projects together. So we, we sort of push each other's brand and stuff like that. He's got cookies. I got green thumb. And, and uh, you know, we celebrate each other. You know what I mean? And, and we do this music together for the cannabis culture and, and for music. You know what I'm saying? But um, it, it's, it's, been, it's been great working with them, man. The right. sessions are like, you know, just a great vibe. You know what I mean? And smoky as fuck. I mean, we smoke that studio the fuck <laughs> out. Like, he burns the way I burn. You know what I mean? Like, we both smoke up. We'll match each other joint for joint. But it's about the work. Mm-hmm. It's not about the smoke. That shit is, you know, just a part of the vibe. It's about the work. Like, we get in there and we do, we do work. And, and uh, we got another one um, in the chamber that uh, Scott Storch produced. Oh, wow. They were about to, you know, pop off later on. Um, so, Berna and Will. Um, yeah, produced. Fully produced by Scott. Fully produced by Scott Storch. In the past, you know, we used other producers, but for this one, you know, I sort of wanted to do what we do with with Cypress and, mm. you know, lock in with one producer and, and and make a sound. And Scott definitely did that. So, you know, 
when people hear it, they'll, you know, they'll feel it. So, it, you know, Burner and I, you know, that's my boy. So, salute to Big Burn. Oh, shit, big, big up Burner. So, Sim, what's, 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 your, what's, your fa- what's your part of the game that you can't live without? Like The part of what? Part of the game that you can't live without. Like, like even when you left the group, like, what was the part that you was missing? The stage, man. Stage. I, I knew he was going to say that for some reason. Yeah. And I, it all came down to one day I was... I saw them perform on a MTV or something. Right. They were, like, in Canada. Right. And uh, I, I, I was watching the whole shit at home. And from, like, when... When I saw that, I, I could almost smell the concert. So it was legit. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened, for real. Yeah, yeah. Now, that actually went down, yeah. Uh, and I, that's when I knew, like, I had to have it back in my life, you know what I mean? Like, that had to be part of me. And I always knew that. I kind of felt like I always knew that. Um, but there's just that one time when it slaps you in the face that you should be out there. And then I think, like, a couple of days later, Muggs called me up. And I'm like, hey, Muggs, what's up, man? He's like... Where you at? I'm like, he goes, he said, uh, I'm on tour where you should be. Right. <laughs> and that was like another mm. thing, like, okay. Mm. And then we went we went around to fixing that whole thing and and I got back into it and everything and you know it was it was on from there. Right. But I mean sometimes you gotta go through that bullshit to yeah, you, figure out what it is that you had to yeah. you know, to regather 30, it all 30, back in. Thirty you know. motherfucking years, you know what I mean? She's right. gonna go through some She's shit. Crazy. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like a real organic family going through life, you know what I mean? And, and we're right here. Happens, but yeah. We're right here, you know what I mean? Love you is up, love. Yeah. And, and then being in front of the, those type of crowds that we were in front of, I mean, that's fucking addicting. Cause it's a lot of control at your fucking fingertips right there. Right. You're making the crowd move through your music, and 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 you see the impact happening. That's hard to let go of. That's why rappers never retire, especially right. they got right. when they got a good run popping off. Right. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? You right. don't want to let that go because you know the control you have there, and uh, it's great <coughs> seeing it. There's no high or no feeling like that. Better than ripping a crowd. Yes. You tearing that shit down? Yes. You know what's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we do this thing, right, um, at, at, at the end of our show where we, we, we pay um, tribute and celebration to our homies, you know, House of Pain, right. with doing Jump Around at the end mm. at the show. Like, it's not our song, but fuck it. We, you know, it's in the family. It's Soul Assassins. You produced the record, right? Yeah. Which one? Uh, Jump Around. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, so it's all in the family. So we, you you know, what we do at the end is is we save that for the fucking very end. And we make everybody get down to the ground, like in a squat position. Right. And then we pop it off. The horns come on and then it goes and you see everybody explode. And that's, you know. There's no feeling didn't like I, I I I felt what House of Pain felt when that fucking mm. song popped off everywhere. You hear it at every sporting event. It's the pop off at any given time. You could cover it at the mm. end of your show, mm. and motherfuckers, that'd be the highlight of the show. Cause guess what? That's my man right here and Everlast created one of the greatest pop off songs of all time. I put that shit against anything. Yeah. Because I've seen the result well, of it, and they could co-sign on this. I've done this shit on my solo shit with Prophets of Rage and with Cypress. There is no bigger song to pop off on, right? So we get everybody. And think about you're seeing 70,000 to 100,000 to 150,000 people all squatted down. And when that shit pops off, boom, explosion, overpowering. Right. 
know what I'm saying? Wow. It's, it's the craziest feeling. There's no high that you could get better than that. It's crazy. Salute to you, motherfucker, because you created that. Yeah. 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 Hold on, hold on. And real quick, though, I just want to say, like, and not real quick, real long, actually. Um, the the production, the the sound that that you brought, mugs, to to Cypress and to everything you touched, Soul Assassins abroad, it changed so much in the game. I don't think it's acknowledged as much as it should be. I'm saying you're you're one of the top tier hip hop producers of all time, right. and and I think it's it's amazing what you guys have done, man. What you've oh, done. Thank you, bro. I appreciate yeah. that. That's real talk. Let's if you could say something to your younger self, what would it be? Ah, shit, that's a good one, man. Fuck. Uh, I would say, you know, believe in yourself and believe in your friends. Mm. That's fire. That's it? That's fire. Wow. Um, you know, don't be afraid to dream. You know, the dreams can come true. I, I remember being a little kid and and making uh, like uh, these, these toys I had and these musicians. And I put all my army men out like they were the audience. And I just imagined like a big a big, uh, you know, field of people. And when Woodstock happened, I said, that was, that, that, was that was it. So, you know, believe in yourself, believe in your dreams. Wow. I, I would have thought of been, would have been, don't drink that mushroom tea. Oh. Oh. <laughs> don't drink that. What would you say to your younger self? If you got to meet your younger self, what would you say? Uh, just be patient, man. Mm-hmm. Just be patient, you know what I mean? And, and just... Stay focused and stay calm and, and don't get emotionally attached to any of this shit and just stay calm and stay patient. Everything will work. figure itself out. That's why. I'll make some good shit out. What would you say to your younger self? I would, I would say to myself what, what Sendog's mom said to me was have faith. Don't hope. Have faith mm. in what we're doing and in yourself and work towards it mm. so you know it would have been redundant but that's what you know his mother told me I would have told myself that shit mm. that's real let's make some noise for that you say it too what would you say to your younger self watch out now I was coded the beat nuts record um, but um, I know this is a cliche type, type of question but did you ever think that hip hop would make it this far <laughs> I always yes. knew for sure. Uh, since yeah. the moment I heard it, I knew that this was the next wave of rock and roll, whatever you want to call it. It was a new the culture. Took over the yeah, world. That's yeah. what exactly. I thought about. What'd you say? And I, because I, I, like them, like I was a skater. I was into punk rock. I was into counterculture music, like the the scene. You had a mohawk? No, definitely okay. didn't have a I mohawk. Um, <laughs> and so when hip hop came on, that actually spoke more to me. All right. And it was counterculture. 
right. as well. So that it, it, I felt right in line with that. And you said yeah. you knew it was going to be big from the beginning. Yeah, from the beginning. Right. From the time I heard uh, Blondie doing Rapture and, wow. and all that shit, I knew this was the next big when thing that was going to take like, over. There was music, but there was no hip-hop. Then all of a sudden, there was a music called hip-hop. And you're like, oh shit, what's that? And you're right. watching the shit. And you're like, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. You're like, oh, that's that shit right there. Right. Well, not everybody. Like, this is the thing. We all didn't know it was hip-hop. We were listening to rap music. We were just, yeah. And there was a point where I realized, holy shit, this is hip hop culture. Like, it was dawned on me that someone, another person, yo, this is what it is. You're already breakdancing, you're already writing graffiti. You, you want DJ? This is a culture. And that shit is what blew my mind about it. Yeah, I, I didn't know where it was going to go. I just wanted to be part of it. You know, that that's the passion was there from the minute I fucking heard it. Because, I mean, you know, I, I was listening to a lot of different shit before I knew hip what hip-hop was. You right. know what I mean? And the minute I heard Run DMC, I was like, oh, uh. that shit right there. Uh. Um, and then Rockbox from Run mm. DMC, most, most definitely. That shit kind of flipped me right there. I was like, I fucks with this right here. Now, let's talk about Rap Superstar. Yes, you were on there. Oh, yeah. So let's get a salute hey. to Dory. Hey. Hey. You remember the day you recorded that shit? Absolutely not. Oh my god, <laughs> man! I saw the video. Yeah, but, uh, but let me just say something. Um, very proud to be involved on that record. I definitely need my plaque. Yes, we got to come on. So yeah, you can order it. But yeah, 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 yeah. Um, listening to that today, you know. Um, Driving here, going through the discography after um, uh, watching the documentary, just just soaking up all the game. And then I'm listening to the lyrics of Rap Superstar, and I'm like, whoa, this shit is relevant right now. Like, this shit is not an old record. Like, how the fuck did y'all think of that shit? Like, you know, it's living it. Right, mm -hmm. you know, and what people's expectations and perceptions are outside of it, mm -hmm. right? You know, they think it's all gravy once you get a deal and, and mm -hmm. you know, you're rich and famous off the top, but they don't know the road to that if you should be lucky enough right. to get it. Right. And that was like, you know, us being in the game and, and absorbing all the positive and negative energy from it and us just being like, boom, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And to be this, these mm -hmm. are the sacrifices that we make. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it was a very real fucking song. You know, I, I think, um, the, and, and, and salute to my man Muggs on this because, like, the way that I look at the, that song is like, it's, it's like our cashmere. Like, mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're a rock fan, Led Zeppelin's cashmere is a big fucking song for Led Zeppelin. It's like, you know, it's just so fucking different. Um, and that was our cash beer as Cypress Hill rock superstar because it was very much what we were living at the time and just the fucking musical backdrop that he gave me to tell that story because I had that idea in my head for like a number of years, you know, because we had been soaking up what this game really is and all, all the shit and, you know, people's false perception of what it is to be in this in this business or rap star or a rock star yeah, or whatever. Pretty much the same thing. And I held that idea for a long time until he came up with that beat that mm. became the fucking song and I was like, this is it right here. And uh, you know, I did not know it would resonate the way that it did. I thought it would just be a great album song. It was a great idea, but I didn't know it would be one of our like so called comeback joints, you know what I'm saying? Right. 
So um, yeah, that 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 song was 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 huge. But I was telling people what the game is right. for us. Right. right. It's, still, it's still the same game. Yeah. Like, like I said, I was listening to it today. I listened to it the other day. I was like, damn, this shit is so relevant still right now. Like, like um, that shit is um, amazing. Um, and then you had Eminem a part of it as yeah, well. Yeah, Eminem was on it. Mm. Um, Everlast was on one. Chino Moreno from uh, the Deftones was on the rock mm. version. Mm. Uh, yeah, you know, y'all blessed us, man. Right. And, and uh, you know, we was always like, Psh, these are our brothers for, right. you know, because y'all saw what the shit was. Right, right. And... Um, you know that meant everything to us mm. to have you on it, to have right. M on it. Right. You know, and because everybody wanted M at, at that right. point, right? My only record I've ever been on with Eminem. Yeah, y'all records. <laughs> <laughs> one of two I've been on. <laughs> one of two. Okay. Um, and, and you know to have Everlast, who is our family, right. and and Chino, who you know the right. Deftones. You know, we all mm-hmm. love the Deftones and shit like that. So mm-hmm. to have to have those four guys with us, you know, that that was everything. So. Right. Salute to them. It, right. it, it's because so, they gave their background on what the game soaked up from them, right. and that was that was that was tight because that's what that song was about. But it's interesting to hear you say comeback record because you know us as fans or us as you know people that observers, we never felt like you guys ever left anywhere. So why would you say it's facts? Yeah, yeah. So why would you say comeback? Record? Because the mentality is is you know when you're on a major label. That's, always, that's what it is The yeah. major label mentality Just me and him Is, is the big guy Yes They're always weighing Your last shit Against the shit right. You're doing right now Bigger and better Bigger and better Bigger and better right. Come on baby right. You can do it Let's go Let's and, go And at the time You know Like it had been a minute Since we had dropped one And you know This is our fifth outing And our fourth outing Was okay But it wasn't like One, two, and three You know So they thought We were fucking done Kind of But they still You know Like Donnie Einer Salute to my man He was the chief up there, he had faith in us and he had faith in mugs. And, you know, every now and then he would suggest shit that was helpful and he would push our line. And he had that belief in us in, in this particular instant because, you know, we did all this dope hip hop shit and then we did this hybrid shit, which was cool because it we were doing something no one else was doing at the time. Right. And he saw it. And, you know, some of his suggestions helped push that particular album and showing like that we never left mm. you know what I'm saying cause our mentality was we never left what the fuck are y'all talking about right, but right, you right. know we were always the underdogs right. you know what I'm right. saying like they you know like when motherfuckers talked about us it was like well I don't know cause you know we were representing cannabis and it was just slightly different right. and uh, you know we were out to prove everybody fucking wrong Make some noise for that guy. Well, have you ever felt out of love with the game? Oh, yeah. You know, there was a few years where I got just start handling my other businesses. You know what I mean? Right. Whatever they are, just doing that shit and having like a passion for other things at the time. But the, the game was right there. But like the levels of the energy that I want to give to the game, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Versus what I'm going to get out. Like th- th- those have switched up throughout the years. Is, is it the business that when, once you start it's learning the, the it's business? The, it's the business side, you know what I mean? For the creativity side and kicking with the homies and making music and having a good time, and that's just always fun. But that yeah. other shit after a while, you know, sometimes you just want to leave that shit. Just get that part of the world out of your life. Right, because we heard like Pete Rock just say that he did an album 22 years ago 
and still haven't got paid on certain things. Is this something mm. that you experienced as a, as a producer? No, I haven't had that that uh, that problem. But um, you know, just other other things. You know what I mean? It's just it, I think it becomes like when you're young, you're trying to figure out the balance of your success and your family and like and everything. You're right. Trying to fi- figure, figure all the balance of everything right. out. You know, make everything work, feed everything, give it some sunshine, some love. You know what I mean? Water it and um. You figure it out and you're like, all right, cool. But through 30 years, you know, you can have a few years here and there. Where you, I'm going to get into, I'm going to paintball for three years. You know what right. I mean? I'm going <laughs> to stay, stay in the studio for five years and not go tour with them. Right, uh, right, right. You know, I'm going to go you kick f- it and do some punk rock for a few years. Uh, so. That's where the yeah, balance starts. But, but it's a real natural life. You know what I mean? Right. Like, we've known each other so long. We just let everybody flow and go through go through life, life's fucking changes. You know what I mean? Fig- figure that shit out and shit. So, we're still right here. How about you? You ever fall out of love with the game Boricua? Um, I did for a minute uh, when my father passed. You know, it was a big, it was a big blow, and I had a lot of, you know, pressure because of what my father had accomplished and trying to keep that legacy going on, and almost having a little bit of self doubt if I can I can do this and continue on, and how am I going to make my own way. So uh, I had to go, I, I took a break. I, I went to school, um, studied there, and but something was always calling me back. And when I did leave school, my mom said, well, you're leaving school, you got a, you got a year. You got a year to get your shit together or else you're gonna have to go back to school. And within that year, my whole life changed and music, you know, Got got me back in. That's when I started out with the BC Boys. It's, I met I met the guys here, and you know I knew that you know this is what I was supposed to be doing, you know. But it's very easy to get you know uh, a little nervous about you know the future when you're unsure about you know where you got to go in your life, and sometimes you do have to take a break and reevaluate and reset, you know. But I'm glad that I didn't stop. We glad you didn't stop neither, brother. Yeah. Have you ever, besides, you know, you you know, leaving the group, if it hasn't been a time prior to that where you felt like, fuck this business, fuck this game. Don, nah, never prior to that, or well, never, after. never at all during, except during that point. Okay. When I, you know, the source was talking shit about us and, you know, trying Force to magazine. Cl- yeah, trying okay. to clown us and. In their articles and this and that. Really? I don't know if you remember that shit. Yeah, of course I they remember. They were talking that. shit, you know, and I kind of just <laughs> felt like, is this what I worked, you know, all mm. my, my ass off for so this motherfucker could talk shit about us or whatever? Uh. And I kind of just like, uh, around that same time, I, I kind of like turned off from, you know, the, the business of hip hop right. and looked to somewhere else to get that, that freedom and creativity out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I definitely felt that, that that part of me that wasn't in love with hip-hop at that point. Right. But luckily, I was able to find it again, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, and, and attach myself to it again and, and come strong with it. And I mean, it's, it's, it's nothing that once you love something, like, you know, hip-hop, you just can't just turn your back right. on it. Right. And even if you do forever, you're gonna have that regret. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I didn't want that regret. Right. You know what I mean? I didn't want right. to. What if I would have stood with these dudes or some shit right. like that? I've, you know, it was very important to come back to it and and recenter myself and and refocus myself and go strong as strong as that I can. That you know that I could you know go you know go hard hardcore with these dudes again. Do you mess with the internet? 
Uh, here and there. <laughs> so you don't you don't mess with Twitter? No Instagram? Twitter? Yeah. Twitter? No, I don't fuck with Twitter. I have a, a S-E-N-D-O-G, Send Dog, with the blue check by that motherfucker. That's so you Instagram? Know Instagram? Or that's Twitter? That's, no, that's the real. That's the real. That's Instagram. That's Instagram. Instagram, okay. Yeah, and there's Send Dog or Cypress Hill on Facebook. Right. And uh, that's as deep as I go. I ain't, yeah. And I mean, I still rely on, uh, you know, your your own persona, Right. You know, being bigger than life type of thing. Right. No matter what the Instagram does, whatever. Right. And I know what it's worth. Don't, right. don't think I'm stupid or ignorant. Right. Right. No, no, no. Man. <laughs> you know what it is? Because um, I think a lot of us um, didn't adapt that, that that way of life. Because yeah. I hear you saying that, you know, the source was talking shit about you. And then that's what's crazy is the internet makes me... <laughs> Terrible to say. The internet makes me like adapted to say someone. One person gonna say something bad. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah, but that was now, now these days, yeah. 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 Mind you, the, I talk about that. You know, the the sources voice their opinion. Okay, right. I'm a young buck, 27 year old in the game, right. and all that for a long time. All we had was glorification of the Cypress Hill group, right? Right. right. And when our second album came out. They didn't feel that way, right. kind of. Right. Well, you know what I mean? And they voiced their opinion and they said so. it. And I kind of felt like upon myself like to talk shit back. Well, there was and, a reason for this, right? Um, I mean, we were all, you know, kind of friends with uh, James Bernard, who was senior editor at The Source, right? And, and uh, he came and did the first interview with Cypress on the Cypress blog. And we were cool with them, all good, you know what I mean? Like, they celebrated us on the first album, and then Black Sunday, they gave us a great review and the whole shit. But then the very next, um, the very next write-up was, you know, it was negative. And the reason was, we were at an MTV party, and uh, or an MTV after party for a, a MTV Awards when we used to go, right? And, uh, you know, we're sitting there shooting shit with everybody that, that we recognize and that recognize us. You know how it goes, right? right? right. And so I'm having a conversation with uh, James Bernard about, like, the TLC cover. Mm. And, you know, I was like, well, you know, like, you're... Because there was... I don't know if you know. I, of course you know. And I know you know. But there was, like, a, a criteria that had to be... To get a source cover. To get a source yeah. cover. Yeah, 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 of course. And they didn't meet the criteria at the time. And I expressed that to him. And as I expressed that to him, Joe the Butcher, who, you know, of one of the owners of Rough House Records, who was... Yeah, I just seen know, that. He, yeah. well, in the documentary, you've seen y'all's yeah, documentary, he, right? Well, yeah, he was the one that got, you know, that signed us. He knew Muggs. Right, you know, okay. He kind of interrupts in that conversation unknowing of what the conversation was. He was like, yo, B, I got to talk to you about something real quick and I said yo James let's <laughs> let's pick Table this up at a different right. time right. and he took it personal that like he didn't get his rebuttal on you know at that point like as to why Tia but he didn't have to fucking explain to me I was just giving him an opinion like you know cause they held they held our shit so close like we only got but one cover and we met the criteria times 10 right you know what I mean right. but we never really complained about anything we just he asked me an opinion. I gave it to him. He didn't like it. So then everything else that came after that was all negative about Cypress Hill. So then we said, well, fuck the source then. And we started burning that shit, oh, shit. <laughs> on stage, you know, like going at him. You In know what England. I mean? Everywhere. Everywhere. Not, 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 not just it. England. 
everywhere. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and, and it, it made people go crazy when we did that. And so, salute to the source because we, you know, we squashed our shit since then. But it started with James Bernard, in my opinion, of that TLC cover. And TLC are legends, yeah. you know. And salute and respect to them. But yeah. he was asking me my opinion about that, and right. I gave him a At real one. At that time point, because, because people again, understand that that time point, right? We were purists. You can't yeah. see TLC later. Yes, you got to see that specific moment. Right, we were purists. Had to be hardcore right. hip hop on the source cover. That's who we were yeah, he was time. like we asked him one time can we get on the cover of the source he's like no it has to be a second album and then all of a sudden TLC was on there on their first album uh, see, you know what I mean and he was like right. yo what's up with that shit right yeah and, and I just again like, on, bro. my name can't be be real if I'm not being one fucking thousand and I was uh -huh. one thousand with him and he didn't like that and so the campaign against us begun hence the shit talking that Sen Dog was talking about because they were celebrating the fuck out of us before then Right. After that, nah, fuck Cypress Hill, they fuck Soul with, where They told Send Dog, they said, next time you burn a source on stage, watch out you don't burn your green card. Ooh. And they wrote that shit in the source. Remember that shit? And we kept burning them. <laughs> and we kept burning them. I remember that. Wow. <laughs> we kept burning them. But again, you know, eventually, you know, we sat down with Dave Mays, salute to Dave Mays. Salute and, to Dave, Dave yeah. Mays. And we squashed that shit out. Because, I mean, it was, you know, sorry. It was over nothing, you know what I mean? Right. It was like, you know, over an opinion. And, you know, at the time, James Bernard, and he jumped ship to Double XL magazine after a while. So, and then we had beef with them because <laughs> Wait, he, double XL. Yeah, he, jumped over, he jumped over and took the beef we had with him over there. Writers, oh, okay. The writers used to think like they was gangster writing articles about you, you know right. what I mean? Like, right. uh, like motherfucker, like just write about what the fuck we do and shut the fuck up. Wow. <laughs> We wow. forgive you, James Bernard. Yeah. We forgive you. You know what's fucked up about them is was like you go write an article in like January and the shit won't come out till like March. And you oh, guys yeah. gonna fucking you squash, squash the beef. You guys gonna <laughs> mad yeah, out and, 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 yeah. and you see you see what the fuck he was talking about. You're like, oh, I wanna fuck him up, man. Like, like, like it's, it's, it's crazy, man. Um, that's why I asked you about the internet because the internet. I remember you. Know, I remember literally. When my uh my, my my first solo album, second group a uh, second album, but my first solo album, and we would drop it, and I had to literally go to these countries. Like we they couldn't send the records. Like I had to go there, I had to go to yeah. London perform, I had to go. And then right now you can just send this shit to Japan. This shit is in Japan, like nothing. That's, yeah. Like 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 is, is streaming something you guys? And I know you guys did the Napster thing. Is streaming something that you embracing? Or you, you have to embrace I think every kind of technology right. that comes along you know yeah. you, you know the road of your adventure mm. and if I mean if you don't then that's just a certain amount of numbers that you're gonna lose in my opinion you get with it yeah right, you have to right. get whatever they change however the game changes a certain amount of you have to change with it and go with that new certain platform. Right. You know what I mean? Because that's just the new platform and it's just how it goes. And you adapt with the times or you don't. Right. You know, if you adapt with the times, I think you live on longer than if you don't adapt with what's going on technology-wise. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you got to look at it as it's a broader platform. It could get out to, to bigger numbers. Instantly, there. too. Yeah, if, you know, if it goes, yeah. quote-unquote, viral. Right. You know what I'm saying? But... It depends on the work you put into it and how you promote it and how you market the shit and like how much you 
how hard you go to get it out there. Because we've done live streams. I mean, I've, I've been doing that shit for, you know, 12 years now. Mm-hmm. Like with my Be Real TV platform And mm-hmm. I realized that, that that was like a platform Because I used right. to do radio in Los Angeles Bobo and myself And we realized having a platform is everything right. You know, so, you know If you wanted to do performances If you wanted to market your new shit or whatever mm-hmm. Creating a platform is everything So, you know If you have it at your fingertips, you do it And we've tried to utilize it in every aspect the internet possible. We talk about. Yeah, 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 you know because realistically, you know, that's the one way you get out to everybody. Right. And you know, like so for instance with the pandemic, right? Yeah, um that's crazy. I we, we were all shut down at that point. We weren't doing any live shows at, at this point like getting in front of people, but we were fortunate enough to be still doing shit and be busy. Well, that was happening via these streams, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because we would put out live stream performances or, you know, things like that. And uh, so it could be your friend if you if you use right. it right. right. Um, so, you know, we've, we've always tried to, like, utilize the, the tools that, that we have in front of us. So that's definitely one of them. Right. Now, both of you, Sin and Be Real, y'all both got, like, very unique voices. Like... There's no, like, when I hear your voice, I know that's you. When I hear your voice, I know that's you. There's not a lot of people who have distinct voices like that. Who's someone who's, both of you guys, who's someone that has a unique voice that you guys are fans of? Chuck D. That's a good one. Chuck D's unique. Okay. Rakim. Okay. Unique. Ad Rock. Unique. Q-Tip. Q-Tip's a good one. Unique. Busta Rhymes mm. Unique mm. You know what I'm saying Like These these guys got voices That cut through anything Right And and so You know We wanted We wanted that for us So we developed our shit Like my rap voice Wasn't What it What it was on records Before we figured it out Right You know what I mean It, it was very <laughs> It was fucking whack To be honest with what, you What your voice <clears throat> Yes, my, the fuck out of it. my like just like the young demos, you know yeah. what I mean? That's what I was trying to figure it out. What the fuck are we doing? Right. And then I, and then I figured out my voice from a from again a Ram LZ record. Mm. Ram LZ used to pitch his voice. He'd you know start off with the low tone and then he'd flip to a fucking high tone out of nowhere randomly in a, in a rap song, and that's what gave me the idea to do my shit like that because my my voice wasn't cutting through. And we all knew at that point, you know, like Sendog, I mean, Sendog, Muggs, and myself, this is before Bobo, we knew that, like, got to be distinct and it's got to cut through. So me pitching my voice was an idea I had to, you know, f- f- to cut through because my voice, my writing was good, but my voice was just not there. And mm. when that happened, it became a little bit more interesting and the songs became a little bit more interesting and they had more color in it. So, you know, having, you know, a distinct voice is, I mean, you know, like where you recognize it off the top. Oh, that's like Jay-Z. Distinct voice. You want it to be distinguished, right? But then there's there's people who who, who bit Jay-Z's. Yeah, but they can't sound like him. Just like people can't sound like you. You can't be the original, right? right. Yeah, Yeah, it's true, it's true. Like there's been many motherfuckers trying to sound like Busta. And sound like you too. They come close. Who's somebody you like, um, um... A voice tones, uh, uh, King DMC, wow, from the Hollis Crew, 
You know what I mean? Wow. That's one of the dudes, one of my original, like, dudes that I look up to as, like, a... Because he wasn't on... He wasn't even the primary rhymer on all this stuff. Right. He was a secondary rhymer, right. and I respect that kind of shit. Right. You know what I mean? So I looked at him as a... As a, like, a... Like, a inspiration. And then also, Seiji from Ultra Magnetic. Mm. Am I taking you back now? Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 Ultra. I was always cool kid come up and, with, and the, with the lyrical I mean, danger ass shit and then right? said G come up uh, you know what I mean and, and follow that up with a, with a certain punch and that always impressed me you know what I mean it wasn't always the you know the it, it, it's all production thing like so the primary dude is, is all good and great but I want to hear what the next guy come in how he's going to add to the song and how he's going to uplift it and, that's the, and that kind of thing and then uh you know, most picked up on that as I was doing the whole, you know, kill a man shit. And he's like, let's elevate that to make that a more of a prominent secondary role. You know what I mean? So that's the kind of dudes that I would look up to. It wasn't always the primary cat. It was, you know, sometimes I would look at the, the you know, like a, the second dude or even sometimes even the third dude. You know what I mean? And I would find inspiration in that kind of thing. That's, that's, that's crazy. Like, Lost, Lost Boys was freaky tie, right? right. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's all about the, what you layer it with. The right. stink. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. But then, you needed that. Like, that wasn't something that you could go without. That that added right. to what the group was. Like, even Flav. Like, even Flav. Like, no, like, you, like, can't, like, you can't like, public enemy without Flav. No, also, like, like Eric Sermon. Also, yeah. like Eric Sermon. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Eric Sermon's voice was very oh, distinct. Oh, voice. Okay. Yes. Of course, of okay. course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, he had that slight lisp. I mean, you know, what was that? like the EPMD shit. That was like we had major run with that shit. Like that and PE was always in the system, and, and you know, like Eric Sermon's voice always cut through, and just in a different way. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And, and um, that in hip hop at that point, that's what you needed—that distinction and your own sound. That's what we was listening to, like '89. Right. EPMD, Public Enemy, Ultramagnetic. You had to be mad different than anything yeah, that was out there. it wasn't just needed. It, it was a must. Yeah. That was you a requirement. You had to be creatively different from everybody else. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I don't know that it's so, so much of, yeah. a, of, a, of a thing today, but back in our day, you know what I mean? That's no, how you really couldn't sound like a motherfucker. You couldn't sound like a motherfucker. You couldn't sound like Dre. You had to come up with your own original fucking sound. And that's what set you apart from the field. Right. Yeah, that's the truth of it, though. Absolutely. You ever did a show at a place where they don't allow to smoke marijuana? Yes. Where? Anywhere in Texas. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere. There was no, like, when we started like smoking on stage, there was no order. Because yeah, you were getting arrested and shit like no, that. No, we right? were not. A word? I don't, listen, here's the thing. Either they had mad love for us and they gave us a pass, or they didn't think we had the audacity to be smoking real weed up on stage. Right. That had to be fake. You know right. what I'm saying? I don't know what it is. I can't answer it for them, but, like, we got away with it in places that you normally shouldn't. And wouldn't get away with it. We we were blessed. God right. blessed right. the fuck right. out of us right. in right. some way that we got away with smoking in places that you don't or you're not supposed to. And like the Bible Belt. Yeah, wow. most definitely. That, and that we took our crazy. chances. Wow. But I'll say this: for, for some for some spots, they would warn us. And in those spots, we were like, okay, cool. 
They will warn you? Yes, yeah, some okay. like if you light up on stage, you're going to jail. Right. Yeah. They're waiting for you. Like back in the day in Texas, right. if they were fans, they'd come and warn us and you know give us the heads up. Like, hey, listen, we're fans, but you can't smoke that shit on stage. Otherwise, we got to arrest you, and that's us doing our job. Right. Do what you want to do, but guess, you know, just know that we have to take you in if you fucking go, right? So when they gave us the heads up, yeah, we were inclined to be smart enough to listen to that advice. If they didn't tell us, we would just take it upon ourselves to right. be like, we're going to do this shit, and that's it. Because I feel like y'all and Snoop got like the ultimate smoke pass. weed anywhere pass. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Close, like, yeah, close. I feel, I, feel like, I feel like as soon as y'all check into the hotel, they're supposed to be like, Cypress Hill's here, let's fuck it. No, I'll tell you <laughs> what. I, do, I took a lot of fines oh. in my time in hotels because my room is church when it comes to smoking weed. 250 a night. That's uh, you know what I'm saying? That's 250. You're smoking to get in there tomorrow, right? So everyone wants to be real room to smoke. Yes, my, okay. I'm, my, my room pretty is pretty much the, like my room. It's okay. the temple, it's the church. So, <laughs> right. you know, we blow my room up and I get the charges. But you smoking inside or you going on the balcony? If we got a balcony, we going on the balcony. If not, we blow this fire balconies off. these days. <laughs> oh my god! We covering the smoke detector and we blowing that shit up. That's yeah. what we did with the first Snoop episode. We had yeah. to put the, the towels on the smoke detectors, yeah. take them out. Like shower the cap, Poppy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shower cap. <laughs> yeah, but the weed. That, I mean, back in the days, you used to put. You know, a towel under the door and have some Ozium spray. That shit don't work. Yeah, that shit don't work. Yeah, we predate Ozium. Yeah, we predate that shit. Yeah, that shit. I got to have me a balcony room. Got to yeah. cap on a smoke alarm. Yeah, that shit don't work. <laughs> no, that shit works, man. Holy moly guacamole, man. Man, Jesus, man. This has been so great, man. Like I said, man, um, when we started this show, we wanted to give people... You know, they flowers, they they roses while they're alive. You know, so many people, you in this game Beautiful. 10 years, and they want to say, you know, you washed up. And it's like that word don't exist in any other genre of music but hip-hop. True It's that. like, and, and the thing is, we know this is a young man sport. We get it. We get it. We know this is a young it man is sport. It is. But it's also the OGs who taught us. We looked up to OGs, and now that we're the OGs, I don't want to just... Bow out like that. We still, this is still our game. You it's, know what a, it's a creative sport. Let's just say listen, that. Listen, yeah. Listen to the young, to the young boys coming up, and y- y'all on the radio. We give it to y'all. We love y'all, but you cannot take away from what we we mm, laid down. Never. Like, cause there'll never be another Cypress Hills. You know what I'm oh, saying? Absolutely. Like, there'll never be another Cypress Hill. So, I want to give y'all, y'all love to y'all face. Well, th- well, you know what I'm you. saying? To y'all, you know, we love y'all for real. Like, y'all open the door for not only, you know, not West Coast rap, you know, not only Latinos, but just for great music and music that you just want to just, 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 and, and all of you brothers, I know all of you brothers individually, all of you brothers are fucking great people. I just want to say that to your face. Thank you know you what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I got to give you mine. Okay. I got you guys here. I mean, you stop my clap. Can we just stop my clap? Stop your clap. It's crazy for me to be right here sitting yes. down with y'all. Yes. Absolutely. And I'm telling you this as a as a Cuban kid, born in LA to Cuban exiles, raised in Southgate to a young age, and then moved to Miami and be a Cuban kid in Miami, didn't understand being a Cuban kid in Miami because I'm an LA kid. And then y'all come out. And how important that was to someone like myself. 
know what I'm saying? To understand, like, oh shit, there's roots there. There's something I can identify with, and I'm and I'm I'm already a hip hop head, and it, and it and it and it inspires me, and that might not get me here sitting down right now just letting you know that and it's just so inspirational man i want to thank y'all y'all the biggest thing to me and, and to a lot of my crazy hood crew that's here like we love y'all man like y'all hey, thank, you, us, thank, man. You. thank you thank you thank you very much so i just want to say this right to that to that this is the young man's game shit right that's a narrative that is, you know, perpetuated by record companies and radio stations. Absolutely. And, that, and that's because both don't know how to reach out to the folks that grew up with this shit. They don't know how to market and promote to the to the folks that grew up with our shit who now are parents and they got mortgages and fucking leases or whatever the fucking bills to pay that they're not like tuned in to the Friday and Tuesday new music drops. Right. The, the record companies forget about them they grew up with you, and they're always fucking with you, but they're not as aware as they were when they were teens. Losers drop on Fridays now. Well, Tuesdays and Fridays. Yeah, Tuesdays on our on our, that was on our, our, on yeah, our yeah, calendar. Yeah, Fridays, that we old school. Yeah, that was Fridays. Tuesdays and Fridays. Let's just say it like that, right? But Fridays, yeah, right? So they don't know how to get to, like, the, the people past 30 something into right. their 50s who mm. grew up with this music mm. who still fuck with it right. Right. but they don't find it like they used to because mm. they got real life things that they're dealing with as opposed to when you're a teen mm. I'm waiting on this day mm. for the new shit mm. right different responsibilities right and the, the record companies and the radio stations ain't geared towards finding them mm. they're like this shit right here is what we've been doing geared towards the teens right. how do you connect 50 year old 30-year-old 30, 30 bands, 50-year-old rappers, 30-year-old right. bands to teens, like right. 18 to 34. How do you connect that? They don't got the formula. Mm. That's why a lot of times groups in our time, we don't get rotation from these radio stations. You can go up there for the interview and all that shit, right. and they're going to play it that one time, and mm. when you leave, fuck you. Mm. Cool, it was good having them up here, but they're not rotating the record mm. because they don't know how to connect with that base. But guess what? It's out there. Right. It's out there because we who grew up to hip-hop still listen to hip-hop. New shit and old shit alike. It's just these motherfuckers ain't figured out how to connect that together. So this is a young man's game. That's bullshit. As long as you have it in you and you still have Absolutely. the passion, right. this is your game for as long as you want to fuck with it. Look at KRS-One and... Yeah, it's a creative man's there game. There it is. Or woman. Right. Right. So you know all that young man's game shit is a false narrative. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 yeah. I, I agree with you. Now the mainstream industry is what we're talking about. That's right. the young man's game. Right, right. right. But, but that's it. But, the, but, that's but we've it. already that's obsolete. That industry is obsolete. It's been obsolete. Yeah. When you guys did the Napster tour, it's the beginning of how that's obsolete. Right. They, they say it's two things you should never worship: money and youth, because they all come and go. True that. That was deep. That I got Facts. deep. You got a little deep. That fucked me up. That fucked me up right there. That was a bit deep right there. So, um, what's next? What's next? You know, new experiences. You know what I mean? Like. Musically, we're gonna keep doing our thing, but we're trying to, you know, develop a new experience for people rather than just traditional albums. Because I mean, you know, hey, doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense anymore. So, you know, we've been talking about a different experience. So, you know, 
we might do one last traditional album and then the rest is like NFTs. Uh, who knows? But. Um, could be NFTs, could be immersive, it could be some just something different, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Because, I mean, we've been in this game a long time, and, like, how do we stay interested, right? Mm -hmm. There's got to be, and we're always trying to be out of the box. Mm -hmm. So it's like challenging ourselves. What, what can we do different to give to people than this traditional album shit? But you know what's important is that you guys have the opportunity to take advantage of the investment you put into the fans... To, to be able to play with that right. world, that new world of that, how do we do this? Because the fans will follow you. Right. And that's an example that needs to be understood to anybody doing this in, in this industry. Like, yeah. you need to invest in your fans. That's right. You know what I'm saying? And I think that what you guys have done, you invested in yourselves. That's right. And, and you know, salute to our fans out there because they've held us up with new records and without. They've come to the shows and they've represented and they've been, you know, the ones who like hold us up, you know, when other motherfuckers count us out, you know right. what I mean? Our fans, who we do it for, you know, we're vessels of our creativity. Boom, it goes to the fans, they receive it and they hold us up. Now, why did you stop smoking blunts? You know, it was it was fucking with my voice a little bit. You know, we we had a run where we were doing a whole lot of Jack Daniels and blunts after Jack before, Daniels before, and blunts. before and after shows. It's a winning combination. You <laughs> really have to try. It's a winning combination. We were the Jack Daniels crew, and wow. you know we were smoking blunts at the time. But every show, I was like fucking up. My voice would come back, and it'd be hoarse. And like doing the next show, my voice would get worse and worse and worse. And and partially it was the blunts and, and the fucking whiskey, you know. Mm. And I and I changed up a lot of shit to to keep my voice similar to what we do on the albums because like that always bothered me as a fan. Like if I went to see someone. And they, they're screaming all over the fucking place and they don't got no control and they don't sound shit like they do on the album. That bothers me. So right. I thought, like, if I was coming to see us, I want to hear me the way I am on the fucking album. So I, like, mm. tried to get control of that. Blunts was one of those things. And drinking the whiskey before the show was... I want to blame the whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> No, because I gotta blame. Wine. I gotta blame the blunts you too. Blame the it's the blunts, blunts, right? Yeah, it's a combination of. I gotta blame the blunts. Rihanna's a singer, singer. Rihanna? Yes, she smokes blunts. Oh, I was like, where she does, does this come into play? Yeah, yeah. look, look, but, look at her. Uh, her shit is blunts. There's no joints. But singing is different. You're, 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 it is, it's different. You're, Hold on, you're yes, listen. Hold on now. Uh, you want, think it's hard. you want me to break it down for I you? I would like to hear the breakdown. Okay, so they're sustaining notes, right? They're sustaining notes, lesser phrase, right? In other words, lesser words in their phrases. Their verses are are they just in R and B are one verse, one so word. Our sixteen bars for a rap verse is their eight bar. Know what I mean? Mm. Understand me? So, like when they do their shit, it's 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 not necessarily this, that it's less work. It's not. It's absolute work. They got to stay in key. They got to hold that pocket in what they do. But we are rapping. <laughs> 16 fucking bars. You know how many words are in 16 bars? Mm. And then the breath pockets within those fucking bars, it's slightly a little more difficult. Now, we don't got to necessarily stay in key the way singers mm. do, but yeah. we got to stay on that beat. And he got a great argument. And we got to keep... And, and we got <laughs> to keep our tone because, mm. like, 
anyone can write a song and then like, you know, put it out a certain way. But when you go performing, do you sound like that? And the blunts were Especially fucking working. Yes, yeah. and blunts were working against that for me. It mm. kept on fucking cutting my voice, scratchy, you know, raspy. I was starting to sound like Busta Rhymes out there, dog. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no. That's not the way I sound on yeah, yeah. records. No, so I, I'm gonna blame the whiskey, man. Both. <laughs> I gotta say both. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so take so, a shot to that. Yeah, take, take a shot. shot. To that. All right, I'll take a shot to that. Fuck it. And what is that? That's beer. Okay, you put no, beer I'm in the cup. I'm no, no, the other one. Oh yeah, this is beer. Okay, 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 okay. Holy shit, man. This is great. This Got is it. fucking great. And, and you know, no. <laughs> I fucking yeah. love this shit, man. I love this shit, man. I love this shit, man. I, I we love, are one. <laughs> yes, yes. I love, I love, um, you guys are always positive. Why you, why you ain't got a little bit of negative juice? Oh, man. Because <laughs> hey, the negativity uh, has never scarred me as, as bad as some people would, would think it has. I mean, since me and my brothers here, you know, we, we built the thing up and it became successful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of hard to be sour behind success. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You have to enjoy right. it, what you guys have built and what we've made with our lives and everything. And now our families, you know, get to live, you know, a good life behind us. So I have no, mm. I have no fucking sarcasm or anything like that with the shit that we have done. Right. Because there's no need for that, you know. We right. we get to make good money and tour around the world and mm. do what we love as teenagers. What we talked about, right, right, and then continue on forward. Mm. So I don't I don't really have a, like a negative side to this. Right. Past my my younger self, mm-hmm. right. My adult self is completely fine. Right. I mean, I'll, I'll say this: ninety six be real as opposed to twenty twenty two be real. Two different. <laughs> They don't like each other. You think they no, no, like they, they they fucks with each other, but you know, <laughs> they kind of hang out sometimes. I, yeah, they they hung out a couple times. Ninety six be real in two thousand. Yeah, I was I was pretty much mad at the world at that. I don't point. fuck with young in ninety six. In ninety six, I don't I, fuck I, with him. I don't answer yeah. calls. No, no. Like it, you know, we were working on Temple, Temple of Boom at this time, and we were fucking mad at the world at that point. Like you know, shit, people counted us out on the third record. Mm-hmm. They thought we was done, and you know. Shit with Sony was kind of weird and management was kind of weird. And that was kind of at the time where Send Dog sort of, you know, dipped for a minute. You know what I mean? And so it was it was a crazy time. And I was like, <laughs> Bobo could tell you, I was I was that guy. I, you know, asshole. Asshole. Damn. With everybody. With everybody. I could own that. Like, not the fans, but like, you know. I, yeah, man, I was just like on some fuck everybody shit at that point. But, but I, not cocky, but just no, 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 okay. no, no, not just that. Tremendo yeah. como pinga. Yeah, you know, like because what the business is, you know, like when you get in, you don't know what the fuck it is. You're like, oh shit, I'm in. Right. And then as you learn what it is, and you learn it from turns some you off. Manage, managers, right. agents, fucking record company right. motherfuckers, and shit like that, and and just the game, and you know, it could fucking get to you in the in the. In the realm of like, you know, fuck this shit. This shit is fucking bullshit right it's here. It's fake, it's bullshit. It's, it's not yeah, what right, motherfuckers right, right. think it is. Hence, mm-hmm. rock superstar. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And in 96, I was like, man, fuck all that. And I was drinking a lot of whiskey at that point mm. and smoking the blunts. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just did not give a fuck at that point. And, you know, I, I, 
It wasn't that I was terrible to people because I know I wasn't to fans, but like I was terrible in my fucking head. Mm. It was crazy, but we were doing well. Better than a lot of motherfuckers thought. You know, with that Temple of Boom album, as is, is pissed off as I was in that time, that shit was well received. You know, when people thought we were going to fucking fall off, we were playing that. Classic that album. We were playing that music on, on Smoke and Grooves tour and salute to Kara Lewis for putting us on that tour at the time. Um, we were playing that music before anybody had heard it. And this was not something that you did in hip hop when you were established. We were on that tour playing Temples of Boom music before anybody fucking heard it. Mm. And the reaction that we were getting was fucking awesome, right? Was it Temple of Boom, right? Yes. It was Temple of Boom. And, you know, that was, that was satisfying to see people move into shit they didn't even know, right? But in that time, we were fucking pissed off. So, the, or I was definitely. So, seeing the people embrace that shit and that be one of the favorite albums when I was so pissed off writing in that fucking time, um, that was that was satisfying because people connected to that album. You know, a lot of people when they come up to us, they say that's their favorite album, Temples of Boom. And that, was, and that was at my height of fuck everything. You know, but not out of cockiness, out of like you know. Tired of what what the game actually was. Right. You guys been on plenty of labels. What, what was the favorite label you guys ever worked with? Start with you, Mox. Oh, I think we was Cypress is on one label. Yeah, really? pretty Columbia, much our, right? our whole first our whole first run. I think we put the last record out with us like a second label, but for the first fifteen years, I think it was just Columbia. Yeah, it, it was Columbia for sixteen. Columbia Roughhouse. Roughhouse Columbia. Columbia. Yeah. Well, it was Roughhouse Columbia for okay. the first. Uh, Four albums, and then I think when Rough House dissolved, we were just on Sony Columbia for that time. Then we finished our contract, which a lot of Tommy Matolo at that time, Tommy and Tommy and Donnie, both of them, and we we finished out our contract there, which a lot of motherfuckers don't do. Mm. And we we uh, we did uh, one album on EMI, which was Rise Up. Snoop wanted to sign that, so we you know signed it with him. He was president over there, right? Mm -hmm. And so we did that, and so and the next one was more like on on an independent label, which was uh, Elephants on NASA. So three labels, okay, pretty much. But most of our career on Sony, Roughhouse, Sony. Would y'all pick Sony as your favorite? Oh yeah, okay, I would. Okay, you I, know, I respect that because realistically, they could have tried to mold us in in into what they thought we should be, but they allowed us to be us. You know what I mean? Sure, you know, they try to make suggestions here and there and, you know, Muggs would be like, yeah, that's cool for you. Right. <laughs> We're going to do this. Right. And, you know, he stood his ground on the creativity of it and they allowed it. You know, they didn't try to, you know, twist was, our arm. Was Rough House a big part of that, yeah. though? Yeah, they were. Because they, they, they had a lot of dope groups yeah, I think signed had, to Rough House. Fuji, Chris, Nas, Chris right? and Joe were big advocates for us, you know, when it came to dealing with Sony. And, uh, you know, Joe was like, he got it, man. I mean, Joe and Chris, they both got it. And salute to them because realistically, you know, we, we shopped the album around for a minute and we were getting turned down by labels on the West Coast. Uh, and we and we uh, we were talking to Funk Incline, rest in ple- rest in peace, who was at the time with Hollywood Basic, and they were interested, but they kept asking for demo after demo. I think we gave them like six, seven demos. Oh, different uh, demos, like you, yeah, yeah, shit that didn't make the album, but right. you know they kept asking for more shit, and 
Roughhouse or Chris and Joe were like, we're ready now. We'll fucking take it as it mm. is. And uh, Sendog called that shot and said, you know what? We're going with Joe and Chris. And, and they're in a Philly. Like, and they, and were, they, they were a Philly-based label. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah and I really liked their, their whole approach to, to, to our group because there was like, just do whatever you want, say whatever you want. That's like, I, have, I felt like we had someone that was willing to like have our back no matter what he said on the mic or anything like that. Right. So I, I really, those, those first couple of years, it was just Cypress and Roughhouse were, you know, special time for me, myself personally. Um, is there any plans of like starting Cypress Hills record company and you guys trying to go like find another Cypress Hills? It's always possible. I mean, Muggs is constantly on on the works. You know what I mean through through Soul Assassins. Right. So you know, there's always diamonds in the rough out there, man. You right. know what I mean. We were that once upon a time, and uh, you know if you follow the direction of the producer, right? Fact, because yeah. some of us as rappers have tr like egos and be like, ah, who like I'll just let, do I'll, let me do me. But if you follow the fucking direction, right, you might come up with something significant. I always followed the direction of Muggs, mm. and, and, and I learned through Muggs to follow directions of other producers. Now, if they're letting me paint the picture and going on at, at my pace, then sure, I know how to take that shit over. Because, again, I learned from this man right here. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, so... It's important you put your ego aside, you know, because a lot of us will love our own shit like that. Right. But we learn not to do that early. You know what I mean? Like if Muggs gave us this beat and we took that fucking beat home with us and fucking listened to it a thousand times, Send Dog and myself might fall in love with that shit. And then when Muggs changes something, we might be like, oh man, why'd you change that? And then it, creates a fucking dynamic that's there's tension and then chemistry's broken there you know what i'm saying right. but if we give trust into mug saying like his name's on it he's got the same the same want of it being fire as we do he's not going to put his name on something that's whack or shit so mm. let's follow the direction and 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 like create something special you know so i learned to do that with mugs and I did it with other producers if they had direction. If they didn't, I painted the canvas. You know what I'm saying? And I think an artist, if they're if they're being one thousand with themselves, follow the producer when the producer fucking mm. gives you a fucking direction. You know, like that made it easy for me to be creative when he had an idea for something. I hear this. Okay, let me paint that. Mm. That's dope. Right. You got something to add on to that? No, I think that was great. <laughs> so um, let me ask y'all uh, Mount Westmore Right uh, I believe it's Ice Cube Snoop Too Short And E-40 E-40 yeah Right They say they're doing an album But then now they're saying That they're doing a tour Right Is there talks about Including you guys in this tour Not that I've heard of Because that's what I heard I heard that That, that, that would be cool as fuck I could tell you <laughs> yeah, You know If we went on with that would them. be dope. Those I, heard, I heard they they adding y'all exhibit. What? 
up. Damn, Nori got the, the plug. You got the plug, son. Exclusive drink chance right now. Exclusive. That's what I heard. Air horn. It's in. not a good it's air horn if it's not true. <laughs> because, no, I'm saying, just think about that. Mount Westmore, because all four of those guys can do their four set. Right, absolutely. But then, you know. That'd be amazing. That like, all the West Coast, like, I, that, I think that would be just crazy. Yeah, I don't know if it's true or not. Yeah, me neither. I just, but, I, I read it somewhere. But I would, I would say that that would. That would be a fucking enormous show, right? And it would right. make sense. Yeah, because right. you be got Titans as that right. group right yeah, there. Right. The, the Mount Westmore. I mean, everybody is everybody. And, you know, we fuck with all of them. You know, those are our brothers right there and shit. Right. So, you know, if we were called upon to play support right. for our bros, yeah, of course we would do that. If if that rumor is true, hey, right. celebrate it because... Let's, yeah. let's make that let's rumor make true. Let's make that rumor true, guys. Yeah. 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 You know what I love about that? I love, I love uh, about you guys is I love... OGs being OGs. Like, I don't like when, you know, people, you know, try to copy the new si sound, right. the new style. I like us being, you know, us acting our own age. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. why I love That's this. I love right. this. And that we can be cool at the ages we at. Like, I don't, right. don't got to be, you know, I don't gotta be two steps. Yeah. I don't gotta be doing that new dance. You see that new dance? What's the new word? Maybe Skywalker yeah. in it. Like, you shit. don't touch the floor. Like I, I can't do that. I can't do. That. I know I can't do that. My, my knees is fucked up. None you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I'm glad. I, you know, we have our own platforms. Big up to uh, Rock the Bells. Right. Also. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we could be ourselves. We don't have to, you know, try to cater to this That's new the generation. That's evolution of hip-hop right now. You know what I'm right saying? Um, it, 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 I, I feel like we started it from Drink Chance, but, you know part what I'm saying? Part of it, definitely I'm a part, part of it. it. Um, and I just want to uh, salute y'all one more time, man. Hey, thank you. guys you. are living legends, uh, and in a lot of ways, you know, uh, you paved the way for both of us. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Us getting to see, like, you know, thank Latinos. You guys, because Because it was crazy, you know, me being born and raised in New York City. I only thought it was Puerto Ricans. Right. I didn't know they was, like, uh, I thought it was Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. I never even knew. I was like, what? Yeah. There's fucking Cubans? And there's fucking uh, Mexicans? And then to see people on, on, on TV, on, on my video music box, and to see it, and, and, and then, and you know, you guys spit in the, you guys speak about Latin lingo. But, um, uh, I mean, you, you guys, you know, saying the Spanish, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, holy shit, this is ill, there's Latinos everywhere. And I had not known that, that, that was crazy. Y'all was like my geographical map back then. <laughs> like, 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 you know, I didn't know how to read a map, but I'm saying, I was like, wow, these people could be from over there, too. And, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like, we're not just in fucking Queens. He's like, 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 they could be Because I was the only Latino there. Yeah, so yeah. I was, you know, it's, it's racist, by the way. Just be real. Yeah, I was a racist. Yeah. 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 Bobby! Where you at And then I realized, and I want to say that to y'all, you know, um, and I think we yesterday in on one more shot. But, uh, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, go. let's go. But I want to say to y'all, man, that was a big inspiration. Um, that was big motivation. It was, it's so dope. It was dope. everything, man. It's, it's so dope. Like, like I said, it wasn't, it's not only that. You know, for, for, for me to look up to you guys, for me to meet you guys, and you guys be the same exact way, you guys be real as fuck, you guys be, you know what I'm saying, like, 
like just always being uh, 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 the figure that I, I seen because I used to meet people that I used to look up to and then I meet them. I'm like, ah, fuck, this guy's a prick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you guys are really that. You guys are really, and you guys held it down together 30 years, man. You know what I'm saying? That's something to really be proud of. That's something to really, and we want to salute you. We want to give you our flowers. Please, yeah. And we got your shirt. We got your shirt. My, my yeah, wife got your shirt too. Yeah, yeah. every one of y'all got a shirt. All you know, right. from the Juicy Juice Ball. But listen, I want to tell y'all, man, thank y'all for what y'all did. Thank y'all for what y'all sacrificed. Thank y'all for leading yeah, the way. Thank y'all for being leaders. Thank y'all for motherfucking being who the fuck y'all are. And, you know, one time for your mind, two time for your soul. Like my man, you know, motherfucking FC Shan said. Thank you, Thanks for joining us for another episode of Drink Champs, hosted by yours truly, DJ EFN and NORE. Please make sure to follow us on all our socials. That's at Drink Champs across all platforms, at The Real Noriega on IG, at Noriega on Twitter. Mine is at Who's Crazy on IG, at DJ EFN on Twitter. And most importantly, stay up to date with the latest releases, news, and merch by going to drinkchamps.com. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com iHeart. That's l e e s a dot com slash iHeart.